Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Greetings one and all, wherever you are around the world. It feels like uh, quite a long time since we had had some uh, real meaningful 24-hour racing, but... After the six hours of Yas Marina and the roar before the 24 in Florida, we can settle back now after a patient time with two 24-hour races incorporated, in a sense, in the same weekend. Entirely separate, of course, events, but we will have every single lap covered, regardless of whether you're on RS1 or RS2 IMSA radio. But right here on this channel, it is the 2024 edition of the 24 Hours of Dubai and a terrific entry lined up already on the main straight in readiness for the 1pm start. That's just under 30 minutes away. And the excitement continues to build on the grid. We will get there very, very shortly uh, with all of the news from yesterday as well because uh, uh, a lengthy qualifying process has brought the grid that now sits beneath us. Another year means a brand new season for the 24H series and as tradition tells us we're beginning at the Dubai Autodrome in Motor City, Dubai. The date has changed very slightly because of a logistical matter in all of the cars arriving here but thankfully we can say that this weekend the 19th edition of the Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai will begin in less than 30 minutes time. You're tuned to the Radio Show Limited Network of Channel this is RS1 with Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. We will have a, a whole team of voices that you'll be hearing very, very shortly as well. But the atmosphere is really building. One thing to mention as well, the wind's really getting up too. Bear in mind too, as well that this race and this mini-season actually straddles the back end of 2023 and the start of 2024 in the form of the Middle East Trophy. So the 12 hours of Kuwait at the start of last month. Then, just a week ago, the six hours of Abu Dhabi at the Yas Marina circuit, about an hour's drive from here. And then the Dubai Autodrome, once again the venue of the 24-hour race that carries the most points in the Middle East trophy, spanning Saturday and Sunday, which is a new edition, of course, as well, a relatively new edition as well. And an indication as to how the European season sits in front of us, that will begin towards the end of March in the traditional slot for the 12 hours of Mugello. So once again, a visit to Tuscany. Then the 12 hours of Spa about a month later. The 24 hours of Portimao, one of only two twice-around-the-clock races that sit in part of the European season. I think a first-ever visit to Misano for the 12 hours there in July and then the 12 hours of Barcelona, which has been a long-standing event. And that, again, is in September, as it usually is. The the mood and the excitement is really building now on the grid. Plenty of people that are uh, sort of working their way through what is a packed area because of all the cars in position. 27 degrees Celsius in the air, relatively humid at 42% and uh, air pressure pretty good as well. Obviously, a lot of the teams will be hoping that the temperature ebbs away rather swiftly. 
when the sun sets, which will be about six o'clock tonight. So it's Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones in the Global Broadcast Centre. And I'm delighted to say that bringing us all the latest news and how the, how the mood is down on the grid is Diana Binks. everyone good morning uh, Johnny and Bruce uh, well a warm welcome to the grid here for the start of the Dubai 24 hours now I was very much enjoying the opening ceremony celebrations here that are going on the atmosphere I've got to say is incredible it's a pretty packed grid and uh, Johnny mentioned earlier there that the wind has picked up and it certainly has but um, all the sand now is sort of uh, you know blown over the circuit so we'll have to see how that one pans out at the start of the race but this trophy behind me, as you can see here, if you follow me over to this big trophy here, this is what these teams are here fighting for. They want to get their name on this trophy. Last year's winning team, Team WRT, haven't made it out to Dubai this year, but Herbert Motorsport are, and they were the 2017 winners, and they definitely will be looking to try and fight for that. Only one up from the top 10 can fight to get their name on there. But that will all unfold in the next 24 or 24 and a half hours, shall we say. But first of all, let's make our way to the pole position uh, for class pole. And um, here they are down here, just take, getting a photo opportunity at the moment. But the Santaloc Junior Audi team and Pierre Kaffer is uh, here ready to chat to us. Pierre, how are you feeling this morning? Uh, we are feeling very good. I have a very good uh, feeling for the race and I'm really looking forward. Um, we will see, it's a long race, like usual, 24 hours, everything can happen. And um, But I think we are well prepared. Ilya will take the start today. So, yeah, we will see. You had, a, you had a steering issue, didn't you, in, um, in qualifying? You came in in the last few moments and, and kept that pole position. Um, but um, has that been rectified? You said, obviously, you know, as a team... Oh, you OK? <laughs> As a team, you um, are very much you know, aware of the challenges. You're experienced enough to know what to do. What did you have to do? And are you confident you're, you're fixed? Oh, well, we, we sort out uh, our steering issue problem. Um, we had a very good uh, warm-up this morning. So from that point, I mean, uh, the team Sandilock and all the Audi people, um, they have done a fantastic job the whole week. And um, that gives me quite of a, a good confidence today. Um, we will see. I mean, as I said before, everything can happen. But I really like and love the the Creventic series, and um, it's a very good sport. And I think we will see a very exciting race. You've got a great driver lineup. What's the sort of driving styles like between all of you? Do they all complement each other? Yes, you have to, and uh, it's always everyone. I think we'll say the same, stay out of trouble, don't hit anything, don't look after the tires, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, um, it's very difficult to do all the things and to be right in the strategy will be, I think, one of the key points the next couple of hours, which is not my job. My job is just a wheel. Oh, I'm sure you're across everything. I've seen you in the garage chatting all the time outside that car. Now, the wind picked up a little bit earlier, which meant that, you know, the sand and dust has, has sort of picked up a little bit here. What sort of effect will that have at the start of the race, do you think? I have to say, this morning in warm-up, I was uh, quite surprised when I've seen some cars uh, which were offline. First, I thought they have a mechanical issue, but then I realized it's all the dust and all the sand and... Today, I think it's very special with all the wind. Um, it's like in, in Zandvoort, every lap is, is a bit different. So you have to be also there careful when you go offline. 
and overtake some other cars. But in the end, uh, it's for everyone the same. It makes it just more challenging. Yeah, we wish you all the very best uh, with the race today. No doubt we'll talk to you through throughout the race, but uh, go well. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Pierre Kaffer. There now, I think the uh, the Leipert car, which was in second place, as I understand it, I can't see it, so I don't don't actually think it made it across to the and Hass RT. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? We were, I was just a bit distracted there because the Leipert car is not there, is it? No, not made it onto the grid. Okay, so you are lining up in third place for the grid. Just just give us your thoughts. How do you feel it's gone for you so far? I mean, yeah, we did a good job in the quali. My teammates Torsten and Thomas did a perfect job. I just had to finish it on Q3. We are in a good position for the car. You know, last year we start P43. So it's better to be on the top three on the grid. Uh, there is a lot of sand and a lot of wind, so it will be difficult in turn one. But we'll see. It's just about surviving on the first lap, and then we'll see where we are. The Audi is a strong package, because in the years gone by, we've seen you know, a Mercedes front row lockout, and that hasn't happened this year. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of good Mercedes in Daytona now. So, yeah, we have a good package with the Audi for this track, so let's see. Who do you think your main competition is going to be? Who do you think the main competition is going to be? I mean, we are focused on the win for the class in AM category, and maybe we are AM for top five or even podium in general. So, yeah, Phoenix, uh, yeah, no, Saint Elok is super strong. Getspeed, Leipert, I hope they will do the start. And there is uh, plenty of great cars, a great lineup, so let's see. Do you enjoy this grid warm up? This set, you know, everyone's here on the grid, it's quite difficult to get through. So many fans, which is great to see for the championship. Is that a part of it that you enjoy? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, now I live here, so I have a lot of friends are coming, so that's cool. It's quite hot, so yeah, let's see. Well, go well in the race. Thanks very much for chatting to us. So let's take, um, let's go further down. So I think we've got, uh, we're just going to make our way through. It's quite a packed grid, as you can see, ladies and gentlemen. There's a, a, an awful lot going on, going on. But let's get all the way down to Herbert Motorsport. And uh, they've got an amazing livery on this Porsche. So I'm just going to wander around <laughs> to have a chat. How are you today? Yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my last race. I know, I know. That's what I was about to say, but I was just going to choose my moment to say that. But um, it must come with mixed emotions. Looking forward to uh, but wanting to have a great race. Uh, it's, it's, it's very big to emotion, yeah. Uh, ten years ago, I started with uh, with Reventing, and now, now it's finished. So I hope we win. Can you remember how you felt uh, on that first um, race that you did, Daniel? Can you, can you remember how you felt? What was the emotion then? The first one, yeah, the first one. Uh, it's, it's difficult to just to say that um, I didn't know that I, I don't know the car, I don't know the the, the, the track, and um, no, I feel me safe and uh, I know what's happened. And yeah. it's been an incredible journey, hasn't it? You've been champions, you've won this race, you've had so many successes. From a personal level, you must be incredibly proud of that. Don't understand it. You must be very proud and happy that you've done what I, you've I, done. I, I, I have been sure I've been happy. Yeah. And now we hope we, we win the, the race again, and then it's finished. And what's your... <laughs> well, there'll be a bit of celebrating to do first, we hope. But uh, what's your thoughts going into the race, and, and how would you like to see it go? How are you feeling about this, the start of the race? Uh, we are ner nervous. All, all, all together are nervous, and um, we hope the, the, the weather conditions are, are, are good. And 
no, no, not, not too much scent, and we have no crash. So, no. There's so many fans here this year, isn't there? It yeah, seems like there's my, more my than family, ever. My family's here, yeah. Oh, it's your family. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy to do that. Yeah. Well, you'll hear them supporting you during the race. Thanks for chatting to us, and we look forward to seeing you a little bit later. I can't read that. <laughs> Um, and now we're going to go over, we just follow us back on the grid. There's still uh, quite a lot of people out here, which is great to see. I mean, the fans have really come out in force here. And um, I'm just, is Phil, I'm just going to try and see if I can find Phil Keane, who's in the number 10 Grove car, but I don't see him around at the minute. Uh, is Phil here? No? Would you like to have a chat with us? <laughs> Sorry, I've forgotten your name. Brenton. Brenton. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. So it's a bit muddled on the grid here. There's so many people, I can't quite see who's who. Um, what's your thoughts going into to the race today and how's that preparation gone, you know, getting to this point? Yeah, I think we've, we've followed our programme pretty well. Um, we did everything we wanted to do and we've ticked everything off. We focused on the race most of the week. Who knows, I, I think everyone hasn't shown their hand with the BOP yet. I'm not 100% sure the Mercs going to be super competitive with, with what they've done to the car. Um, the organisers, but look, let's see how we go. We're, we're going to go flat out, see what happens. Yeah, in the past, we've sort of seen the Mercedes, you know, be quite strong here. But um, as you say, different factors coming into play, and also the wind this morning picked up, so that'll have a bit of an effect out on the tra on the surface on the track. Yeah, I think we'll come into our own in the night. I think the engine will pick up a bit. It, you can't really see it, but we, we're kind of in a bit of a sandstorm at the moment. There's sand everywhere on the track, so I think the first few laps will be quite loose. Um, but for us, we're just trying to stay out of trouble and, and see how we can make up some time in the night. All right. Well, you have a great race. Thanks very much for chatting to us, and uh, we'll speak to you a little bit later. So let's have a, another wander down here, Seb. I think a lot of people are... Um making their way off now some of the drivers are actually getting into the car they're actually getting their helmets on um so let's see if i can find anyone else down here oh i can see lewis plato just very quickly about to put his helmet on i'm just going to grab him lewis plato i know you're about to put your helmet on i'm sorry for the distraction but how are you this morning yeah i'm great you know i feel really good uh got a few laps in in, in morning warm-up which was really good the tracks particularly dusty today so it was nice to sort of get a good little visual of that and uh yeah i think we've got a strong car for the race hopefully so um get my head down nice and early try and keep it clean and just just knuckle on forward any last minute changes to strategy just to accommodate the bit of the sandstorm that we have or are you are you, are you just going with what you're what you're told uh, yeah, we, we just do as we're told. Uh, you know, the guys, the team have done such a great deal of strategy in the previous races. Uh, we, we've got a good idea of what we're doing due to different circumstances, but uh, I'll just leave it to the, uh, to the engineers. Okay. Lewis, thank you very much. Have a great race. So as Lewis Plato gets ready to get underway for this 24 hours of Dubai, we're going to take a look around the track and then we'll be further back up the grid to see who we can find to chat to you just before the race gets underway, which is very shortly. Back to you, Julian Bruce. People love this place. That's why uh, they've been keep, keeping coming back here for the 24 hours of Dubai. It's famously been called a mistake-inducing track because the downhill approach to turn one, the route through three, four, and five, can you can take different uh, uh, takes on that if you like different routes through that sequence of corners. But it's a long run down to the first corner, 255 kph. You will peak at, and then as I say, downhill sweeping through turn one, keep your foot in over the kerb at turn two, and then it's about balance between three, four, five, and six. 
hard onto the anchors as you reach turn seven, the right-hander, and then a really rewarding sequence of corners when you get them right approaching the parabolica so the slight kink at eight but the more significant corner which sort of has three apices is turn nine so crucial to get a good exit speed out of there into the second sector because this is the long back straight peaking at nearly 265 kph at top speed down into turn 10 and that's a classic outbreaking area the left-hander at turn 11 Again, a crucial corner because that determines your top speed into turn 12. Another chance to get by an opponent. 13 is usually flat out, certainly in a GT3 car through the left-hander. And then a great place to spectate is on the outside of turn 14, which is the tightest corner on the circuit. You can more or less keep it flat through 15. And then 16, again, so easy to make a mistake there because you can run out over the kerb and ruin your lap time as you hit the main straight. So almost every corner around here is different. There's not a great deal of elevation change, but those just minute moments uh, where the track does move up and down, again, can really affect your route through here. And the crosswind as well on that back straight, something to be wary of. So a wonderful venue. Uh, a chance again to see the amount of dust and sand that's blowing from left to right on the main straight. And Diana Binks trying to shelter from it. I certainly am, Johnny, but I've managed to find uh, Joe Foster from the 85 CP Racing. And we're actually being cleared off the grid at the moment. So, Joe, I think we can walk and talk if that's all right with you. But just firstly, um, is it Darren behind the wheel for the start? Actually, it's Charles uh, Esmolab is going to start for us today. And what was the last-minute chat with him? Oh, yeah, obviously, we just want to make sure that we have fun. It's easy to, uh, to forget why we're all here. It was just to enjoy ourselves in a proper motor race. So I told him if he's not having fun, he's not doing it right. It's such a great team effort from you guys, and you clearly love what you do. But also, you know, you are setting yourself a challenge by coming and getting involved in a 24-hour race. So that obviously excites you and makes you want to keep improving and keep getting the results when you can get them. What do you think your chances are today? I think uh, we always start these races uh, wanting to minimize uh, the things we don't do well and maximize the things we do. And the longer the races are, the better we do. It tends to maximize what we do well. So we love these 24-hour races and we're excited. As the race unfolds, we've got 55 cars on the grid. So is it going to be tire management? Is it going to be driver management or car management? What would you think? It will be all the above. Obviously, we, the environmental conditions are different today. It's a little warmer, dusty or windy. So we're going to manage that in the beginning and uh, just sort of see where we end up. And how involved do you get with the engineers? You know, when you come in, out, get out of the car, I know you drivers talk to each other, you give the information to the engineer, but is that something also that you feel is so important to be part of? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm an engineer myself, so I'm a little dangerous in the mix there, but uh, we have a lot of engineering knowledge in the team as well, so we engage with them, I mean, during the stint and after quite a bit. Okay, Joe, well, I'll let you go and get ready for the start of this one. Great to chat to you. Hope you all have a fantastic race. So, Johnny Bruce, that's it for me here on the grid. We've got to leave as the cars and drivers are all settled behind the wheel. Helmets on, ready to go, so it's over to you. Great to catch up with the drivers that you did there, Di. And there are, of course, so many other stories that we will try and delve into throughout the course of the 24 hours, the 19th edition of the Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai. One of the huge stories, though is that a car that qualified on the front row due to start alongside the Santaloc junior team Audi is that the Leipert Motorsport Lamborghini is not there 
And because of a fuel tank issue, whatever that may be, it uh, covers a multitude of sins potentially, that car is still actually in the garage. And the team, with thanks to Chris Milbourne, who we'll be hearing from a little bit later on, the team not even sure they might be able to take the race start. Clearly, they're not going to be on the grid to take the race start, so it'll have to be from the pit lane, and therefore there'll be a delay at the very best. This is not the situation you want at the start of a 24-hour race, Bruce. Not the dream start at all. And I think there are a couple of other cars that may also be in the pit lane. We have three cars that have been moved to the back of the grid. One of them was already there. It was stone last. It was the number 227 SRS Team Sorg Rensport car. Uh, that, uh, unfortunately, when they issued, put their USB stick for investigation, there was nothing on it. So it hasn't moved them back because they're already there. 927, also from a team called SRS Team Sorg Rensport, will be starting from the back of the grid. And the third car that's been put to the back is K. Kramer, Kramer Racing, another car from the 992 Cup class. That's car number 936. So they will be starting, presumably, they started the formation lap behind all the others. I think they might be up by pit exit because I can't see them in the shot at the moment. But it's great to see the, the grid having been cleared and uh, the serious stuff is about to start. Uh, we have had the logistical problems that moved this race back two weeks, but uh, those here are really focusing. 55 cars down to take the start, whether the Lamborghini is from second on the grid does so we will see that's bruce jones i'm johnny palmer as i say we've got so many other names uh, in the global broadcast center and also uh, moving up and down the pit lane for all the latest stories uh, if you weren't around for qualifying which was three elements to it remember three different drivers utilized this is how they will line up with the santa Lock junior team audi of elia Earhart to start he was the real star in qualifying yesterday actually quicker than pierre caffer because as pierre got on board that car he realized after a lap that there was a major steering issue with the audi which they've now straightened out so elia Earhart to start but the Leipert Motorsport Lamborghini, although on our graphic, is not there in reality. The second row, Haas RT of Antigua and Barbuda, the number 21 car of Mathieu Detri. We heard from him with Di Binks a moment or two ago. He'll be starting the 21 uh, Audi alongside the Mercedes for Fabian Schiller for Team Getzby, car number nine. Then it's the Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors Porsche, number 95, Fabrizio Brogi to start that car. Marcus Winkelhock alongside, so watch him come through the order in the 54 Easter Lent Racing Team's Audi R8. Then the Racing One Ferrari, the first of the prancing horses, the brand-new 296s. Well, they're a season old now, in truth, but Thierry Vermeulen in the number six car will begin that from seventh alongside the Herbert Motorsport Porsche of Ralph Bone with a very emotional, I thought, Daniel Alleman, who will be in for his final ever race in the 24H series, but he's not starting the car. Sven Muller has been installed in the Proton Uber Competition Porsche, number 83, to start from ninth, alongside Brenton Grove in the Grove Racing Mercedes, number 10. Then it's a Car Collection Motorsport Porsche, Car Collection Victorious, uh, what, six days ago at the Yas Marina circuit in the six hours of Abu Dhabi. Can they make it a double within the space of eight days? Uh, Two-thirds of the Middle East Trophy, that would be therefore victorious. But this was the final race of the Middle East Trophy, which began with the 12 hours of Kuwait, the back end of last year. It's Dennis Marshall in the 96 car collection Porsche. And Heart of Racing by SPS is a Mercedes, number 27, to be started by Daniel Mancinelli. Then Attempto Racing's Audi, number 99, with Alex Acker. It's Century Motorsports number 22, BMW M4 next for Lewis Plater. We also heard from him on the grid, car 22. The second of the Santa Lot Junior team, Audis, will be started by Wilfred uh, Marafina, number 26. And Darren Jung in the 14 Century Motorsport BMW completes the top eight rows.
Ninth position will be Jason Hart in the Huber Motorsport Porsche number 50. Then it's Charles Espenlab, as Joe Foster just told Diana Binks for CP Racing's Mercedes number 85. The 76 uh, McLaren 720S, 76 is the team name, and the 76 on the doors, and it's Axel Jeffries to start that car. George King in the MRS GT Racing Porsche will be starting alongside, that's car 17. Then it's Rob Huff for Team Parker Racing in the Bentley Continental GT3, number 31, with the Dragon Racing Ferrari of Benji Goethe, number 88, 22nd. in by Cox Racing, their Porsche for Peter Cox, number 48, 23rd. And Philippe Bonnell in the first of the GTX cars, number 701, will be starting 24th. I am aware that there's other gaps on the grid, so we'll try and work out where they are. Razoon, more than racing, have a GTX KTM Crossbow from Austria, and the team is from there as well. 714 being started by Daniel Drexel. Then it's uh, Vitali Petrov in the SMP Racing Porsche 911 uh, 992 Cup car. So that's 937, the race number. 909 is Red Camel Jordans.nl example of a Porsche Cup car with Rick Breukers at the wheel there. Kurt Swearingham in the 925 Team Captain America by Baz Kooten Racing Porsche. Toro Verdi's 795 Ginetta G56 Cup car will be started by Lawrence Tomlinson. Stephen Palette alongside him with the 901 Pro Sport Racing Porsche. And then it's Neuhofer Rennsport by MRS and Seb Lajoux racing by Duvo Racing in two Porsche Cup cars, 988 and 908 for Felix Neuhofer and Sebastian Lajoux himself. Oop van Eindhoven in the Fac Autotech, Porsche number 962, starts 33rd alongside Mulner Motorsports, Vladislav Lomko, uh, the Belgian entry 921 from Mulner Motorsport. Rabdan by Fulgenzi, number 971, is next up alongside Kramer Racing's 936 Porsche Cup cars. These are all Porsche Cup cars from the 992 division. Some of them are 992 AM lineups, though. That's purely down to the driver makeup. QMMF Racing by HRT is 931, and that will be starting from 32nd, alongside Red Ant Racing's number 903, and an all-German uh, HRT and RPM Racing 20th row, 929 on the inside, 907 on the outside. Next up on the 21st row, it's the SRS Team Sorgren Sport Porsche Cup car for Marlon Menden to start the 927. Holmgaard Motorsport 902 for Jonas Holmgaard starts 42nd. Anti Ramo for MRS GT Racing in there, 989 numbered Porsche Cup car. We'll have NKPP Racing by Baz Kootens, number 992 for company. Yet more Porsche Cup cars to come. So this is going to be a great division to enjoy for the full 24 hours. There's another HRT performance car from the 992 AM class starting 45th. That's car number 930. And the second of the FAC Autotech cars, 961, alongside in 46th position. 47th is the 438 AG MC Racing Team by Simpson Motorsport, 438. And Continental Racing by TTR have a GT4 Toyota GR Supra number 496 and that starts from the 24th row century motorsports gt4 bmw is 49th that's car number 429 alongside that is the 278 cws engineering Ginetta. 188 is the ac motorsport uh, tcr car the audi rs3 
from the Belgian outfit and CWS Engineering's second Janetta, number 277, starts 52nd. Simpson Motorsports Audi RS3, number 138, will be 53rd. The Lotus PB Racing Elise Cup Car, number 226, is 54th. And 55th position is the 227 SRS Team Zorgren Sport Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 car. It's quite a lineup, I'm sure you'll agree. And the cars are now starting to form up in their 2 by 2 formation as we hit very nearly the third sector of this green flag lap. It's been difficult to make sure that the grid is as full as it is this year, obviously because of conflicting interests. Normally, the Dubai 24 hours held two weeks prior to the 24 hours of Daytona. But a wonderful effort from all those involved within Creventic and the individual teams as well. Your heart goes out to everybody involved at Leipert Motorsport, though. All the hard work done in qualifying yesterday. Three doses of 15 minutes, and it comes to naught because that car will not be starting on the outside of the front row. Will it start the race at all? Maybe in the opening hour. That's perhaps the best they can hope for with this fuel tank issue. But otherwise... Generally, everyone is all present and correct. As mentioned, there were at least two other gaps further down the order. But we are raring to go in 2024 with the flag now waved. And what a start through the dust and the sand because the GT3 cars really reach from one white line all the way to the other side. But it's a cracking start from Santalock Junior team for Elliot Earhart, just assuming he can get the car slowed in time. He was a touch wide there at turn one, but there was no opportunity for any of the other GT3 cars to sneak up the inside. And you get the feeling, Bruce Jones, that the opening half an hour of this race is purely going to be a track cleaning mission. Oh, absolutely. I've never seen this track as dusty as it is now. So those that stay out front will have a slight advantage. But I, I be amazed if we get through the opening lap without someone just running a little bit wide and finding no grip whatsoever on this dusty, dusty surface. And as we go from turns seven, eight and nine, going parabolic and now overtaking and happening all of the time. But the pole position, so, so vital uh, for Santa Lock Jr. team. And Elliot Earhart just keeping his nose in front, but cracking racing all the way down the order. And again, looking through the parabolica, riding on board with Patrick Hausman, the 907 Porsche. Plenty of space around that big double left-hander. But down the back straight, they go down the infield, neat and tidy. And it's Audi from Audi with the uh, Get Speed Mercedes having a little look at the action as well, going very well indeed in the hands of Fabian Schiller as you'd expect. Well, Schiller got up to second place, and in fact, he's there again now. But by the end of the first sector, the red get speed Mercedes had sneaked ahead of Mathieu Detri. And Fabian Schiller, a real talent, as now Elliot Earhart right over the curbs coming out of turn 12. And this might be another opportunity for Fabian Schiller to get a good run on the Audi. So some damage for a Porsche mid pack. Now, I think again, that was just being kicked up into the face. It's around about Fabrizio Brogi's region of the grid. So Thierry Vermoulin's in there in the Ferrari 296. Brenton Grove in the Grove Racing Mercedes as well. But what's happening at the front? Because Elia Earhart did not have the best exit out of turn 12. Let's assume he's still leading the race just. No, he's not. Because it is Fabian Schiller in the number nine car who's now in front and will lead the first lap. But Elia Earhart in Chevron formation bringing with him uh, the Mathieu Detri Haas RT Audi, which is now nibbling at the heels of Fabian Schiller. So the gap then back to our former race leader, but now in third position, Elia Earhart. And he's got more company because Brenton Grove on a real challenge for that third position in the white-nosed Mercedes. Well, Brenton doesn't know this uh, AMG Mercedes very well at all, but he's had a cracking opening lap. The young Australian sporting a fine, bushy beard at the moment, but... Uh, 
for the pole starter, I thought he got the job done, but uh, for Santelot Junior team, Elia Earhart, excellent racer, losing out. And then, just in the background, the blue and red Ferrari getting very loose indeed. Put a wheel over the curbing on the outside, and you're going to be sliding. I think the track has been cleaned enormously with that first flying lap. On the formation lap, of course, it blew it up, but then it settled again, all the dust. Down the back straight they go, but uh, Fabian Schiller is stretching his legs, and the Hussar T Audi is going with the pole starting Audi. Back in third position, Brenton Grove fourth in the second of those Mercedes. And then the Ferrari from Racing 1, blue and red. That was the one that got loose, but uh, still holding on to fifth place. Maranello Concessionaires, did you say, yesterday? Yes, I did, on Egham Famous. Road in Surrey in the 1960s, and a lot of wins. The Lotus started right at the back of the grid, and that is uh, in for a pit visit. Already, even in the pit lane, you can see the dust being kicked up. Maurizio Capetti in the opening stint for the Lotus Elise. It's a pretty car, but... Already, it's struggling for whatever reason. Uh, a massive amount of defensive driving from Thierry Vermeulen in that Cambridge Blue Ferrari 296 because he had Marcus Winkelhock all over the rear. Here's the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini, and the garage door is being lowered. That's normally at Le Mans, an indication of full retirement, abandon. Let's hope that that's not the case, but Leipzig Motorsport, a terrific amount of hard work in yesterday's qualifying, uh, and it has resulted in, in not a great deal, it has to be said. The car yet to be in the race, but Fabian Schiller, another cracking lap there at the end of the second of many, and Mathieu Detri struggling to keep with the young German. Yeah, really, really cruel luck for Leipzig Motorsport. We talked uh, yesterday, Johnny, we were talking about it in qualifying, how the Lamborghini Huracan has been fantastic around here over the years, but has never plucked a top result. We know that uh, this is a race that's been won uh, really, German cars to the fore every time, but this time for their bad luck, the Italian manufacturer had the bad luck before the start of the race, and what a driver lineup it had. So strong in qualifying. Brenda Leach, Marco Mapelli, Alban Verruti, and Gabriele Rindone. That's a really, really strong driver lineup, and let's hope they can get out onto the track. They may have just closed the door simply to keep the dust out. True, yeah, and uh, who could blame them? As the, the 85 Porsche comes out of turn 12. And the race leader, Fabian Schiller, with just about a second's gap on Mathieu Detri. Diana Binks with perhaps an update on Leipzig Motorsport. The garage door went down a moment or two ago, Diana, but let's hope that they're still working on the 63 Huracan. It did, Johnny, but the door is not shut completely. They are working frantically behind in the garage. That's why I couldn't speak to you earlier, because I'd gone into the garage to have a chat with the team. Uh, trying not to disrupt them too much, but yeah, very, very frustrated. They have a leak, they can't find what it is, so they're just going through everything they can with all the data and information, but a bit of head-scratching going on there, hoping and hoping to get back out. So I'll keep an eye on that one and update you as soon as I know. It's strange that uh, just well, they've, all, they've, all they've said to Chris Milbourne was that it's a fuel tank issue. I don't know whether that's fuel pressure or fuel starvation, perhaps, but uh, a fuel tank... The only thing I can think of is that it's some, for some reason leaking or the balance of performance isn't quite right because fuel tank size is closely governed and in order to make a fuel tank bigger or smaller, you kind of drop little tiny beads into it, I believe, to lessen the volume. But maybe there's an issue with that that the scrutineers have flagged. 
they will continue to persist, let's hope, as the Ferrari and the Mercedes are now absolutely side by side. And this is Thierry Vermeulen on the inside line for the 296. The Mercedes on the outside for Brenton Grove. And it's the Australian that loses the spot. Yeah, and what's happened almost unheralded. Sven Muller moved up into fourth place, the Proton Huber competition. It's the uh, black Porsche. There it is, black with the blue flanks on its uh, front wings. The racing one Ferrari tucked in behind car number six, the hands of Thierry Vermeulen. Plenty of side-by-side -side action. This is the 992 Cup class, and it's uh, always a fabulous battle in this race. Haven't really heralded uh, the lead car that's not in GT3, and it's the KTM Crossbow, Daniel Drexel, car number 714, right on the tail of the second of the Santa Lock racing Audis at the moment. So going very well in GTX. 23rd overall, Wilfred Merifina is the driver in the Santa Lock, uh, the second of the Santa Lock Audis down in 22nd position. But uh, up front, we've got the gap uh, between first and second. 1.3 seconds between Fabian Schillo, the Get Speed Mercedes, and Mathieu, Mathieu Dutrie, Dubai-based uh, Frenchman in the Haas RT Audi giving chase. Then there's a bit of a gap, but it's around fourth, fifth, sixth. The place changing is going on in these early, early stages of the 24 hours. It's been a terrific first few laps for Christopher Zirkling in the wrap down by Fulgenzi Porsche to lead the 992 class, bearing in mind he started uh, behind a significant chunk of the Porsche Cup cars. I haven't actually counted how many there were in front of him, but probably eight or nine. So he's done a lot of overtaking to now move up to 24th position and not be too far away from Daniel Drexel's GTX leading KTM Crossbow from Razoon More Than Racing. Well, fantastic scrap at the head of the TCE class. It's between uh, the CWS Engineering Ginetta on the right-hand side of the screen, the black one, Colin White at the wheel, but being challenged by AC Motorsport, Paul Celia's Dutch racer going down the inside at the end of the back straight. No need to fight too hard for the corner, but uh, great, great scrapping. Christian Broberg, third in class, the second of those Ginettas. He's about uh, just under three seconds behind, but uh, the leader of the class now in the hands. AC Motorsport leading the TCE class, but this scrap will go on and on. And the front end of the race, tail end of the top ten, the battling is going, uh, is getting very fierce indeed. And Brenton Grove, who started so well, he got up to fourth place. The Australian in the Mercedes now back into seventh place and uh, pushing very hard against the side of the number 22, Lewis Plato-driven Century Motorsport uh, BMW. So nip and tuck, bob and weave. Yeah, so Lewis Plato in the multicoloured BMW. There's some day-glow yellow and orange on there, the white and black panels as well, and the grill, the, the kidney grill on the BMW M4 looking as menacing as it did when that first that car was first sent out for testing. Again, that feels like a very new car, but it's probably into its third season now, the BMW M4. Well, it is. Now, again, in GT3, when a manufacturer brings in a new car, it very seldom shines in the first season. You've got to work away. It's such a competitive class. Talking of competition, the driver who started in pole position, Elliot Earhart, down in third place, being pushed super, super hard by... Uh, Sven Muller. So the Proton Huber competition Porsche has worked his way forward and unfortunately for Santa Lock at the moment their lead Audi is no longer there. Well it's still the lead Audi but it's down in third place overall and uh, sorry it's not the lead Audi. The Haas RT is the lead Audi now Mathieu Detri but a shot shows there's about a three second gap between the Get Speed Mercedes the chasing Haas RT Audi and then the battle behind is slowing itself down as uh, Ilya Earhart's trying to resist Sven Muller. This will be a chance for Thierry Vermeulen to close. He's in fifth place in the racing one Ferrari, but uh, as they battle, he should be able to catch up. Meanwhile, Vitaly Petrov in the 937 SMP racing Porsche now has right on his boot lid Oop van Eindhoven, a real talent from the Benelux Porsche 
Carrera Cup Championship. He's done some Deutschland racing as well with the green door mirrors and straddling that red and white curbing through the kink at 13. Petrov on the outside, dusty side of the track. Tried to slow at the rate that that uh, overtaking Porsche did and very nearly lost the rear end of that car. So good car control from Petrov, but he uh, allows Hoop van Eindhoven through there for a change of position, which is probably for third now. Just trying to work out where Stephen Palette is in that mixture. Yeah, Palette comes through at the end of that lap in second from Dutchman Oop van Eindhoven and Vitali Petrov for SMP now down to fourth place. And a good view from the chasing car of Red Camel's Jordan.NL now of Petrov's machine. Meanwhile, in the GT3 class, Fabian Schiller has built himself a 1.5 second lead over Mathieu Detri. And the gap's really emerging now between those two Audis as Vitaly Petrov loses another position, this time to Rick Broikers in Red Camel's car. Yeah, Rick was uh, cutting corners, trying to get the shortest line around the circuit to get through. And again, great confidence, because we know the track is still very dusty, but he put his car where he probably didn't want to put it in terms of uh, trying to find grip, but he needed the track space, so he's made that move. Up front, though, Sven Muller, yes, the gap to the race leader is uh, 5.3 seconds, but having got ahead of Elie Earhart to go into third place, I reckon his next target will be Matteo Detri. There's a gap between them of uh, three and a half seconds, 3.7 seconds, but certainly Sven Muller in the Proton Hooper competition, Porsche, is really getting a move on. He had to be cautious, had to be careful, as we said. The track, very, very dusty indeed. Go that little bit beyond, which is where drivers almost always go to get their overtaking done means going over the edge of the circuit and that is where you find the very dustiest bits of tarmac and some of it's painted which as we know adds to the glissant nature and uh, Elliot Earhart now having gone from uh, first to second second to third third to fourth has now got Thierry Vermoulen closing in in fifth place so look for the racing one Ferrari and for a lot of people it's their first real chance to see a handful of Porsche, uh, Ferrari 296 GT3 so much lower sleeker looking I remember when the first pictures uh, came out ahead of uh, it's suggestion that it was coming into GT3 racing. It looked a very, very sharp tool. But again, it takes several seasons to get these cars up to the ultimate pace. But uh, certainly racing one, who do a lot of their racing in the Nürburgring Langstrecken series, uh, getting endless mileage. We'll come on to that uh, for 2024 later. We'll talk about that during the course of the broadcast. It's still to be settled when those races are going to be this year. But uh, Racing One, great to see them becoming ever more cosmopolitan, international, mm. coming to compete in these races. And if you uh, haven't been noticing what's been going on in recent weeks, this race would have been happening two weekends ago. But for, how should we say, a little bit of, you called it a logistical challenge of getting down the Red Sea. So some of the crews that were going to be here and competing in Daytona had to take the choice and uh, Daytona won, and that's why the field's a little bit smaller. But looking at the racing between the 55 starters, sorry, 54 starters, without the uh, Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini, still in the pit garage, it's cracking in these early stages. And an internecine battle for the two Audis right now between Attempto Racing's version of Alex Acker and Marcus Winkelhock in the Easterlent Racing crew. So Attempto and Easterlent going door handle to door handle as the Ferrari up ahead of them just... Uh, hits one of the lower portions of the circuit. That was where the kerb begins, I reckon, and the rear right uh, tyre of the Ferrari 296 just dropping into it briefly and unsettling the car. But Thierry Vermoulen with good speed compared to these two V10 5.2-litre-powered Audis. And to drop back now to the, well, 49th position overall, which is where we see the TCE battle, and it's still AC Motorsports Audi of Paul uh, Salies ahead of Colin White's Ginetta G55, although that car has just done the fastest lap within the division. Really interesting looking at the difference between the uh, 
RS3, Audi, and then the, the little Ginetta. The Ginetta is so much more delicate, and it seems to be placed wherever Colin White wants to put it. Super, super smooth as well, but advantage to the Audi at the moment for AC Motorsport. Must say, just taking a look recently at the car in seventh place at the moment, Alex Arco, Marcus Finkelhock just moved ahead. East Talent uh, Racing Team Audi ahead of the Attempto car. When Attempto came into racing, all their cars looked as though they were painted by someone wearing a blindfold in the nicest way possible. They're all painted a sort of deep metallic blue, but you could almost see the paintbrush stripes. I exaggerate. Uh, but anyhow, this, uh, a black, white, sort of desert camouflage livery, is by far, black, white and grey, by far the best-looking Attempto racing car I've seen. Yes, it's been about a decade in the making. They've moved around. They've, you know, started small, the Arca family, and have grown and grown the team. But I think that car looks absolutely tip-top. So if you go to the 24H series or spottersguide.com, you can... Uh, print out or take a look at the um, spotter's guide for all the cars and certainly attempt to racing car number 99 Alex Arker see if you think that's the best looking car I think it looks fantastic perhaps compared to their reputation although I I don't know I was quite like the simple version of the attempt to uh, livery as well always traditionally ran Porsches but uh, have now been an Audi brand for a couple of years they ran everything in the early years they almost uh, changed from manufacturer to manufacturer but then yes a long time with Porsches once they sort of settled down to that but um, you know a team that sort of came from nowhere you know this, you look across the history of motorsports you know some teams sort of evolve they start small in a, in a lower championship and move up but uh, Attempto Racing just thought well let's try GT3 mm. and on they came the Arca, Arca family um, money made in car washes in Germany but uh, here they are competing on the global stage and they have done really for the past half dozen years or so really upping the ante every year heart of racing by sps which means it's a mercedes not an aston martin and daniel mancinelli who has driven astons in the past uh, in the number number 27 car for this event has in front of him rob huff as the number 96 uh, car collection and Dennis Marshall-driven car is now under pressure, in fact, from the Mercedes behind. And they're going to go side by side now across the main straight with the Bentley of Rob Huff very much in contention as well. Well, I was just about to head there. We look at the front of the field. We've got uh, Mercedes, Audi, Porsche, Ferrari in fifth place. BMW down in uh, eighth place. But the Bentley started right at the back. Team Parker Racing. This is a venerable car in GT3 turns, but put it in the hands of Rob Huff, it's always going to advance, it wasn't at the sharp end of the grid, but uh, certainly has been making very, very good progress. Started 21st on the grid, so effectively 20th without the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini getting going, and Rob Huff has moved it up to 12th, sort of job you expect, the sort of level of excellence the Huffmeister can bring to the show, so the car black with a, a bright green surround to its grill, but uh, it's not a stealth car, <laughs> there's nothing subtle about it, it's just it's coming through, Rob's on the move. Brenton Grove, his next target. That'll be the uh, Grove Racing Mercedes. And, of course, you, you say Grove Racing, Johnny and I will have a little twitch and go Porsche, but we can't say that anymore. They've um, done, the, done the dirty on us commentators and have moved across the Mercedes AMG, and I'm sure right across the board they'll enjoy that. It's a car that a lot of people really find a, such a comfortable car to race. It seems so well-balanced since, since its introduction in GT3 form. Uh, just going back to the Bentley briefly, with thanks to Peter Snowden, who found out some of the backstory for the Continental. It was raced in the United States prior to coming here, but I think for probably a significant chunk of years, and that's where Sean Lynn bought them from, was the quote that I got from Peter Snowden. So there must be another one hidden away somewhere. Uh, one of them being brought to Dubai, along with all the other cars. 
not via the Red Sea. And uh, this is one of the revised versions that came out in 2018. It's actually eligible in GT3 competition until 2025. So we've got the rest of this year and next year to potentially enjoy the Bentley Continental. And it's uh, going well in the hands of Brit Rob Huff. Certainly, it's car number 31, Team Parker Racing. And um, Sean Lynn has assembled quite a collection of cars. And, um, one of his sons, Max, is racing with him here this weekend. It's another 24-hour race that starts with D. It's called Daytona, and Alex will be racing in that. So, busy weekend for the family. But uh, Sean Lynn has an astonishing stable of cars. Not just an astonishing stable, it's a stable of astonishing cars as well. So, um, he gets to race them wherever possible, and what a great place. I really think, since we started covering this race, it's the 19th uh, Hankook Dubai 24 hours, and... Um, this race has just grown and grown, and for a lot of people, it just gives them that wonderful start to the season. Warm weather, lots of track time, and also, if people haven't been to the Dubai circuit, it is a brilliant circuit for racing. There's, there's width on a lot of the corners, the parabolicas, which is turns um, eight and nine, effectively, that leads you onto the infield straight. Wonderful, huge amount of space to go racing, and if you get it slightly wrong, get on the slippery stuff beyond the white line, there is a fair bit of runoff all around this circuit, and... Uh, I think it was a circuit that sort of launched and didn't quite achieve what it wanted. Obviously, its initial mm -hmm. target was to, to land a Grand Prix, but it's had so much racing on it. It works for single-seaters, works for touring cars, and for me, it works absolutely perfectly for GT cars, and that's why we're here. Remember, we're not only broadcasting on radio, in audio, but also in sound and vision. So if you head to the radio-show.co.uk website, you can find out information how to see the pictures as well as listen to our voices. And if you get there, uh, you will notice that there's been an addition to our graphics this year in that, yes, we've got the left-hand scoring tower, which gives you... Uh, the positions currently from 1st to 18th, but that will flash through into different orders as the Bentley goes very, very wide indeed at the hairpin at turn 14 and loses a couple of spots because of that. Not sure whether that's a tyre issue. There looked to be a lot of dust coming from the right-hand side of the Bentley, but it's cleaned the tyres up quite quickly to finish the point. <laughs> and, of course, that bit of the graphic has now disappeared. But it was on the right-hand side of the picture showing you the current class leaders. And that, for me, is going to be very, very useful when it does appear... There were five places uh, indicating the key class leaders, but the Bentley was just a huge lock-up for Rob Huff, charging his way into Turn 14 and under pressure from the 27 Mercedes, which did manage to sneak through. So we've been lauding uh, praise on Rob Huff's shoulders, uh, but uh, he's maybe let the pressure tell there just in one corner at Turn 14. Could be. The race was uh, the last race was uh, last weekend in Abu Dhabi, and I think uh, Rob Veronin went back there today, so far off the track at Turn 14, but he gathered it up, uh, but a uh, handful of cars have moved past him. He was up in 12th, remember, lost four places with that manoeuvre, and the cars that gained, uh, Ralph Bone, the Herbert Motorsport 91 Porsche, went through. Benjamin Gertha, who started the back of the GT3 pack, in Dragon Racing's Ferrari 296 GT3, and Florian Spengler, the second of the Huber Motorsports uh, Porsches, went by. So, Rob, all that work, you've got to do it again. So, the class leaders look like this. Fabian Schiller in the number nine Get Speed Mercedes is our overall leader, but also, of course, in front within GT3. GTX is the Razoon More Than Racing number 714 KTM Crossbow, and Daniel Drexel is on board that car. 992. That's the Rabdan by Fulgenzi Porsche for Christopher Zirkling. A killer start there over the opening few, first few laps. The 971 has vaulted to the front. GT4 is led by the 438 
BMW M4 of AGMC racing team by Simpson, and that's uh, Hugo Cook for the first stint there and quite possibly the second stint as well, depending on their uh, pre-race strategy. And Paul Celius in the Audi RS3 for AC Motorsport is the TCE leader. What that little panel doesn't show you, of course, is who leads GT3 Pro-Am, AM, and in the 992s, we've got two-pronged with 992 and 992 AM incorporated within that. So we'll keep you in tune where we have the moments to because now we need to turn our attention to Marcus Winkelhock around the outside of the Ferrari 296 of Thierry Vermeulen. And Vermeulen says, thou shall not pass. I think, frankly, Vermeulen's saying, can you give me the paint back from the flank of my car? Because there was a real bit of rubbing down there into turn one. And, and really, you can only have drivers doing that if they're right on top of their game. And certainly, Marcus Finkelhock in an Audi R8 LMS GT. Nothing he doesn't know how to about extract every bit of performance out of that. But I must say that 296 Ferrari is looking very handy. And for Elia Erha, who was so strong in qualifying, pole position... Uh, for the Santelok junior, junior team, number 18 Audi is their next target. The Ferrari's getting closer and closer. Thierry Vermeulen, young Dutch racer, really on the charge. Marcus Winkelhock's dropped back about three car lengths. They get onto the infield straight. They're already uh, passing one of the Toyotas from the GT4 class, so that's uh, been delayed a little bit. And Alex Arker in the Attempto Racing Audi has also gone past as well. He's got a BMW tucked in behind. Lewis Plater, British driver, making good progress there. He's up to eighth place. Up front, however, haven't talked about the gap between Fabian Schiller in the Get Speed Mercedes and Mattia Jetri in the Haas RT Audi. Well, it's 3.8 seconds. So with each lap, another little increment coming the way of Fabian Schiller. Winklehawk attacks again. Go a little bit wide, and most drivers are still sliding a little bit wide on this very dusty circuit. And then driver behind, if they can stay on the black stuff, they've got a chance. And that's precisely what, as they get the cars going to turns eight and nine, intake of breath from Johnny as Marcus Winklehawk runs deep, deep, deep into the corner. It may yet work. He may, may get the slingshot. It has worked, but I had fears that he was going to go searing off into the country there, as much countryside as you might have in Dubai. But uh, the runoff. Uh, hopefully would have mopped up any moment, having seen Rob Huff do that just a couple of laps ago. But the grip did seem to be there for the Audi. He still hasn't finished the overtake, by the way, because Thierry Vermeulen gets a very a very good uh, and better exit out of turn 16. And the Ferrari noses ahead as they hit the stripe. How late on the brakes does Marcus Winkelhock want to be? He briefly looked over, full 90-degree tilt of the helmet and head there. But he still can't get by Thierry Vermeulen. OK, just to clarify, it wasn't into turn nine where he, where he ran wide. It was turn 14. That's the first time I've seen a top driver getting opposite lock partway through turn one because uh, Marcus Winkelhock went onto the kerbs on the inside, lost grip, came super close to the edge of uh, Thierry Vermeulen's Ferrari. And Thierry must be thinking, God, I've seen many things in my short racing career so far, but never anyone doing that and had to let him through. And in behind Century Motorsport, BMW making moves as well. Lewis Plato really putting pressure on Alex Arker. So what went wrong for Marcus Vincourt? Well, nothing. It all seemed to go completely right down the main straight. They went on the inside, holding the inside line, almost coming to blows. Thierry Moulin blocks it off. Marcus Vincourt gets all four wheels over the curb on the inside. About 10 degrees of opposite lock, gets it back onto the circuit. And then at the very next corner, manages to go through. Phenomenal. Thierry Vermeulen, just still only 21 years old. This is not his first Dubai 24. He did it two years ago in a Team GP Elite Porsche that he shared with fellow Dutchman Terry, uh, Terry Larry Tenvorder, uh, Roger Hodgenius and Stephen Van Ray 
uh, in that lineup that year, the 933. So that would have been a 992 uh, Porsche from Team GP Elite. Moving up then to the GT3 class for the first time and has relatively limited 24-hour experience outside that 2022 edition because he was busy in a DTM campaign last year for ML Frey Racing. Meanwhile, keeping our eye on the mid-pack, getting their way safely out of turn 15, but it's been a dominant display so far for Fabian Schiller, who continues to extend the gap every time I check it. It was three and a bit seconds a moment or two ago. It's now up to 4.6 over Mathieu Detri, who is in a very different car, mid-engined Audi versus our front-engined Mercedes-AMG of Schiller. And uh, there appears to be no answer to the pace of the German right at this moment. But bear in mind, the number nine get speed car will have various different drivers controlling it through the course of this event. Don Baumann, fellow pro to Fabian Schiller. There's also a couple of semi-pros in the form of Anthony Bartone and Al Faisal Al-Zubair. And Martin Conrad is the AM element within that car. And because he's the AM in the five-driver lineup, he did the first part of qualifying yesterday afternoon. So, yes, that gap between first and second. When I looked at it last, it was, yes, 3.8 seconds. That's incredible rate of gain at the moment. And on the last lap, more than half a second gain by Fabian Schiller over Mathieu Detri. Let's take a little look back to uh, who's leading GTX. Well, it's still Daniel Drexel, 23rd overall in the Resume More Than Racing KTM crossbow. Next car in line is that car of Christopher Zirkling leading a 992 Cup class, but it's uh, very close in D, because right under his rear wing, he's got Stephen Pellet. So at the moment, it's wrapped down by Fulgenzi from Pro Sport Racing and Stephen Pellet, who Van Eindhoven tucked in behind. Then there's a six-second gap. So those first three in the 992 Cup class are going very, very well indeed. They've made their break in this early stage. But you know what? We were due to have 55 cars starting this race. Still the Lamborghini with Gabriel Rendon listed as the start driver, but it hasn't started the race. That's still in the garage everyone else still out on the circuit rotating we've got 14 laps on the board for our race leader and Mathieu Detri will come through what's the gap now 5.2 it's going out by about four tenths of a second the lead with every lap that's an astonishing rate of gain from Fabian Schiller and Get Speed and it's a very very strong lineup in that number nine Mercedes for sure Get Speed have been going through from strength to strength in recent years and uh, the number nine car shared by Dominic Bauman, who was super quick. Anthony Barton, American racing. He's got his name on the door. Uh, Martin Conrad and Al Faisal Al-Zubair. There's a lot of experience there. It's good to have um, Anthony Barton coming over from the States to race that car too. He's been competing in the GT World Challenge America series. And uh, like so many of these drivers, coming into GT3, it gives you your global ticket. You can race mm. anywhere in the world with GT3. It's been one of these incredible success stories. Stefan Rattel of the SRO uh, put the idea together. He's made it work. Followed that up by GT4. That, too, is gaining manufacturers with every year. And uh, we think back, Johnny, to when we first came to the Dubai 24 hours. And there was an enormous array of cars, an enormous array of classes. We don't have so many now, but the quality in the GT3 and GT4 categories, as well as the 992 Cup class that just keeps on giving, is astonishing. It's really changed. Yeah, and... We want close racing, and therefore, you know, the, the one-make stuff is always going to be incredibly popular, but it's great to have some variety as well. And uh, those that were fans of GT3-type uh, racing heading into ACO rules racing uh, will get their reward with a great deal more variety too. This year, 
So looking forward to the ACO part of the season beginning in a couple of months. But yes, as far as the 24H series is concerned, realising that GT3 was definitely the top class of regulation to be adopted uh, a good number of years ago now. But 992, very, very popular, popular as well. And GTX kind of mops up everything else that isn't eligible for the previous two classes that I've mentioned. So GTX, uh, again, uh, uh, always an interesting category to look at, but at the moment it's being dominated by the Milwaukee-backed KTM crossbow of Daniel Drexel. He has the cushion of 12 992 Porsches between him and the second of the GTX cars, which is the Ginetta G56 of Lawrence Tomlinson taking the opening stint for the Torre Verde team. So we've had just over half an hour of this year's Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai. It's the 19th edition of this event, powered by Hankook. All of the cars on the same control rubber. And the 992 numbered Porsche, which is the NKK, NKPP offering, I should say, uh, has just had a slight off-track moment. This is Bob Herbert in the Baz Kooten run car. And his 992 Porsche that was in 13th may well have dropped behind Jonas Holmgaard as a result of that. The 992 car hopefully will be able to continue on. It's about half a lap away from the pits at this rate, but I couldn't see that there was a tyre going down. There are some rather vicious curbs at various points around this circuit that you need to stay off when the tyre pressure is just starting to build into the operating window, and then you can really start to push. But one or two still slithering their way through various corners, including Bob Herber, who now has yeah, a great deal of presence from the 988 car from the same category so that's Felix Neuhofer so that rather suggests that Jonas Holmgaard and Kurt Swearingham and possibly Stefan Adler have all sneaked by now the 992 and quite possibly dropped it to 16th position just ahead of Felix Neuhofer again just quickly looking to see if Fabian Schiller's pulled out any any more time in fact on the last lap he lapped within six thousandths of a second of Mathieu Detrie so no gain that time around but the, the writing's on the wall at the moment get speed sitting pretty at the front of the race and the best thing at the moment if you're not in the heat of the battle you can actually pick your line but for a handful of drivers uh, a bit further back suddenly it's very busy indeed in fact what we've got the cars in second and third Sven Muller the Proton Huber competition Porsche Porsche and Mathieu Detrie they've got a couple of 992 cup class cars in front of them and they're having to overtake them down the start finish straight so Sven Muller's going for the headlights flashing but uh, Rick Broyker's paying no attention to that he had to turn into turn one and uh, manages to do just that but uh, the Porsche Cup class very very tight indeed Rick running fourth in the class at the moment fighting against Jamie Day who's working his way up the field Jamie a very busy young he's based in the um, Arab Emirates, but he's been already started his season doing the GT Winter Series over in Europe in Portimao and Estoril, or the other way around, Estoril first, and he's already picked up three wins out of six starts this year in a mm. four-seti racing Aston Martin. So uh, the, the British teenager putting on a, a startling show so far. I was right about Bob Herbert slipping places, and he's now just been swamped by the leaders in GT3. This is not the first bit of traffic that the GT3 cars have had to negotiate because I, I spotted the Continental Racing by TTR Toyota GR Supra being lapped by our GT3 leaders probably about two laps ago now. So Vasily Vladikin needing to keep his eyes on the door mirrors. Second position for the Toyota Supra, number 496. 
and trying to stay in touch with Hugo Cook's BMW M4 from AGMC racing team. But the 438 car has a cushion of about 11 seconds now. So GT4 really starting to expand the gap somewhat. Same can't necessarily be said for GT3, although, well, not at that rate. It's about half that gap between Fabian Schiller and Sven Muller. But the battle is really on there between Sven Muller, who's recently got ahead of Mathieu Detri, and Detri's not going to take that lying down, despite the Porsche's good early race pace. Yeah, but, but uh, certainly the writing has been on the wall for several laps, because the driver who was making the moves in the early laps, working his way forward, was Sven Muller. But uh, he's managed to pull a clear up into that second place. But the start of the race was very, very dusty and very, very busy. So we're going to go back and take a look at that all over again. Yeah, so they came through turn 16 minus the Leipert Motorsport Lamborghini. That car has still not yet taken the race start. But in a cloud of dust and sand, the 19th edition of the Hankook Dubai 24 hours got underway. Otherwise, event free and it was a really good initial getaway for Elia Earhart installed in the number 18 car although he was nowhere near the apex down at turn number one one or two others running a touch wide and Earhart would have to soak up a great deal of pressure as Fabian Schiller wasted no time at all moving up to second position by the end of the first sector and he just jumped ahead of the Haas RT car started by Mathieu Detri. Detri was actually able to get back underneath Fabian Schiller's Mercedes in the early stages, but by the end of the lap, we had a brand new leader in the form of the all-red number nine Get Speed car. Various other battling further down the order, including for the number 27 Mercedes, uh, and that is uh, going strongly now as well. But the field flooding through just after the hour of one o'clock in the afternoon of turns eight and nine. The thing that struck me getting a second opportunity to, uh, well, to enjoy the, the start of the race, Johnny, was the fact that the car that's just moved into second place, the Proton Huber Competition Porsche, that's car number 83, second place. Bear in mind that started down in ninth and actually at the start of the race got shuffled a little bit backwards on the run to turn one, but certainly four or five abreast down the start finish straight. Even the cars on the black stuff were kicking up the dust, but the cars that went out found out to either side, it was just a, a sandstorm for the 54 starters. And if you've just joined us late for the start of the first hour of the 19th Hankook 24 hours of Dubai, and you looked at qualifying yesterday and saw there's a Leipzig Lamborghini on the, the front row of the grid in second position. Alas, it hasn't started the race. They're still working to sort a fuel tank issue. They've semi-closed the garage door. I think that's just to keep Die out. Die with her prying eyes. But uh, anyhow, she's reported they still haven't got to the foot of what's going on. When that gets going, Gabrielle Rindon is supposed to be the driver kicking that off. But it's got a very, very strong driver crew. But if it comes out now, it will have the uh, best part of 20 laps to make up over the remaining uh, remainder of this race, plenty more of this race of course we started at uh, just uh, 37 minutes ago but oh, it must be so painful for Leipzig Motorsport, really strong driver lineup. a car they know was quick and it performed in qualifying across three qualifying sectors, three different drivers their aggregate time was good enough to put them second on the grid so competitive package makes it all the more galling if you don't get going Proton Hooper competition started ninth place, so that's an idea of how hard Sven Muller has been pushing. I'm interested by the how we've got to Proton Huber competition. Presumably that's one element of Christian Reed's team, Proton competition, and then a little bit of Huber, a well-known established, another German crew, and have Sorry. solely Huber cars in the race, but have they combined for this event? 
That I'm not prepared to tell you because I don't know the Do full you know, answer. Sure. What I can tell you though is uh, Diana Binks down in the pit lane doing a fabulous job. Uh, Lipert uh, still working on the car and she can't see it getting out. Oh my word, that's so gutting. Because I mean, if the car's here, we know there have been logistical problems. That put the race back, uh, I was going to say two weeks. It did, it was two weeks. Uh, and then to get here, you've gone through all the ramifications. You've come out with a car that's good, a great driver lineup. And for Brendan Leach and the boys, that's going to be really, really gutting. So fingers crossed that dies mild degree, mild dose of pessimism um, doesn't prove to be the correct uh, analysis. To finish the lineup off at Proton Huber competition, it's uh, Renat Salyakov, Sergei Borisov, and Viktor Shaitar. You can probably guess which national flag used to be against those three drivers' names. Interestingly, it's changed to Armenia, though, for the entry list this year. I had to look up my, uh, fla my national flags to get the red, the blue, and the yellow stripes. Uh, but uh, a variety of different national flags certainly littering the entry for the Dubai 24 hours this year. And there are some others that are purely neutral for the same reason. I'm just going to bring out something I've said every year since, I, uh, since my second visit to the circuit is, oh my gosh, you get the long shot taken from high above the grandstand, or sometimes even with the drone. And you look across from the grandstand, across the infield, across the infield straight, back as far as turn six, and isn't the city approaching, encroaching across what was just scrubby desert 20 years ago uh, when the circuit was built. And now there are massive uh, buildings there. Andrew Marriott, who'll be in the, pit, in the commentary box later, pointed out his first visit was 40 years ago when there was a race on the, on the ocean front, effectively down by Dubai Creek. But he said even his first visit here in 2005 to the circuit, you could look to your left from high in the grandstands and you could see the sea. Yeah. No chance now. The entire coastline has been built along. Three and a half million people now listed as the population of Dubai. It's a city that has not stopped growing since the moment it was started. Just look down to the messages regarding penalties, and this is track limit driving standards penalties. Uh, there are a variety of cars now that have just incurred their third offence. Interestingly, there are two messages that have appeared uh, for <laughs> car 91, both listed as a third offence. So I'm not quite sure how that can be possible, but they are different decision numbers nevertheless. So car 91 uh, having a warning served to them, also 31 and 48. The 91 is the Herbert Motorsport Porsche of Ralph Bone. Very, very busy now at turn 12 with a whole plethora of GT3 cars having to work their way by some of the slower traffic, so some of the 992 Porsches with a slightly smaller rear wing when you compare it to a, a full-fat GT3 car. Yes, but of course we've mentioned this over the years, the 992 Cup with that smaller rear wing, rather more effective down the start-finish straight, so it seems wrong. You think, hold on, GT3 is the senior class, but their performance gets laid down in different ways. And when people see a GT3 class car for the first time, they go, Oh my word, they're a pretty serious uh, aerodynamic addenda. Enormous wings, skirts effectively. Aerodynamic skirts, not the full 90, uh, you know, ground effects Formula One skirts that appeared in 1978 on the Lotus uh, 78, 77 on the Lotus 78, I should say. But um, still serious, serious bits of kits. And one of the beautiful things ahead of the 24 hours of Dubai is just how busy it is with fans coming down from the grandstands, getting close to the cars, walking on the grid. That's sort of the, the, the sacred sacred tarmac if you will but again it's such an attractive event and for so many people living in Dubai they come it's a real family day out and they, they might go home in the night lightweights but they'll be back the next day you know they, they, they drift in and they drift out they have yeah, a coffee yeah. they walk around and now you've got the sort of 
the banked area we can sit table and chairs look at look across the circuit just at the infield um, across the grandstand it, it gets better year after year well also to my next point is that it's not just the track action that pulls people to this event there's also plenty of stuff going on away from it car shows and uh, merchandise stands so you can very easily slink away from the, the track action for a couple of hours almost forget there's a race on and then come back to it and that's where we kind of help you out to update you on what's been going on in the intervening period so a little bit of overtaking happening a moment or two ago as well with the car collection motorsport Porsche at close quarters with Lewis Plato's BMW M4, the Century Motorsport car just up ahead. And also Axel Jeffries definitely wanting to get involved too in the 6T6 McLaren 720S. In fact, uh, Axel, uh, based in the Middle East, uh, had got the nose of that McLaren up in front of the car collection Porsche, but Dennis Marshall wasn't having any of that, has moved back ahead and watching probably actually slight frustration. Brenton Grove has now dropped seven seconds off the tail down into 11th place in his Grove Racing Mercedes. He's got Dragon Racing's Benjamin Goethe for company though, so it's not like, like uh, Brenton's feeling lonely out there. And uh, Benji Goethe has just made progress pretty much every lap since the start of this race because the Dragon Racing Ferrari car number 88 started down in 18th place. He's got it up to what we are now, 12th place. Of course, one of those positions was handed to him when Rob Huff ran very wide at turn 14. When you run off at turn 14, it's an uphill turn in, into the corner, but the banking, it, the, the runoff area, is actually, as is the corner, is slightly banked, so maybe that really helped Rob Huff when he put the Bentley off up there and didn't, didn't go as far as the tyre wall at the top of, top of the slope. It sort of cups you, the circuit, mm. when you get walk around. They're a brilliant place to watch the cars looking... You know, breaking, maybe potential overtaking manoeuvre. Someone's got a slingshot through turn 13 into turn 14, but it cups the cars, and then they have to come up and over the crest at turn 15 before dropping down to the final corner. Very dynamic section of the track. The camera angle when you're off the track does rather shallow, though, doesn't it? Does. it? So picture the carousel at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Staying on the track will give you much better... Uh, traction if you like there's there's more in your favor so if you run out a little bit wide yes you've still got the camera in your favor but uh, it's calling you in to what is what is an armco barrier if you go very very wide there i have seen that hit in previous years but it has to be a real stonker of a mistake or a failure for that to happen stonker there's a good word to get into into the commentary but i tell you what one difference between them fewer trees on outside here at dubai of uh, turn 14 in fact none at all but you can stand there and watch where at the carousel you cannot you can on the inside of the carousel, yes, but, but not on but, the outside. But yes. you're quite right, you can't on the outside. And really, for the carousel to take full effect, you need to be on the outside of the corner to know how tight it is. Good view, though, from around about that position, probably about two-thirds of the way round turn 14, where you can stand in the, the garden area, where there are some lovely picnic benches that many people have selected probably about an hour before the race to make sure they've got a good spot and therefore a great view of the battle that's just gone through, which involves Elia Earhart's Santilok junior team Audi and the racing one Ferrari of Thierry Vermeulen. And Vermeulen, it feels like, has been spending the last 30 minutes or so trying to reel in the Santilok Audi that started from pole position, but in the grand scheme of things has dropped four positions to now be... five positions, rather, to be in fifth spot, car number 18 and just clinging on to that fifth place from the chasing Cambridge blue liveried Thierry Vermeulen Ferrari. 
Yeah, for Moon, it doesn't seem to matter where he is in this race, if he's fighting for third, fourth, fifth, sixth, wherever. He has, he's had a battle the whole time. Yes, Marcus Winkelhock worked his way through. Yes, Marcus has pulled clear. And now he's got, obviously, Terry, he's got Elia Earhart to attack. Alex Arker, let's just check uh, lap times last time around. Yeah, he's got the pace to catch them if he can. So uh, the attempt to racing Audi, that one in the, the white, grey and black camouflage livery. In fact, I'm sure it's out there. Can't quite spot it at the moment. Um, going very, very well indeed, giving chase. That was a joke, by the way. Um, Johnny, not responding. I, I, I've got so much going on here, and uh, your your sense of humour has always been slightly obscure. So I do struggle. <laughs> I do struggle to keep up. Another Just... another fifteen minutes or so, and I I was also trying to work out when we're likely to get the first barrier to pit stops. Now, generally speaking, a GT3 car can do sixty odd minutes. But there was a formation lap and the outlap as well to incorporate into that. So they might be just short of it for this first outing. And then they'll get into a rhythm of roughly on the hour. However, of course, a code 60 may well, may well uh, interrupt that flow because code 60 saves on the fuel burn, but obviously takes racing laps away from us. So far, so good. We well, particularly I, but we as as a collective have got a reputation for instigating. No, no, uh, spicing up the race. Spicing like up a race, instigating a caution. So I have mentioned the phrase C60. Now, let's see how we go. It's okay, Johnny. I think we got away with that one. However, cast your mind back. I can't remember exact precisely how many years ago, but let's call it about. If I say four, it will be at least six when we had the best part of 100 cars starting here. Yeah. And you sort of expected that would be a real fest, if that's the right word, of uh, Code 60 periods. But in fact, they kept their noses clean and, until they suddenly started not keeping their nose clean. And I think it was decided that was just a, a little ambitious. So many people wanted to come and compete here, 24 hours of Dubai. And knocking the numbers back by about 20 seemed the right amount. This year, we've lost a few more because, of course, the logistical issues... Uh, that, that meant some teams had to decide would they press on and race here or would they get, have their kit uh, going out to Daytona. So difficult, but uh, 55 cars, 54 started still that uh, Lightfoot Motorsport uh, crew working furiously in their garage trying to get the number 63 Lamborghini out to play. The car that qualified second fastest, very frustrating for them. But, uh, you know, right now, this looks like the right number of cars on the track. I reckon about 60, 60 to 70 to be perfect. We started with 55. I remember saying in those years where we were, if anything, oversubscribed that a track knows the level of cars that it's comfortable to run at. So it will sort of whittle them away. It's almost a bit like a contest of musical chairs. You're going to get a few, a few of them dropping out early doors because there's simply just not enough space, particularly when the quicker class of cars start catching the tail enders. And that's where incidents can start to happen. Uh, and it becomes a, an incredibly busy race where we used to have little Renault Clios in this and other hot hatches. And it was as much to do with speed differential as, you know, being eagle-eyed, looking out, looking out for those moments in the mirror. Yeah, but well, I was about to go precisely there. It's one thing to do it in daylight hours, but when you get to nightfall, how close are those chasing lights? And if you're, exactly, if you're on a Renault Clio, you know you're going to spend almost all your races looking backwards as much as you're looking forward. But that, that transition into nighttime, and I certainly wouldn't want to be a driver who'd moved into his seventh decade and was racing a Renault Clio because with the eyesight at night not being as strong as you get older certainly that would be an absolute nightmare so yes the tail end of the field has been made a whole lot faster I'll tell you who is at the tail end of the field it's the Lotus Elise cup car of uh, Lotus PB Racing Italian team Maurizio Capetti at the wheel of that but that was a car that reported to the pits at the end of the opening lap so that's the car listed as effectively being 
uh, last of the runners, 54th overall. It uh, was started from the back row of the grid, so that, there we are. That is the slowest car in the field. Mm. Um, but that differential to the fastest GT3 cars is smaller than it used to be from the fastest cars of the time 10 years ago to two, those uh, little A-class cars at the very back of the pack. And it's not just in this series where the decision has been taken to head away from those slower cars in inverted commas because uh, it's happened at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer events as well, the 24 hours there and indeed the domestic championship that takes place or has taken place in previous years and uh, should be doing so in 2024, although slightly revised. OK, well, let's just touch on that for the moment. Uh, that's a championship that a lot of these teams will be competing in and have competed in over the past decade. There's been a, a sli slight divide in that uh, the Nürburgring Langstrecken series has run for a handful of years now, following on from the VLN, which was mm -hmm. the previous series, just a change of name. However, the owners of the Nürburgring circuit uh, decided they wanted to uh, have a share of the action as well. So they started up a, a rival championship, effect but only effectively, it's going to be called the Nürburgring Endurance Series, but that is only because uh, there's been a court ruling that uh, stops and precludes the Nürburgring Langstrecken Series from competing there because they say effectively you don't have the right, it is a, it is a national facility. So at the moment we're waiting for the championship dates to come out and it was talked about a, a five race or five weekend, five weekend split between the NLS and the NES. Keep up at the back of the classroom, all these little acronyms. But uh, it does seem as though that's going to be sorted fairly soon. And, you know, from the outside and from the driver's point of view and the team's point of view and the fans' point of view, we just want cars for us racing on the Nürburgring Nordschleife. It is just... I'm going to say a little slice of heaven. It's much bigger than that. It's uh, 25 kilometres of, of heaven. Brilliant racing, a brilliant circuit. And across the course of the season, there isn't a single race like another one because every time the weather comes into play to some degree, too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry, and occasionally a bit of snow thrown into the mix. But hopefully that can be sorted and we can take it out of pencil in our diaries and put it in in ink. All of those conditions generally experienced on the same lap of the Nürburgring oh, yes, sorry, Nordschleife say, as yes. well. Yeah, it's one, like a spring day in Norfolk. I find all, yeah. all four seasons in one day, or a regular day in New Zealand, because yeah. of course that's where that song came from. <laughs> I understood that joke. Was it a joke? Perhaps no. not. No. It's, oh, you see, I've missed it again. Oh God! I have to hold up a sign. I kind of need a pre-warning of whether <laughs> something's meant to be funny or not. A flash of light. Thanks. BMW side by side, but from different classes, heading into the Parabolica and now further round at turn 14, the McLaren is being driven still by Axel Jeffries, the 76 entry, and again, more progress being made by that car. Began 19th, is running 9th, and uh, another amount of places than that uh, to do again, to get to the very front and catch Fabian Schiller, whose gap well, has come down a touch, and that's presumably down to a bit of traffic here and there that Fabian's not been able to deal with as swiftly as Sven Muller. It really depends on where you catch the traffic, of course. There are great places to do so, i.e. the main straight, the back straight, but if you are behind mid-range cars, mid-pace range cars, at, say, the sequence of turns two, three, four, and five, it's just a patience game, and that's where whole clutches of time can be lost. Yeah, I've been watching it. The, the gap's been swinging... In recent laps, he's been coming down. Sven Muller is definitely the driver who started ninth, has worked his way up to second, is definitely finding some form. The gap's now down to 3.6 seconds, but it has been the case. You can see one lap Fabian Schiller hit traffic. The next lap, it was uh, Sven Muller. But the actual direction of progress is Sven Muller is closing, mm. which is uh, very, very good news for the race indeed. For the neutral, indeed. Not we so much for Fabian Schiller and those associated with Get Speed. 
Okay, you mentioned the fact that the cars will probably make their first pit stops, the GT3 cars at the front of the field, um, fairly soon. In, in, you reckon it might be 55 minutes or, or so, just under the hour. Well, we're getting close to just under the hour. We have uh, six minutes short of the hour. So get speed leading the race by 3.6 seconds. That's Fabian Schiller, the number nine Mercedes. It's bright red uh, from the Proton Huber competition. Black and blue Porsche with Sven Muller, such a Porsche expert, closing in. But uh, their teammate, are we going to have some double stints earlier on? I think what we're going to do is not. I think we're going to have people just uh, swapping through their sequence of drivers. A lot of these cars have a five-driver crew, so it's not fair to let one driver stay by the pool in the hotel for a long time get them here to the track get them racing but certainly it's been a very clean show at the front of the race uh, boldest moments of the race so far Marcus Fingerhop locked up opposite lock over the kerb on the inside while trying to overtake down into turn one he did eventually get past Thierry Vermeulen's racing one Ferrari but uh, most other drivers at that point we think well I've blown it now I've gone over the kerbs I'm on the dust oh my gosh I'm going sideways but not only did he collect it by two corners later by the time they got to turn three he'd stuck his nose alongside and then by turn six he'd moved up one position so Marcus Finkelhock running fourth at the moment still trying to do something about uh, the Mathieu Detri and the number 21 Haas RT Audi but not managing quite to get onto his tail the Bentley now on the back straight with uh, potentially some defending to do from the CP Racing Mercedes so the team Parker car in 16th position and right behind it the number 85 CP Racing Mercedes I'm pretty sure all the drivers in that for this event are actually listed as AMs. So and that wasn't always the case, but they are a GT3 AM entry. And yes, Charlie Putman, Charles Espenlau, Joe Foster, Shane Lewis and Darren Law, all with the letters AM next to their name. So they could be a real secret weapon uh, and a dark horse in the AM division for a very good result. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe creeping into the Pro-AM order of things as well through the course of well maybe it's the half distance marker they could be troubling that portion of the timing screen good pressure being told though here from Charles Espenlau on the Bentley of Rob Huff who has skittered off at turn 14 once previously and lost a couple of places in doing so but has found his rhythm again. Yeah, he has, but he hasn't gained any positions, and certainly Charles Espenlaub is, is not only catching him. There's a 992 Cup class car between them, but, but he's getting close, not quite close enough to make a take a look down into Turn 1, but I just think at the very start of the life of these tyres, the Team Parker racing Bentley with Rob Huff, he just absolutely squeezed the most he could get out of them, not just in terms of speed, but also in, in terms of overtaking. And now I think maybe the car's sitting back more on its sort of natural pace and he's really got a battle on his hands. He's uh, tucked in behind the RPM Racing uh, Porsche. That's uh, the car in the Crone Racing, the sort of lime green and blue. He's trying to get past it to put a lap on it because he just doesn't want Charles Espinal in the CP Racing Ferrari troubling him anymore. But it's certainly very, very busy out there. And again, for CP Racing, who've been such firm supporters of the 24H Series, you know, they come racing because they love racing. We heard from Shane Lewis down on the grid, and it's just such a refreshing attitude. Somewhat of a distraction for one of the GT3 cars there from a TCE car, which was locking up into turn 10 at the end of the back straight. That was Nadir Zahur in his Simpson Motorsport Audi RS3. Did just about get the car stopped, but you can, you can be sort of trying to mind your own business and manage the stint, make sure the tyres aren't taking too much abuse. 
and staying away from fellow competitors in your class, and then all of a sudden, somebody from the TCE or the GTX field has a moment entirely on their own, and you can be sucked into it. Oh, I would totally, but what was happening is Lewis Plato is holding on to eighth place, the, the, the better place for the Century Motorsport GT3 BMWs, but he's got Dennis Marshall all over the tail, and Dennis has been going off the circuit at various points. He's breaking so late for some of the corners. Turn 14, he sort of took the line we saw rather early in the race. It was, was Who went off there? Was it Marcus Finkelhock? Yes, it was, who ran very, very wide. Uh, Marcus is uh, still very busy in the race, kind of uh, 54. Just, in fact, moved ahead of Mathieu Detri on the last lap. So Haas RT, we had that right at the sharp end of the field, went into second at the start of the race, uh, and has now lost the position. So Mathieu Detri down to fourth, and Marcus Winkelhock makes further progress. Now he mm. dives into turn uh, a corner where he ran wide earlier in the race, turn 14. He's on the track this time, though, and has already opened out a bit of a gap over Detri in third place. So... Uh, Winkelhock into third, Detri back to fourth place. Up front, though, the gap between first and second, under three seconds now. Sven Muller closing in all the time, little by little. Last lap, he gained, well, nine-tenths of a second. So certainly the Proton Huber competition, the number 83 Porsche, is a-flying in this race. And we should remember that Mathieu Detri is still relatively new to GT3 machinery. Spent many years in the 24H series in the TCR and TCE elements of the grid, so has competed for a number of years with AC Motorsport, who are still present on this year's grid, of course, with their TCE car. But Mathieu Detri moves on into Haas RT, did so last year, and uh, is back with them for 2024. It's it's the minute bits of consistency, which is where Fabian Schiller, Sven Muller and Marcus Winkelhock are making those tiny, but when you bolt them all together, massive wins, massive gains compared to those that are not as experienced and, and perhaps not as consistent as a result. So the cream is really rising to the surface here. And just as you started that sentence, Marcus Winkelhock got a bit of a twitch, a bit of a slide at turn 14, but that just shows how hard he's pushing into yeah. that, that cupped corner. He's trying to pull away of Mathieu Detri, but it, the little gain he made was certainly lost at that moment, but he didn't drop the car. That's the point. That's where the experience comes in. Again, down into turn one, he cuts a very tight inside line, but this time not bothering with opposite, opposite lock because he isn't running in as deep as he was when he tried to overtake the race one Ferrari that has fallen back a little bit uh, down in sixth place Thierry Vermeulen I think a lot of the lap times now yeah they're about two seconds off the ultimate pace and in fact for the race leader Fabian Schiller his best lap one minute 59.3 seconds his last lap 4.2 seconds slower so yes there's traffic involved obviously those very first lap uh, best flying laps so far have been set early in the race before they had the 992 cup cars et al to overtake. Don't forget we've got cars in the TCX class, TCE class, GTX class and of course the GT4 runners as well. So plenty of variety but those early laps if you've got clear track but remember the track was unbelievably dusty at the start of the race. Dai was reporting kind of binks down on the grid about how the wind had really picked up in the in the half hour or hour before the start of the race and certainly that replay of the start just showing this Hall of dust with uh, 54 cars charging down towards turn one really proved how slippery it was going to be around the opening lap, which makes it more all the more extraordinary that all the starters got around the opening lap without a nary a spin. I was convinced there was going to be at least someone going around, but they all managed to hold on. And with each lap thereafter, they cleaned up the track. Yes, and that continues the effort to try and make this into a pristine racing surface. Already, a, I mean, a, a wonderful venue to come racing particularly for this keystone event held every january although from this year uh, not exactly the same weekend we hope to be back to the second weekend of jan in 2025 as now 
trying to muscle his way up the inside there was the was that the Grove Racing Mercedes car number 10 battling with number 91 which is the Herbert Motorsport Porsche that looks very John Player special this year all black with the gold trim and it heads out of turn 12 and towards the fast kink at 13 and yeah 91 and 10 battling for the same bit of asphalt so still Brenton Grove and Ralph Bone there and I was about to make the point after 30 laps that what's very encouraging is that there's no dominant manufacturer right now. Yes, Mercedes lead, but the gap's down to 2.2 seconds because the Porsche from Proton Huber competition is marching on. So we've got the three-pointed star, we've got Porsche, and we've got the four rings of Audi that are infiltrating that top three. Be nice to have a BMW a little further up than the best so far, which is Century Motorsports offering number 22, eighth place for Lewis Plato. And don't forget Thierry Vermeulen's Ferrari 296 interrupting that German flow with the racing one number six car in sixth position. So balance of performance, probably Ferrari and BMW will disagree with this, but around about right for the other three major marks in this race. Yeah, you know, I think Century's performance in Lewis Plato's hands has been very, very impressive. He started 14th on the grid, one place gained with the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini not getting to start, but he's picked his way up to eighth. He's largely, well, he's, he's been really been troubled by um, uh, the car tucked behind Dennis Marshall. Now, down in the pit, sounds like Dai's got something to tell us because I can hear your mic open. Hi, Dai. Hi, Bruce. They're changing, changing tyres and, uh, and driver as well, just behind. But they're the first two cars in the pit lane so far. Thank you, Di. So, yes, the first of the pit visitors, and we think you're going to have a flurry in the next few minutes. We've uh, just uh, crossed the first hour. We thought the front runners would come in already. And I think, uh, let's see, gap between first and second down to point three three eight of a second. Fabian Schiller has got Sven Muller right on his tail. Yeah, so beyond the hour mark, we may, therefore be looking at uh, race stints full race stints being more like the 70 minute marker when we get to them but this will be an earlier stop than later on in the race because of the extra laps that we have to worm into the calculation green flag lap etc flashing of the lights from Fabian Schiller on lap 32 to warn that the TCR Audi that he wants to get by and in a hurry because really feeling the heat down the back of the collar now from Sven Muller in the Proton Huber competition car. The 83 machine may not be able to keep this pace up all race long, but definitely this is where they want to try and take advantage by putting Sven Muller, the quickest driver in for the opening stint. And Sven would love to be pitting from the race lead, which is definitely a possibility. He's in the slipstream behind the big Mercedes and jinks out to now driver's left to try and shoot down the outside into turn 10. But the opportunity not quite there because Fabian Schiller hitting his marks perfectly and losing the speed on the number nine car to go through the awkward turn 10 at the end of the back straight. Interesting thing there, Johnny. You said the, the big Mercedes. You know what? The front-on shots is the Mercedes and the Porsche almost entirely the same width. Lengthwise, it may be marginally longer for the Mercedes, but it's funny how some manufacturers, they can't seem really large until they start. They all become much larger when they become GT3 cars, which is where I'm trying to go. But uh, certainly, fabulous battle for the lead of the race. I mean, we thought with every lap in the early stages of the race that Fabian Schiller was just pulling ahead of Mathieu Detri, Elia Earhart, et al., but since then, Sven Muller's worked his way forward, forward, forward. He's got up into that second place, and he's really challenging. And I thought he was going to get close enough to get a good slipstream uh, down the infield straight. He didn't, wasn't close enough to make a move into turn 10. But they will also know you do win the fool's prize if you drop it off the track just before you're making your, your first pit stop. 
about to go across the start finish line again so will this be the last lap before the pit stops that's 32 laps on the board just over half a second between first and second fabian schiller the get speed mercedes and sven muller the black and blue mercedes tucked in behind one of the cws genetas is right across the nose of our race leader fabian schiller into turn one and that has cost him momentum this could be the chance for sven muller to make a move if he can find the space well it, it all began really by very different lines through turn 14 i noticed because fabian schiller likes to go wide into that corner as now Sven Muller has his best chance of slipping up the inside of, of the Schiller Mercedes and he does exactly that because again Schiller was balked slightly unintentionally by a slower car he'd already got by Colin White CWS Janetta but it was the next Porsche Cup car that both the 9 Mercedes and the 83 Porsche had to scythe their way by Schiller just a moment too long in deciding which side he was going to go and Sven Muller was there to pounce so our first significant lead change we had the one right at the start on the opening lap when Elia Earhart lost the lead in the 18 Audi to the number nine Mercedes. But uh, in fact, this opening stint is going to be bookended by possibly leaders for only one lap. The 18 Audi at the start and now the 83 Porsche at the end of the stint. So it was the 927 Porsche Cup car doing nothing really very wrong, but just on the racing line and making space for those two leaders eventually into turn seven, but the overtake had already happened by that point. Yeah, it was Marlon Menden. He had nowhere else to go, but really the progress had already been interrupted by Colin White's Ginetta going down into turn one. That chopped the pace of Fabian Schiller. It's a corner where you're dropping down from about nearly 260 kph to about 100 and 105. So already you're decelerating, but the slight loss of momentum, it was a gift for Sven Muller, but then the gift was gift-wrapped when they got to the following corner, and there was Marlon Menden with nowhere else to go. But again... You can see Fabian Schiller realise it's not worth fighting over that moment because I think they'll be, well, I was going to say next time around, they're about to start another lap. So they really are pushing on towards a 70-minute opening stint, as Johnny was predicting a short moment ago. But this time it's not Fabian Schiller leading for Get Speed in his Mercedes. It's Sven Muller, uh, Proton Huber competition, who's leading from Schiller. 0.9 of a second is the advantage. But more in point, it's... Oh, and again, as you get to the early part of the lap, there is a car in the way of Fabian Schiller. Nothing the driver of the Toyota... Uh, Supra could do there, trying to keep out of the way, but unfortunately uh, Vasily Vladikin had nowhere else to go, so Schiller must be thinking, oh, just get the pit stop happening, I I'm, I'm tired of this, he's just lost out in traffic twice, but you know what, you lose twice, you probably gain twice, that's how it settles out over the course of a race. And Schiller will be, not that he needs to be told this by get speed, but ultimately... You know, on paper, I'd say the driver lineup looks a little stronger for longer of the race in the number nine Mercedes. So they just need to say, well, OK, we've lost the lead towards the end of the first stint, but there are another 23 stints still to go. And there's going to be a lot more action, much more overtaking still to come. And they can't be sucked into this particular moment. You've got to always concentrate on the bigger picture and not now start to overdrive the car. That was my concern, actually, for Fabian Schiller's Mercedes in the early stages because, you know, grip was at a real premium with so much sand over the track. You can start to overwork the tyres because of that because it's not on a clean road surface. And if you push like crazy for the first 15 to 20 minutes, does that mean that tyre performance really does drop off towards the end? So that might be what, the reason why at one point Schiller enjoyed something like a six or seven second lead and that now has completely disappeared. Now, major issues on the number six Ferrari. That is driver's side and currently the driver, well, is locked out. 
Bruce. Uh, driver locked out. Driver, is the driver still on board? Thierry Vermeulen did a brilliant opening stint, but uh, Marco Pulcini cannot get in. It's not often you see a Ferrari with a, with a, a jemmy, a crowbar being used to pry and, try and prise the door open. So for Racing 1, this is massive, massive frustration. Driver, I think, is still aboard. Yes, so uh, he'll be getting very hot under the collar. This is a car that came in from sixth position, ran really strongly in the early stages of the race. Now, hold on, was a side-by-side -side contact on that flank of the Ferrari? I think there possibly was going down the start-finish race with Marcus Finkel as he's trying to get through, but uh, now, does, can uh, Thierry Vermoulin give it a good thump from the inside to release he's the door? He's been told lock? to stay in, do a double stint, or at least being told to belt up again. Now, is that because the car, well, the car's been lowered back down onto its handcooks, and they will have changed the tyres whilst all this kerfuffle was taking place. My other thought was, what's stopping the driver from skipping out on the right-hand side? Normally, they do a test, they certainly do at Le Mans, to say, make sure you can get out from either side of the car within, I think it's normally 10 seconds, because there's nothing to say in an incident whether the, the driver's side of the car could be slapped up against an Armco barrier or a tyre wall, but Thierry Vermeulen, this wasn't part of the plan, folks, unconventionally being chucked back out onto the race circuit because he's trapped in the car. Let's hope the water bottle is uh, nice and full. I was just thinking, he's, any driver, even on, uh, in, in the sort of j month of January in Dubai, is going to be very hot and dreamy of a cooling drink when they got out of the car, but he's got to re-chip the brain. Marco Pulcini will have to wait for his stint later in the race. So let's see where this slots in after all the pit stops have been made. Sven Muller's just going into the fueling area. In fact, behind that racing one Ferrari, uh, but has got another lap on the board. Bear that in mind. Pitted a lap later, but... Uh, oh. What frustration. Racing One have been getting better and better over the years. Obviously quite new still to the 296 uh, GT3 Ferrari, but uh, clear to be seen that door would not open. My other thought is that hasn't provided a solution, a long-term solution, as in when he comes back in at the end of another hour, he's still not going to be able to get out of the car. And the other thing is, surely the officials are keeping tabs on our coverage. They will not be happy that there is no escape route from that Ferrari currently. Just like when a damaged car comes in, you, you can't tape a door shut because they can't because a driver is unable to exit at speed. And if if you can't open the door from the inside, scrutineering wise, the officials will not be happy for that car to continue. This is where we think the locked door scenario has happened from. There was side to side contact between Fermoulin and Marcus Winkelhock. A good probably 40 minutes ago when they were really tussling for that position and that is maybe where the door slammed shut not to be opened again you know I put that out there as a suggestion but having looked at the replay absolutely minimal contact and also it was very clean side on side on we weren't talking a car coming in at an angle they were parallel but just closed up not once but twice down the start finish straight and then as they were turning into turn one I well, maybe it is just simply that delicate, but if so, that, that's not sufficiently robust for the job. So, yeah, the, the Racing One are going to have to have some serious thoughts. But let's go down because Dai has moved as a, a total pro down to the Racing One garage. What's the news, Dai? Martin Paulhaas, yes. Hello, yeah, uh, guys, can you hear me? I'm just with uh, Racing One, the number six car that you've just been talking about. It was just a bit noisy there, I couldn't quite hear. Yeah, Martin's with me. Uh, Martin, we saw that you couldn't get the door open, so the driver couldn't get out of the car. How does that, what position does that leave you in? Ah, uh, yes, it, uh, we don't saw it, but we have in the, in the first uh, minutes a couple with, with uh, Markus Winklock with Audi, he gave us a small hit, or the cars touched each other. And the, we, we can open the door, but we can't close it really. 
And so we, we decide to leave him in. Now we are thinking what we are doing and then we make another pit stop for it. Bit of a bit of a, cha- a strategy change last minute there for you. Yes, of course. Normally the plan was that Marco Pulcini goes to the car, and then we decide to to stay Vermeulen in the car because he have also a, he make directly a double stint now for us. Yes. And there's obviously going to be a point where you're going to have to bring him in and get him out. Yes, but uh, that is now uh, how we have to handle it, and we will see now at the next pit stop. Thank you. Thanks. That was interesting, very interesting there. We can open it, but we can't close it. So from the safety point of view, in terms of a driver being extracted if he goes off the circuit, at least they're clear on that front, Johnny, because that was certainly a point you raised in terms of uh, driver safety. But uh, it does mean they've got about an hour to think about how they're going to close the door when the next pit stop comes around. Marco Pulcini presumably be in the car uh, in another hour's time, so he'll have to sort of get the helmet off. You know, a driver psyched himself up, and uh, now they've got to sort of cool down again and uh, think about what's lying up ahead. It looked to me to be the exact opposite of that comment, though. We we can open it. Why, why on earth was there a crowbar being used then, and why was the catch being released and the door not responding? No, you know, I wonder get whether the, he got the words the wrong way round. In retrospect, I suddenly remembered as I said that there was the crowbar incident, but uh, uh, and I still say that from a safety point of view, the scrutineers and the officials will not be happy about that because you imagine the car spins off the circuit and you know, heaven forbid, catches fire. Thierry needs to get out, quick, smart, and if, and if well, what we don't know is whether the catch on the inside releases the door, but presumably it doesn't because you know he would have been trying that as well. So, well, let's just wait to see whether there is a decision or not, and they may well be happy for it to be continuing around for a further stint, and then say, right well, during the next pit stop, that door issue really does need to be rectified. They will have a spare door, I'm sure, uh, tucked away in the back of the garage. It just wasn't accessible right at that point because you don't expect that issue to be uh, to be striking this early on in the race. Problems with doors closing or doors not closing uh, cast me back to, to when you had the um, SLS Mercedes with the gullwing doors that uh, I remember doing a race out at one of the 24H series races at Zandvoort and uh, there was a driver going around and trying to hold the door down. It kept wanting to spring up. And imagine, you know, you're quite busy in your little work office when you're racing around a circuit like Zandvoort. Oh, dear, we have a car that has suddenly come to a standstill on the circuit. Just need to identify that because that was right ahead of a gaggle of others. It looked like a 992 Cup Porsche, but I did see it for about 0.01 of a second before we moved on to another shot. Hold on. It's car number 921. Again, when you get a rear shot of a car, often their, their livery is very, very different to what you see from the sharp end. And uh, trying to see who's on board. Gilles Vanillet in the Moulin Motorsport Porsche. It's down in 49th position. And uh, it's got it going again. AC Motorsport in the pits. Uh, Paul Celia's been you know, doing a fantastic job uh, to lead for much of the race thus far in the TCE class in the AC Motorsport Audi. That's a uh, driver on board, but sitting on the jacks in the garage. Yeah, not only in the pits, but unfortunately in the confines of the concrete-walled garage and front wheels off, they are... Well, they've got the scales out for that car and not quite sure what the issue is. Maybe the team don't know either, but after a faultless opening stint, this car is going to lose an awful lot of time, sadly. New TCE leader, I think, prior to the pit stops was in fact Colin White in the G55 uh, Ginetta, but certainly the Audi in question did spend a bit of time in front during the opening stint. We're well into the second hour now. 
for this 19th edition of the Hankook Dubai 24 Hours. And fair to say, we've had no shortage of incident to this point, not least before we even got going with a non-appearance of the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini. That still has yet to compete on any of the laps uh, that we expected it to do so from the front of the grid. It was due to start from second position, but a fuel tank issue has prevented it from doing so. And we really have now reached the end of the stint for a lot of the GT3 cars, so many of them in the fueling area. Let's remind you, if you're new to Creventic Type Racing, the 24-hour series, that fueling is not done in the conventional sense in the pit lane. You do a, a stop, a pit stop in the pit lane, funnily enough, and that's where the tyres are changed and the driver can be changed as well. But then the car goes off into a separate quadrant after the pit lane, which is tucked away in the paddock itself, where the fuel is put on board. So there's a, a separate crew, normally of one or two people, waiting down there at the relevant fuel pump. And they are very much supermarket-style pumps, although a little more high-tech than that. There are clever things like fuel flow meters utilized these days as well to make sure that uh, the fuel goes in at the correct rate for your classification and your category. But once that is done, then the car rejoins the race and gets going again. That horrible moment to see the Mulner Motorsport car crawling along one of the fastest parts of this Dubai Autodrome, which is the back straight, and cars doing north of 250 kilometers per hour right by the door mirror. Never like to see this, being covered by double-waved yellows at this stage. Now, it could turn right there and utilize the shortcut, but in fact, no, Vanley is continuing on down the main straight in perhaps vain hope of the car kicking back into life. Well, Gilles only just taken that car over. It started by Vlad Lomko, car number 921. It is creeping, but, oh, dearie me. I mean, he, he, I think this is possibly his outlap, even, because we've still got other Porsche Cup cars coming out of the pits. Just going back to the refueling element, of course, the teams, sometimes when there's an incident, the teams all decide to take a half tank that they're allowed during an incident, and they all go... But, of course, if other teams have gone in at the same time, that's where your spotter has got to tell you precisely how many cars have gone past. Will there be a pump spare? Because standing and queuing... Uh, is not what the doctor ordered. But for standing is unfortunately what the 91 Porsche from uh, Mulner Motorsport is doing at probably about a third of the way down the infield straight that runs down between turn nine and turn 10. And uh, stationary is not good as far as the doctor's orders are concerned. So really frustrating for Gilles Vanelli. A nice bit of heads up driving though from Gilles in the, as he got beyond the two thirds marker of the back straight, he moved from the left-hand side of the circuit to the right-hand side of the circuit. So now, in the safest place to be, but I can see that the race control crew will give Gilles as much time as possible to get the car restarted, but if it stays there for any longer than a couple of minutes, I think a Code 60 will be the only option. It's strange that it, it started to go a little faster for a brief spell and has stopped again, so very much an intermittent issue for this Porsche, which uh, went really well in the opening stint, but strangely breaking the flow and coming into the, to the pits to do a first fuel stop, that can involve quite a bit of heat soak, as in, you know, the hot parts of the car start to get into those areas that don't quite like getting hot, and that's where the, the intermittent issues can creep in. I don't think it quite was an outlap for Gilles Vanelay, as the Code 60 does indeed come out. It was probably his first flying lap after the outlap, and the Code 60, the first of them in this year's 24 hours of Dubai, has now been officially announced to clear the Mulner Motorsport Porsche. Yeah, and just, well, the reason it, cost, it might have been an outlet, Johnny, is the fact that we had George King leading the race, which meant that he's also in the, in the Porsche Cup class, 
uh, George King running the MRS GT racing number 17. He's now been one of six drivers in the refueling area, so he managed to get clearly a late go. But uh, let's go down because uh, things happen and Di Binks is covering them. Well, slight change there, Bruce, but it's it's now Peter, so ah, it's a modern world. Slightly and, different uh, I've got uh, I've got got Lauren Lauren Tom Tomlinson from the seven nine. Uh, five Toro Verde Janetta entry. Uh, Lawrence, he, he's just said something to me off, where, off air, and he spelt a word out to me that started with one letter, ended with another, but said yeah. he couldn't repeat that on air. We so he's, pro one. he's promised it's a family show. <laughs> Lawrence, he, he, interesting. The start was amazing. Um, not mine, just generally. <laughs> I just had to stay out of trouble. I mean, everybody was so well behaved. Um, and you, I'd like to see a replay. I haven't seen it, but I watched a replay of it, but I think it's just how everybody got through turn one and down and out with no contact I thought that was amazing we haven't had a code 60 in the first hour and a quarter which is um, must admit I wouldn't have minded we will now <laughs> wouldn't have minded one um, so yeah we, the car went really well um, it's really high dig out there because the you can see the sand blowing across the circuit so as soon as it cleans up there's some more sand comes around so well, that's the thing I wanted to argue about because Bruce and Johnny in the booth are saying that uh, we haven't seen so much sand at the start of a race and all the more discipline that the drivers managed to miss all that. But how does that affect you, apart from just the obvious of vision, but how does it affect you in terms of traction and grip and, and even turning? Yeah, well, I had two laps this morning to bed brakes in, so um, rather than just bed the brakes in, I went, I went fairly quick to find out where the grip level was because I think it would have quite surprised some people how, how little grip there was. So... Um, yeah, you just had to be a little bit more cautious because, uh, you know, your, your braking distances are much longer and um, it just doesn't want to turn in. And then when it turns in, it wants to turn in. So amazing start from everyone. You know, well done. I was going to say, doing, doing a few laps this morning is one thing, but the heat of the start of a race and 55 cars and kicking up that cloud storm, it must, must, have, been, must have been quite hard work. Yeah, I think we started on row 15, so we were, we were quite high up in the 992s, but... The GT3s were like a massive hoover and um, and uh, just just sucked all the sand up. So as you were going into turn one, if you were you know if you had any on board, you'd see it was like it was almost like driving in the in the rain. So, which you know I guess if you were if you had in your head that I'm I'm maybe on a slippery surface and I can't see very well. If you like the rain, that's that's what you got really. And of course you you took the cautious approach and lifted and drove very carefully, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I did, well, <laughs> I did actually, yeah, I mean, I did get pinched at one point and backed off, but, you know, the 992s are quicker in a straight line and we're quicker uh, on a lap, so, you know, I just had to take my medicine into the end of the straight. I tried white lining it everywhere I could and was as aggressive as I could and braked as late as I could, but I lost a few places at the start, but made, made them up, we got past the Vortex, which is our main competitor and... They just disappeared away from that, which was pleasant because that, that, that vortex is rapid. I mean, those guys have done a great job on that car. And so have you with Janetta's. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's nice to see a, it's nice to see another family manufacturer putting cars out there against the, you know, against the OEMs and we're having fun. And same with the KTM, you know, it's a really pretty little car. And the GTX class was a lot bigger in Kuwait, so unfortunately with the with the change of date, a few people dropped out, but I think it's, GTX is a great class that, that can grow, and you know, we're going back to the factory with our car, we've got some changes to make to it, and it's a, 
it's a category where you can have fun and develop the car with the team. So if you are, you know, if you're into racing cars and developing them, you can you're allowed to modify the car a little bit, which is which is nice, you know, rather than this, you know, BOP everything the same one make series. So That's what makes this series so good, isn't it? Lawrence, thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get out of the sun and get finish that bottle of water, and I'm sure we'll talk to you a lot more later. Always great to catch up with Lawrence and makes makes total sense after a pretty intensive stint, I think it's fair to say, but now a cooling off period. The Mulner Motorsport Porsche of Gilles Van Allee has made it back to the pit lane, but not under its own steam. It's had to be towed by one of the many uh, 4x4 pickup trucks here at the Dubai Autodrome. And now uh, the Belgian squad, based just a stone's throw away from Stavelo Corner at Spa-Francorchamps, uh, can start to work on this car and find out exactly what the issue is because there's been very little warning of this. As I say, the first stint was very much trouble-free. Yeah, it really was. And I, th I think Lawrence actually really pinpointed what we'd said earlier, which is the fact that it was remarkable everybody got around the opening lap. And, and some of the racing thereafter was really very good indeed, but you could just see how slippery the circuit surface was. And there I am, blithely, in the Global Broadcast Centre, talking about uh, the track cleaning up as the first few laps, but Lawrence's point is as fast as it clears that more sand comes in, and let's face it, there's plenty of sand to spread here, rather less than used to be uh, when I first visited the circuit in 2005, because a lot more building has taken place uh, in the near vicinity, or the ever, ever closer vicinity, I think we could say. True, yes. Uh, nearly 40 laps done by, well, a new race leader, but briefly, because the Fakalta Tech car has taken the lead and then immediately pit so Oop van Eindhoven choosing to get his other half of the allocated fuel that he's permitted under a code 60 so many of the cars will be doing a stop then tootling around at 60 kilometers per hour back into the pit lane to get another 50 percent of fuel and then we may well be back to green once that is done I just wonder whether the code 60 is be is deliberately being kept so that those that haven't yet had a chance to pit are able to do so because the problem that actually brought this code 60 out has been cleared as mentioned the Mulder Motorsport Porsche is already back in but Creventic are always very keen on making it as fair as possible to all the beauty of a code 60 rather than a safety car is that theoretically the gaps that had built up over the opening 70 75 minutes of this race should be retained going back into the green because everybody goes around at 60 kilometers per hour and there is a second speed limiter in the car in addition to the 40 kph which you have to do down the pit road it's then 20 kph incidentally in the fuel quadrant but i don't think there is a limiter strictly speaking for that you, that is all done manually but uh, 60 kph for those that are still out on the racetrack, and that should mean that if you had a 10-second gap at the head of the field before this caution period, it should be round about that when we get going again. Well, I think we're going to find out very, very soon indeed. So about half the cars in the pits, about half the cars out on the circuit. Alas, still in the pit garage, still going nowhere. Is the car that qualified second, the number 63 Leipert Motorsport Lamborghini. A problem with the fuel tank, and it's been not elaborated any further than that except they cannot find out what it is so what's the choice obviously they've got to see if they can fix it because they could still go out and get 22 hours of racing in this event so wave yellow flags the code 60 out on the circuit so i think this is an opportunity to clear up any debris that's at the side of the track any great lumps of uh, bits and bobs that have fallen off cars and we certainly had cars five abreast on the start finish straight uh, on the opening lap so wise to do that under the cover of the code 60 
And before we do get back to green flag running, because the order is changing a fair bit, so we'll give you the order when we go back to green. But in the meantime, Peter Snowden has this update from the pit lane. Yeah, hi guys. It's uh, it's very simple. I'm just with the uh, the 91 Mula uh, Motorsport Porsche entry, and it's uh, and mechanically the car's absolutely fine. It has an electronics gremlin to the point that. Uh, They've got the Porsche technicians looking at the car now, and the Mula guys are literally standing around like meerkats, just letting the Porsche people. So they said, we can do nothing until the Porsche technician tells us what's wrong with it. It's on that side of the car, unfortunately. So Mulner do have expertise in running Porsches of various types. They are often seen at the Nürburgring Nordschleife for episodes of NLS in the Cup 3 division for many times and also they've run prototypes as well in ACO rules racing so no shortage of expertise but if it's a relatively new car that the, the number 921 to them then it no doubt will come with not necessarily a dedicated Porsche technician but that, that person may be across several cars in the entry and uh, it's a matter of plugging a laptop in often and getting data that way otherwise a total mystery before that is done but, but that very point, the fact is the mechanics can do nothing. It's not their domain. Their domain is the, is the mechanical bits, and it's the bit that's most vexing. You know, there's nothing you can see from the outside as to why something's wrong, unless some wiring has come loose, which is uh, remarkably unusual. So stand aside and see what can be done. Fingers crossed for Mulner Motorsport. You know, huge uh, effort, not just Europe, not just the Middle East, but also competing out in the States as well. They've uh, really got their American arms. So very, very busy team, but for the moment frustrated getting the message now that we are inside the final minute of the first code 60 of the race lap times are something in the region of five and a bit minutes so this probably has been about a 10 minute code 60 to this point i'll find a screen in a moment to fully confirm that but i think there's, there's probably a decision uh, announced in the driver's briefing that an early code 60 in the race would be kept out for two laps effectively two laps at, at code 60 speed to make sure that everyone has a chance to not only pit once but also twice should they choose to do revs are starting to rise again and that tells us that we are back to green flag running the code 60 came out at 20 minutes past two and goes back in again at 31 minutes past two o'clock so it's a yeah 11 minute code 60 which is bang on the money I think what Race Control did there was work out exactly which car was crossing the line as the Code 60 came out and then timed two laps, two slower laps from that point. Right, uh, news from the pit lane. Phil Anson, who'll be in the commentary box uh, at the circuit, uh, when Johnny and I step away later. We're, we're going for the first four hours of the race before retiring to recharge our batteries and then come back later in the Global Broadcast Centre. But uh, Phil, busy down in the pit lane and has uh, just sent us uh, two messages. One is that Leipert may have to pull the engine and the gearbox to get to the fuel tank on that stricken Lamborghini Huracan and may therefore not decide to do so. So we could have lost one of the... Well, we have lost one of the front runners. We hoped it was for a delayed start for them, but unfortunately Phil reports that it could be over and out for the car that was second quickest in qualifying how disappointing really strong driver lineup in that very very frustrating indeed for them yeah and there is a strict order to a lot of these gt3 cars as to which bit you have to take out before the next bit and the next bit and there are, are modular to a certain extent but there are some with 
a diffuser that is that large, it actually covers the whole of the gearbox area. So you have to take a massive diffuser out, first of all, in terms of unscrewing where it where it connects to the underneath of the car before you can then start the meaningful work. And the fuel tank, by the sounds of things, is beyond that. So we may be talking two or three or four hours before you can even access the fuel tank uh, and then about the same time to put it all back again. I mean, these cars are designed generally to be worked on quite quite quickly, but not for something that sits in the directly in the middle of the car. So horrendous luck. I'm not sure when that problem was first encountered and first worked out that it was that part of the car that was playing up. But you know, if it was a moment before the car was meant to go to the grid, you can understand the predicament they're in. Oh, God, totally. And in fact, you know, you think about the packaging of a car that's made for a sprint race, it could be different from one for an endurance race. Because if you've got a problem in a sprint race, no chance of fixing it. For an endurance race, yeah, but <laughs> hey, you can't afford to redesign and have two versions of a GT3 car. But, you know, the problem, the ramifications are just so different. But this is a 24-hour race, but it does sound as, they, as though, fingers crossed, this isn't the case. They may not be joining us for any of that. So scratch one of the front runners. George King leading the race, the number 17 Porsche from MRS GT3. And that's in the GT3 AM class. It's a white and acid yellow car. So uh, young young British racer doing a good job there. But that was the scramble. It was according to when the pit stop was made. But uh, just remember that leading the race, uh, we had a change of lead for the race just before those pit stops with the number 83 Porsche getting to the front. Sven Muller at the wheel. It's now uh, Sergei Borisov who's taken over. And of course, that was uh, fighting against the get speed. Mercedes now in the hands of Al Faisal Al Zubair, a driver with good history in this race so we will see how that one unfolds of course Al Faisal uh, one of the many local drivers and this is one of the glories of the 24 hours of Dubai this is the 19th running year event we've got more and more drivers based in the Middle East who come out to play we've had teams entered uh, locally not always in the top class quite often down below but you know it's a race that's really you know, I think endurance racing is the sort of racing that really does seem to suit the appetite in the Middle East the very most. We've got junior single seaters for the for the young guns, but certainly a lot of the a lot of the, the local drivers across the entire region just really love these cars and, and come out to play and have done very, very well in this event over the years. Now the racing one Ferrari is in the garage, so Thierry Vermoulin that that door problem. The car, unfortunately, though it still says six on the flank, says forty-four on the windscreen, down to forty-fourth position. Coming back out onto the pit apron, door presented simply fixed and we've got a spinner and the first crash of the race one of the Porsche 9 I think it's car 927 waiting long shot uh, looking for that one through the heat haze but it's gone around nose into the barriers debris out on the circuit so will the number six Ferrari for racing one it's got to go and get its fuel presumably uh, get back into the race uh, before we have any other code sixes it is indeed 927 looking rather second hand Unfortunately, nose into the barriers. That's Stefan Bayer who just taken it, that over for SRS Team Saw Grensport. And uh, the signature swoopy skid marks uh, left by the rubber uh, can show the point of impact. And the issue with a Porsche nosing into a barrier, and fairly significantly as well, because the middle layer of Armco has been pushed back a long way. The bottom section as well badly pummeled so that first of all will need to be repaired by the track crew but you know historically the nose of a Porsche rather fragile because of where the radiator sits on the cup car it appears that there's actually two separate radiators one on the front left corner one on the front right corner but one at least one of those has been significantly dislodged and there's already coolant on the road 
I'm not suggesting that that 927 car is going to be attempted to be driven back to the pit lane, but it's a question about how many fluid, how many, how much of the fluid has been lost, and whether that's already started to escalate the engine temperature. Some of the spillage already being dressed by the marshals who've arrived on the scene, but there's there's bodywork right across the track, almost as if it's slapped the barrier on the right initially and then into the left. Okay, just to explain, it was coming out of turn nine, the parabolica onto the infield circuit, and the car has gone in to the barriers on the left-hand side of the circuit. But the fact, Johnny, you're quite right, that the debris was right across to the driver's right-hand side of the circuit. But to my understanding, if you come out of a, a long left-hander and lose the car and you end up on the left-hand side, that's probably the side you went in. But I can't mm. believe it hit so hard that it went back around. It's, you can see where it's hit the barriers, it's bent them. I think it was the impact where it hit the barriers that actually fired some of the bodywork right across the track. So they need to clear that up. It's a big, big hit on the barriers. Three layers of arm coat and the middle layer has been punched deeply back into the recess. Driver is out, Stefan Bayer, he just took, taken that over from Marlon Mendon, but that would have been a high energy impact there. But he's, he's uh, trying to get his helmet off, but he's upstanding, moving freely, but uh, very, very unfortunate. Yeah, I think that the tag into the Arnco barrier hasn't significantly slowed the car, and afterwards it's then done a full 360 to end up still facing the Arnco barrier, but has spun fully around, and that's flung bits mm. of bodywork off to the tr the other side of the track, which has certainly confused me. But now that trim, and it looks either mainly plastic, that uh, the plastic bumper guard, which has ended up on the other white line, that's already been collected by a very efficient track crew here at the Dubai Autodrome. And at least, therefore, all of the damaged components are concentrated on driver's left. And sensibly, a lot of the circuit vehicles now are sheltering, protecting that car together with the driver, as you say, who is already out and in conversation with the marshals. So the early indications are good for the welfare of Stefan Bayer. I'm sure he'll be rushed into the medical unit anyway and taken back to the on-site medical centre for the once-over. But uh, the major concern for Stefan will be, can we get this car back to the pit lane as quickly as possible and get it fixed to run again? the superficial damage they'll be able to iron out very swiftly indeed but I, I am concerned about the car's cooling systems now after such a hit yeah so the telltale tires mark showed that he, he dropped it coming out of turn nine presumably as he started accelerating and you know what you can probably blame the dusty circuit on the outside he wasn't the start driver in that car that was marlon menden fellow German racer, but Stefan has a lot of experience in, in racing, has been competing with Team Saw Grand Sport since 2015, done the Nürburgring 24 hours, so I think he was just simply caught out on his early laps, the start of his stint in the second hour of this race, by just running a little wide and finding out just how dusty it is out beyond. And again, right now, we're under code 60, of course, a long shot, rear shot down the start, finish straight, and you couldn't see the cars at the far end because of the dust. And this is with cars circulating at 60 kph. It just goes to prove what Diana Bink said down on the grid before the start of the race about the wind had picked up and it was bringing dust all the time across the circuit. With another code 60 then, straight off the back of the previous one, this pr provides more opportunity for some of the race leaders to make pit stops, so keeping a watchful eye on that and other things too, here's Peter Snowden. I'm with uh, Rob Huff down at uh, Team Parker Racing. Rob, well, we've heard a bit about the dust. We'll come back to that a bit more in the minute. <laughs> You're laughing already, but a uh, slightly more fundamental issue with your, with the Continental GT at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got a mega start, which was brilliant. 
Um, got up to about 10th place, I think. Was uh, looking good to, to get another two, just following Axel around in the, in the McLaren, really. We were just picking people off. Uh, and unfortunately, about, sort of, I think, about lap 10 or 11, we lost the ABS, which caused us a big lock-up and uh, took three or four laps to try and understand from the team exactly what we needed to reset and so on and so forth. Uh, but found the breaker because the box where the breaker is had fallen off the tunnel. So I was fishing around trying to find that, managed to get the breaker out, reset it. Um, then it happened another three or four times. Uh, ultimately, went to a much higher ABS setting braked a bit earlier and that seemed to uh, reduce the problem um, I think we just got too much draw on the, the main ABS we've sort of been tweaking the ABS you know the car's quite old tech wise she makes up for it in beauty and grunt uh, which is mega you know certainly on the race but uh, yeah a few, few few issues but Sean's out now in his first stint and everything seems to be going well so fingers crossed we found a solution is it become a racing driver it's glamorous they say it. yeah yeah, yeah I mean, it, Driving a Bentley doesn't get much better, does it? Well, well, exactly, exactly. But I mean, a silly question, but apart from braking earlier, obviously with the ABS, but you do that, and obviously you do that for, obviously it's going to lock up otherwise, but how does that then put you in traffic? So if you've got cars behind you, how mindful do you be? How do you, how do you, how do you manage that as a driver in the car at the time? I mean, ultimately you can, you know, you, you can still brake, the car's quite, you know, very well aero balanced, so you can still brake very late, but you just need to bring it back sort of 10 metres, which does cause a problem when you're trying to overtake some cup cars and, and other GT3 cars. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're here, it's the first time we've all driven the car, it's the first time out with the, with, with the car for, for Sean and the team um, all together. So, you know, we're here, we're enjoying it. Uh, fingers crossed we get to the end. That's the, the, you know, the main goal is to get to the end, understand as much as we can about the car and, uh, and come back fighting stronger. And, and I say enjoy it. Is Sean enjoying driving it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, all, all of us are. You know, Max's son, uh, Joe, it's Joe's first uh, race in a GT3 car. Uh, it's Joe and Max's first ever 24-hour race. So, you know, there's a lot of firsts going on this weekend for us. So we didn't expect to be right at the front. Of course, we always hope that we are, but ultimately... We always expect you up at the front, Rob. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, we proved what the car could do. We qualified 21st, we got up to 10th. Uh, it was looking good, like I say, to, to get a few more. But ultimately, you know, it just takes the pressure off, if anything, that, that what's happened has happened. Uh, and now we can just, you know, try and see if we get to the end with it and enjoy ourselves and learn as much as possible. You say it's, it's obvious, but it's a long race, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's great to come and race in Dubai in January, get away from the, the UK weather. Um, I find it slightly ironic that you lived here for so long, move yeah. back to England, and then go back to race in Dubai. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think I've done more racing here since I left than, uh, than when I lived here. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a great circuit. It's a very challenging circuit. Opening stint is always very hard because you sit in the grid for, you know, 20 minutes before you get going. And... Uh, you know, the start was pretty frantic, but you know, just use the grunt of the Bentley to, to breeze past people in the beginning. You can tell you can join Big Smiley Face. Rob, thank you very much. And uh, uh, Johnny and Bruce in the booth, just uh, Bentleys or Team Parker are showing the garage with, uh, with Moolah Motorsport. And uh, I've had a, a quick update there. Um, and they've got a fantastic metric for uh, measuring how well the car is getting sorted or not. That is the Porsche engineer that said, as long as he's got a red head, he hasn't got any hair, by the way, that means he's stressed, which means it's still a Porsche problem. Oh, there's a great little insight. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I like that. So you're allocating where the issue is, and uh, uh, sometimes it, well, it's an interesting phrase that Rob just used there, takes the pressure off. So you kind of build this pressure within the team, and then something outside of your control happens, and that maybe does you a favour, because without, the, without that uh, real 
issue of, of performing well with a brand with a car that's new to them but as he said relatively old now and if it did first come out in 2018 then uh, compared to the other cars that it's racing it is somewhat long in the tooth now but it means that they can enjoy and learn for the future because that's a relatively new investment for Sean Lynn for those two cars that have come from the United States the two Continentals one of them in action today a moment or two ago we got news that we didn't really need to be told I suppose which was that the Armco barrier damage does need to be repaired before we can race again and uh, certainly two of those Armco barrier layers will need to be replaced they may well do all three in actual fact and this therefore could be somewhat of a lengthy code 60 that is done of course because Armco is built to take a real pummeling, pummeling on one occasion but never more than that it's a bit like uh, if a race helmet's involved in an incident you then scrap it and get a new one so that will take some time because they'll probably have to slice out the affected area and insert new slats and it might be that cars are just circulating for one lap in between pit stops to make sure that the fuel can be kept topped up bruce jones yeah it did make me have a little wry smile when lawrence tomlinson was saying it's a bit of, yeah, it's quite warm out there a bit of a shame we didn't have a code 60 in my time so i could back off but you know tongue in cheek but uh, great to have lawrence out racing again it's been quite a while since he's done a great deal of racing but uh, you know to be there in a family team with uh, with a son racing alongside you know great to be out here but right now yes it's sort of proceed as you are but uh, waiting for everything to go free down in the refueling area a handful of cars stopped by the pumps we saw earlier a couple of them back backed up but that's where the teams really need to just inform their driver of where the pumps are how how much is available how much fuel you can take on they know you can't take a full tank but or could they afford to stay out any further now one thing i just want to check on is how far down the racing one ferrari has fallen i saw 44th position on the windscreen marco pulcini has taken it over so to refresh your memory came in from sixth place with um Terry Vermoulin at the wheel, he'd had some really good scraps, but there was possibly some contact side by side with Marcus Finkelhock's Audi. They then couldn't open the door. The team said they couldn't close it, but uh, Johnny's quite right. Using a, a crowbar to open the door suggests you can't open it. So uh, Terry was told not to get out of the car because he couldn't go back out into the race. And then they brought him in within a handful of laps. They've taken the car into the garage, fallen to 44th position. But uh, finally, Terry's been released. I mean, the young Dutch racer, I'm sure, could have continued on his way quite happily. He'd be young, he'd be fit. Uh, but Marco Puccini has taken that over, down in 44th position. But more to the points, three laps down on the ultimate lead of the race. So it's going to be a big fight back. But the racing one crew and... Uh, Martin Cole has to do a fantastic job, so that will make progress. But right now, it's looking uh, quite good for the Porsches and Audis at the front of the field. Yeah, Vermeulen, I reckon, pitted just before 2.30, 29 minutes past the hour. And then Marco began his stint uh, about seven minutes later. So the ultimate cost is... How many laps did you say? Six? Three? Four laps. Four laps. Three to four laps. <laughs> He's got 40 on the board and the race leader's got 43. So okay. my maths. That just about works out. But he, yeah, the car rejoined at 2.36. So the best part is seven minutes for a pit stop to sort the door issue out. And they may well have had to take the left side door entirely off that car for it to release. Gilles Vanillet's all-black helmet still being worn by Gilles himself who sits in the Moulin Motorsport Porsche as the Porsche technicians try to get to the bottom of this issue but also the rest at Moulin Motorsport 2, 921 
And this is a real shame as well because uh, a car that had been going very strongly in its opening stint, Gilles Vanillet, looking very stealth in that carbon black helmet with the shades on as well, but he'd sooner be back in the race, Snowy. What intrigued me though was that the, the visor, I'm guessing it's a clear visor standard, and what he's done is he's put black PVC tape, uh, insulation tape if you like, over the visor itself. Uh, and then put that out of the way and then put his shades on for this race whereas rather than a shaded uh, visor um, you just got to hope it doesn't drop down because he literally can't appear to get a thing through that uh, what I am going to do is in about five minutes that that car is going to be sorted but uh, uh, Seb's going to get us a quick uh, shot now of the 927 Porsche that had that incident caused that last code 60 uh, with its uh, rather sorry front end uh, you were absolutely right Johnny there's uh, these layers of radiators um, uh, looking um, should we say decidedly second hand it's going to take a little bit more than a teacup to polish that out, and I think the front front cross members looking looking brilliantly straight there. But I'm sure it's possible at this stage we're ready to, to get that sorted. And we'll give it, we'll certainly give it a good go. All the wheels are pointing in the right direction. It's going to go in the box, and I'll I'll get out of its way. But um, front this the front right that's got the big damage that might uh, that might be worse. We'll see when the front uh, front ends opened up. Have a look at that, and we'll uh, give you a further update on that uh, when we can. SRS Team Zorg, Rensport in for a busy next hour or so, perhaps. Let's hope that it can be sorted out uh, inside 60 minutes. But a real shame again for Stefan Bayer and all those associated with the 927 effort. Otherwise, trouble-free to this point. But uh, the old phrase, I suppose, from 24-hour racing past is that if you're going to have a big problem, you'd sooner have it in the opening couple of hours than in the closing hour because at least there's still a good chunk of the race for you to rescue the situation, whereas if you've gone 23 and a bit hours going really well and on course for a good result and then something like that bites, it takes an awful lot of shaking from the memory. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if Leipzig Motorsport feel at any time has had a good time with their problem. Didn't get to start from second on the grid. We're, we've got uh, we've almost got two, two of the hours of the 24 under our belt and they haven't put a single lap on that car so frustration for them but i know what you're saying Don't, you know at the end no chance to fight back coach 60 still with us looking for any further messages about when that might be cleared hasn't come through let's have a little look at the penalties has anyone been given a second third warning as we saw earlier for the number 91 porsche uh, they've stayed out of trouble no they haven't they've got a 10 second time penalty there we are and they've served that also number 48 has that's the herbert motorsport car has served a, a, 10, a 10 second penalty oh exceeding the speed limit during code 60 car number six it's a racing one ferrari he already has enough problems with the doors so they've got a 12 second penalty and car 48 was the other car that's uh, been pinged for 10 second penalty for track limit abuse in fairness they could say it was very slippery i didn't mean to slide off but uh, that one is the Salasin by Cox Racing Porsche, started by Peter Cox. And Nico Pronk is the driver who's taken that over. Right, update on barrier repairs. I wanted a, a message. It's come through approximately 30 minutes. Mm. Not surprised. It, it's not a quick fix. And if it was a quick fix, you wouldn't feel confident that it was uh, as entirely safe as it ought to be. So an unusual place to go off. Not an unusual place to really spin, it should be said, because getting it wrong, coming out of the parabolica, the long, long left-hander onto the infield straight, you're trying to get the power down as soon as you can, get it down a, a, a blink too early, and round you go. But a lot of people seem to get away with it there. But unfortunately... Um, for Mulder Motorsport, their car did not. So Stefan Bear, plenty of experience, but that wasn't one he wanted to add to the mix. 
in terms of experience. But the team working away, as uh, Peter Snowden was pointing out down in the pits. But for the fans in the grandstand, waving as they are to the cameras, they're having a good family day out. And what I really love, it's exactly that. Families with the next generation of racing fans, we hope. It might, for some, just be a passing moment, but I tell you what, for those who are lucky enough to be taken down onto the grid before the start of this, the 19th Hanku 24 Hours of Dubai, very special indeed. Now, of course, when we get to uh, the pit lane during Code 60, um, there's a chance to clear up a bit of the dropped oil, but certainly there was plenty of that down in the pit lane. Obviously, when the cars are back up at full speed, it's a bit bitter in the pit lane, but, uh, yeah, a bit of a clear up there. Who dropped the oil? That's the question. Snowy may well know. The uh, Team Sorg Rensport, that's a lot of the coolant out there clearing out there when the car came off the, uh, the flatbed. Um, Johnny suggested a few minutes ago that uh, uh, SRS Team Sorg Rensport have got a, a busy uh, few hours ahead of them. Well, I can assure you, sadly, they haven't uh, because the, uh, the shell is compromised. There's too much damage on the chassis leg on the front right. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of 24-hour uh, series scrutineers around there confirming exactly the same, that the, the shell is actually compromised, so that car... It's unfortunately out. That's the 227 uh, car is definitely out, and it's an early bath, so early in, early for them. And they can uh, they can have some cake and some Coca-Cola. Well, at the end of the day, you think, okay, we're not going to get a good result or a result at all in the 24-hour series event here in Dubai. But then you look out the back of the garage and think, we're in Dubai, and we've got the whole of Saturday and Sunday now to do as we please, because I'm sure flights are. Uh, booked for Sunday night or indeed into Monday. So, hey, a chance to chill out and eat cake, as Snowy suggests. <laughs> and there are many pools available in nearby hotels as well. So uh, with this wonderful temperature, uh, it's not quite as their weekend planned to go, but I'm sure they'll find some entertainment elsewhere in the city. Skydiving, camel racing, the list goes on and on and on. Alas, we never get a chance to do that when we go. I'm trying to put a brave face on things, but <laughs> you're uh, doing yeah, a good job. They'd sooner they'd sooner be in the they be in the race for the further 22 hours and five minutes that we still have to go. And although Code 60s are becoming more of a rarity at this event, uh, unfortunately, this one is likely to be in place for at least another 30 minutes. We're told. But, of course, you have still got to circulate at 60 kilometres per hour to keep ticking off those laps. This will compromise any chance of us getting to a distance record, of course, as well. Sergei Borisov is the new race leader in the Proton Uber competition Porsche, the one that was started so well by Sven Muller in the 83 car. And it's Alexander Bukantsov in another Porsche, this time from MRS GT Racing, number 17, running round in second place as the feverish work on the Armco barrier on the exit of Turn 9 continues. Just a thought on that. Uh, neither you or I have had a chance to actually see the incident for Stefan Bayer, but when you know that the car is just starting to misbehave on the exit of Turn 9, you have a split-second decision to make as to whether you back off and hit, hit the anchors or whether you sort of accelerate through it and think, I, c I can control this by a bit more right foot. And the danger is, sometimes that can go very well for you. At other times, if the car is really badly balanced and doesn't actually have all four handcooks in contact with the ground, it can chuck you into an even bigger moment than you were expecting. And maybe that's uh, the scenario, because actually the corner speed at Turn 9 is... I mean, it's not slow, but it's not particularly fast either. And, and you know, when you know the car is starting to lose itself a little bit, then the option is always there to leap off the gas but maybe he just thought it's all right i can use the power to 
weather this moment and it hasn't quite worked. Yeah, in fact, looking at the uh, track graphic ahead of the start of the race, they put a, a corner speed there of 115 kilometres an hour as you accelerate. What we don't know, of course, Johnny, is uh, was there another car alongside which started to reduce the options or did another car actually push uh, Stefan Bayer a little wider than he wanted out over the curbing? Often you're reacting to other cars coming through. He was in a 992 Cup class car and uh, possibly a GT3 car was alongside. We have not seen the incident, so we cannot uh, comment on that. What we can comment on is the barrier repairs are going to take a while. They're certainly trying to remove the neighbouring uh, sections of barrier that have been bent in. And certainly I'd say the... The middle part of the barrier, the middle deck of the three, where the impact occurred was pushed back by about two feet, about 60 centimetres, which is a lot when you consider the strength of those barriers. And the electrical cabling, the coils have been uh, powered up via the Nissan pickup truck. And I'm now imagining almost wheel guns being used at speed to uh, unscrew four or even six studs a bit like a tire change you could do a new pit stop challenge but rather than tires that you change you're actually replacing armco uh, layers and uh, that is being done as quickly as possible but you've got to make sure you're not compromising the nearby metal work in a hurry whilst you're replacing new bits the new bits i'm sure are in position as well and Actually, I reckon all the damaged parts have now been removed. Possibly the lower portion to the left there needs to be got rid of as well. And then you can start applying the brand new bits. You know those days at race meetings when attractions for members of the public to have a go at. Changing a, a, changing a set of tyres on a car always appeal, very visceral, quite quick. And there's always some idiot who's got two left hands. Uh, don't look at yourself, Jones. Um, <laughs> But changing a barrier section, I can't imagine it would quite, you know, quite have the same appeal. Rather longer, maybe more precision uh, required. But right now they've got to straighten some of the supports oh, yes. at the moment because they've been knocked back. Two of the supports have been been tipped back by about 20 degrees. They've got to hoil, haul those upright. So a pickup is involved and a, a, a toe strap is being attached to the rear of that. Just looking for clearance there. But uh, again, you need the local brains trust down there to sort this as fast as they possibly can. And yes, the brand new bits have been sourced and are certainly ready to be picked. It's also a bit like a jigsaw puzzle when you're putting the new bits uh, in to make sure that they're the correct length. I suppose there's always the option to cut them to the correct length though as well, if that is required. So all manner of machinery, forklift in action as well. And rather than replace these struts at the rear, it looks like they are going to be pulled to the correct angle and then the new layers can start to be applied so that's work that will continue on we're on lap 46 in the 19th edition of the Hankook 24 hours of Dubai and another pit stop now taking place or has just been taking taking place with Al Faisal Azubair in the get speed Mercedes now on an out lap and Al Zubair running in third position so he has been in the car for actually three stints now. The initial one, very short, just two yellow flag laps after he took over from Fabian Schiller. He then did a six-lap stint between fuel stops and one more fuel stop, which may well see him out in the race for his longest stint to date. Two hours have been completed. The driver's lapping at almost identical pace, but that's because they're under code 60. Around 5 minutes 24 for, for Lanson told us that would be the circulation speed, but in fact some now lapping. Quick lap, 5 minutes 11 from Al Faisal. It's good, it's good. In and out of the pit. So the drivers coming out of turn 9 are being waved 
not to continue onto the circuit. They go wide out over the curbing on the exit of the corner as they go out onto the, onto the infield straight and stay there for some distance before they get past the, the scene of the clear-up and uh, then they rejoin the circuit and continue on down at this abated pace, this 60-kilometre uh, mandated speed limit while the incident is being cleared up. Still the barrier repair continuing, but at the moment they're not putting the new section in. They're trying to get the supports back to an angle so at which they can have something to affix uh, the replacement sections of barrier. So big impact there and out of the race. Peter Snowden has confirmed the damage done uh, by Stefan Bayer when he went for that rotation in the number 927 Porsche was enough to rule it out. Uh, if you get a moment to head to livetiming.getraceresults.com then do a forward slash and 24H series. There's a an excellent stat page on the timeservice.nl timing screen. So on the very top of that page, you get a tab for results and the tracker, but the third grey tab labelled statistics and has a list of the leader history. Now, at racing speed, yes, we've, we had Fabian Schiller for a long, long time. Of course, it was Elliot Earhart from pole position, but he to this point has not been classified as a race leader because he didn't lead across the line at the end of that first lap that instead went to Fabian Schiller in the number nine get speed Mercedes then we had Sven Muller overtaking him in the closing stages of the opening stint and since then Fabian Schiller again led a single lap was it from no lap 34 to 30 yeah 35 so just a lap further after Sven Muller pitted but officially, we've also had laps led by the Easterlent Racing Audi of Marcus Winkelhock. Ben Goethe led a lap for Dragon Racing in their Ferrari 296. And then we've had a variety of Porsches out front. George King on two separate occasions in the number 17 MRS GT racing car. Fak Autotech's Oop van Eindhoven and Sergei Borisov, who continues to lead. Now, the Mulner Motorsport Porsche is back out on the racetrack but once again, not able to stay at a consistent 60 kilometers per hour. It just stopped briefly there. And I'm just trying to work out which point of the circuit that is. Possibly the exit of turn 12. Is this coming towards the end and just before the kink at 13? Regardless of where it is, again, it stopped. And well, that was fairly early on in the lap, I think. I, I think I saw the main grandstand up at turn 12 in the background, but, but uh, well, it's so these turn are the sweepers. 12, closer to the... Oh, yeah, you're right. So it's into turn 6 and 7, isn't it? Yep. How, so is this, in fact, an outlap for Gilles Vanillet? <laughs> and after the, all, of, all of the Porsche's uh, mechanics and engineers, technicians, have been looking at this car, uh, they've sent it out for an exploratory lap, and it made it not much further than turn 2. Yeah, confirmation of the bit lane. Thank you very much. It is the outlap there, so... Oh dear, oh dear. Life at Motorsport, rotten day. 921 Porsche crew, another rotten day for them. But yeah, so it's just going back to what you were saying there, Johnny. Seven different race leaders, so they can all have their claims. Sergei Borisov, George King, Hu van Eidhoven, Benjamin Goethe, Marcus Finkelhock, Fabian Schiller and Sven Muller. That's so far. Let's see what happens. But as far as how many of them have led races whilst the green flags have been waving, rather picky, fewer picky, than that. Picky, picky, picky. No, entirely no, but, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of the, the pit stop rotation, which has uh, made it look like a, a very exciting race. It's certainly not been short of events and uh, various incident. 
and that opening hour was stupendous to see Fabian Schiller extend the gap to seven or eight seconds, but then it really came back down again as Sven Muller found his groove. Crucially, he cleared a lot of traffic in the opening 45 minutes and then focused the crosshair on the rear and then the front of the get-speed Mercedes of Fabian Schiller. So definitely the 83 car that is leading the race at the moment and remains on an outlap. Sergei Borisov could be a real threat. Alexander Bukantsov in the MRS GT Racing, number 17, in second place. And at code 60 speeds, there's 25 and a bit seconds between them. You could probably halve that, though, in real time for green flag speeds. And Sebastian Gorga, let's see how he gets on in the car collection, number 96, Porsche, having been installed in the latest drivers to change there. Now, interestingly, car collection choosing not to pit at every available opportunity. In fact, they've pretty much stayed out throughout all of this latest Code 60. So they put enough fuel in when Dennis Marshall pitted. That was a green flag pit stop for car 96. So they will have filled the car as much as the fuel allocation will, would have allowed for. And then since then, Sebastian Gorga refusing to pit yet further. Now, a little anomaly. We often look at the refueling. We talk about under Code 60, who can put how much in their tank. But Phil, Han Phil Hansen's saying that... Uh, during a code 60, the Lotus, which started at the very back of the grid, is allowed to fill its tank, can take 100%. I didn't know that. So there we are. So, again, it's a way that uh, Creventic with their series, the 24H series, try and, uh, you know, give a helping hand to those uh, towards the tail of the field, keep, keep them in the battle. Has it propelled them to the front of the race? No. Has it given them a little bit of a gain? Yes, they've moved up to 50th position. Vito Uzzieri has taken that car over. So it's the one and only Lotus. It's great to have it in the race. Um... But, it does uh, only have a four-litre tank, though, of course, so uh, that, that's why it falls well below the allocation. There is that. Yeah. But at least their fuel tank's working, which is unlike the Liebert Motorsport well, Lamborghini, unfortunately, right? Still trying to get those uprights uh, vertical. They're getting a bit closer to vertical out at the start of the infield straight, but until those are up straight, we cannot have the new section of barrier applied. And once, that, once they're up straight, it should be quite quick to get that done. Now, one of the cars that got damaged earlier was the racing one, Ast uh, Ferrari, the brand new two or the 296 GT3, but uh, that had a problem at the end of its first uh, stint with the door not opening. It then was uh, sent back out with Thierry Vermeulen and um, has been into the garage and come out in 44th position with a black door. That's a brand new left-hand door for the driver of the Carrera uh, model-sponsored uh, Ferrari. Side-by-side -side contact with uh, Marcus Winkelhock is thought to have been what caused the door not to open, and even with a jemmy. Uh, the door could not be uh, prized open to River Moon and hot and bothered on board. Marco Pulcini hot and bothered because he couldn't get into the car. He is now on board, but that lengthy pit stop has dropped them down to 44th. And is it now 45th position? No, back in 44th for Marco Pulcini. But uh, the damage from the outside is really just from how they broke into it, Johnny. Yeah. But clearly the door catch uh, was non-functioning when it should have been. So one of the front-running cars came in from 6th for that pit stop. And that was the point at which they realised there was a problem. A modern-day GT3 car, as I've mentioned already, is modular and the, the various body panels have to fit correctly all around the car. The gaps are relatively small and the, I think maybe the issue was less to do with the door and more to do with the hindquarters of that Ferrari squished over the door and preventing it from opening because the damage done, we think, by that side-by-side -side action with the Audi of Marcus Winkelhock and yeah if the pressure is told over that rear left wheel arch then you know that's just compromised that little gap between uh, the rear left 
corner of the car and the door, which probably wasn't damaged at all. Yeah, quite possibly. And in fact, but looking at the flanks of the car, okay, we can't tell you any marks on the door of the car, but there were no marks on the on the rear arch that you, you were suggesting, Johnny. But again, it was almost entirely parallel parking uh, between those two down at the end of the start finish straight and then into turn one. So it wasn't as though there was a car coming in from an angle. That is where normally the damage is greater. However, the laws of physics were probably very unkind to Racing One. What was a relatively light tap clearly has done a tiny bit of damage, but it's had a rather larger ramifications than they would have expected. I'm always a big fan of an endurance racer, though, in a 24-hour race, having a variety of different livery on it. It shows it's been in a really uh, incident-packed race at the end of the day and uh, many stories to tell, as indeed Peter Snowden has. Let's catch a latest word with him. Sorry, Johnny, you, you caught me uh, off guard there. I'm still laughing at your uh, different liveries in a, in a race, an endurance race for a driver. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, I just managed to have a quick word with uh, Gilles Van Lee, and uh, his, his electronic problem is very, very simple. It just keeps cutting out. As soon as they get it running, it runs for a bit and then just cuts out again, which is, I, th I believe, is suboptimal in a racing car. It's not, uh, not exactly what you want, is it? So he's managed to get it back after restarting it, but they, they haven't given up yet. Uh, so there's so much of this race to go, but they are going to try and get it fixed. But uh, there's not quite the dynamism as of it about getting it sorted this time as it were last run. Yeah, well, energy levels are always, I suppose, limited, and there's no shortage of energy from Mulner Motorsport. But when the patience begins to really be tested, uh, you start to lose a little bit of hope that you're ever going to get to the bottom of a particular issue. There's another lead change, and the first time we see Alexander Bukantsov uh, listed as a race leader, but not for the first time for the number 17 MRS GT racing car, because his teammate George King has been leading the race on two separate occasions, in fact. Again, courtesy of the, of the flip-flop uh, essence of pit-stopping cars when others choose to stay out. And because Sergei Borisov has recently pitted for the third time, that drops the Proton Uber competition Porsche back down to third. And Bukantsov for MRS back to the four, leading by 32 seconds. Timed, remember, at code 60 speeds, though. Right. One of the glories of uh, commentating on 24H series races is the innovation. And you just piqued my interest there. About Talk about parts being put on cars, showing the scars of damage. I quite like it from a commentator's point of view. If they could go put a sticker on a brand new door saying hour 22 or hour 2 and you can remember the sequence of the, the, the destruction the gradual destruction of a car the story that's there to be told but with little aid memoir for those of us up in the commentary box but um, I certainly must say the MRS GT number 17 the Porsche that's leading the race in the hands of Alexander Bukantsov took over after George King it's white with the bright bright yellow flanks and roof looks very very clean indeed at this point in the race no obvious damage but just going back to the opening lap of the race the cars flailing around 54 starters in on a very very dusty circuit i thought there'd be contact left right and center i thought there'd be cars going around you know often just you get funneled wide you get pushed wide going into corner by a rival but it looks it was remarkably clean if you do get a chance to take a look at the replays, go back and have a look at those. If you weren't with us from the very start of this 19th, Hankook, 24 hours of Dubai. But the number 17 MRS GT Racing Porsche leading by a mere 32.4 seconds. But, of course, the stagger will unwind because any moment now, let's see, we'll... Uh no, Alexander Bukantsov heading on to lap 48. Sebastian Gorga second in another Porsche for Car Collection Motorsport. These, an AM class leader in GT3, then a Pro-AM class leader in second place, then a Pro 
car of Sergei Borisov. That's car number 83. Proton Huber competition, the car that came from ninth on the grid up to second and into the lead of the race just before that first round of the pit stops in the hands of Sven Muller. That's in third place, so it's Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. Get speed Mercedes, number nine in second place. That was the early leader. Shane Lewis, CP Racing. Big uh, shout-out for the American team up into fifth overall. And Stephen Grove has taken over from son Brenton in uh, the Grove family team, Grove Racing's Mercedes. I must remember not to say Porsche. I did it that time. That was good. It's sticking slowly and surely. And, uh, yeah, previous marks associated with certain teams will eventually be erased from the memory banks and it will feel like uh, those new manufacturers with established teams have been uh, partners for far longer than is the case often. I've just been checking distance records. You have to look back to 2012 for the furthest distance we've ever covered in this race. 628 laps completed on that occasion when Khaled Alcubaisi, Jerome Blakemola and Sean Edwards, the great Sean Edwards, no longer with us sadly, and Thomas Jaeger uh, were victorious in a Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG GT3 when they were known as Abu Dhabi by Black Falcon. So that is now 12 years ago. And we came pretty close to it last year, actually. 33, or 3,347 kilometres completed last year when the record is 3,384. So yeah, we're about 40k short uh, last year. And remember, the shortest distance record was now the infamous 2020 season when uh, heavy rainfall affected, well, beyond the sort of eight-hour mark, wasn't it? It became effectively the eight hours of Dubai where only 168 laps were completed. But we need to get to 629 laps in order to beat the distance record. And I fear that this lengthy code 60 already makes that out of reach. Uh, one certainly feels. And going back to the race where eventually it had to be, be halted because of flooding, if you get a chance to look back at photographs of that race, it was as though someone had... An, if you looked down from the grandstand, it was as though someone had had an enormous tanker load, many tanker loads of white coffee, and poured it out over the start-finish straight. The track could not be seen. We were worried, actually, uh, when the race was called off, whether we'd get back through the tunnel from the infield to leave the circuit. The flooding was absolutely epic. It started coming into the ground floors of uh, the pit buildings, and it was, it was just relentless. Come to Dubai, they said, dry and sunny in January, except that particular year. But it's all part of the mix. And right now, you know what? I think a lot of the drivers would be quite happy if there was a little, little rain shower to maybe dampen down some of the dust that's been blowing over the circuit. But the barrier pair repairs continue. We're still waiting for signal as to when it would be. About 15 minutes ago, we were told it would be about another... It would be half an hour. They've got to the point where they're on the verge of putting the barrier repair into place, the missing section, the new section of barrier, but they're still trying to get those supports in the background to the position they need to be, which is vertical. So for the moment, the car's going around 5 minutes 20, 5 minutes 24 of their lap times because we're in code 60, and so for Alexander Bukensov, he's not going to lead during, lose the lead during this stint. His advantage is 22 seconds. We've got another driver being put into the car collection, Motorsport uh, Porsche in third, second place, car number 96. has taken over. So what's happening as the Lebanese driver gets on board a lot of the teams are going, you know what, let's just rotate through the drivers, keep our drivers interested, keep them... And for some of them, if they're the, the potentially the slowest driver in the car, get them out now. Get them out into the car to suck up that time during Code 60. 
more cars pitting and potentially drivers being changed as well, eh, Snowy? Yes, we have uh, Shane Lewis who jumped out of the uh, CP Racing Mercedes. It's currently in, in fifth position, which he's beaming about. But uh, one of your team members just mentioned to me a moment ago, they said, oh, we, um, we put him in for the Code 60 bit because it it's bad his level. Yeah, it's about my level. You know, I, I just wanted to cruise They said it, not me. That's what it was, you know, have a little sip of something to drink in there, wave to the fans. Non-alcoholic, uh, of course. Uh, not alcoholic of course. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, kind of when we get green coast 60 back and forth a little bit. And uh, I did see this last one. This guy, whoever was there, hit really hard. I hope he's okay because it was a hard hit for sure. Yeah, the, the car, he's, he's, he's absolutely fine, but the, the car's not, uh, the front right's not good, the chest leg's out, so that's, uh, that's not taking part again. But So under a Code 60 like that, it's, it, it must be difficult to maintain concentration because you're just sitting in a queue of traffic, you could easily run into somebody. It, it is that. Um, also, the temperatures inside the car actually grow. You'd think they're at, at speed, like, you know, they... But when you're going that slow, there's no air movement through the cars. So if you notice, you know, every every GT car now is all enclosed. No, you know, windows don't open if you're other things. So our air that comes to there is through the car at speed. And so when you're only going 60K around there, believe it or not, I'm sweating. Like, I'm just like, you know, it. you actually, the temperature inside the cars is really super hot. And also, you want to maintain that 60K an hour. You know, even the really tight corners, you, you want to make sure the guy in front of you is paying attention. He doesn't do anything stupid. And then also trying to keep your tires clean because offline, they just had us go completely off the racetrack for the repairs, which they should, total safety. But that complete offline, there is so much junk out there right now from tire debris and just other things because we never go there. So now every car is driven through <laughs> a lot of junk. That's, that's not idea. You never think of these things. It just looks like you know, a train of cars going around to us because it's almost a different strategy and under a safety car for it's prolonged for 30 minutes like that. It is, you know, and even you say, okay, well, it's Code 60, let's come take fuel, a few other things. But when they said it was like a minimum of 30 minutes, I knew I was really going to have to, okay, just tuck in here and just drive around for a little while. But as you say, you got to really pay attention. you got to try to keep the junk off the tires. I was watching my tire pressures the entire time I was out there, and they kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And even with this ambient uh, heat out here, and it's a pretty hot day, is those tire pressures, I mean, my tire dash is flashing like I got flat tires. So there's there's all those things. When they go green, if guys haven't come in to take tires, it'll be an interesting first couple laps. And, and how low can you go on a tire pressure before it becomes an issue? Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of the things where we're really fortunate. What I love this about the Crevencec series, having tire warmers. I will tell you right now that it has probably saved more guys' butts and and realistically made the racing better. Right, because you go out there and you're not, you know, slip sliding around when the tires are already up there, so you can set those tire pressures based on it being hot. Well, now, right, is that you haven't gone out there and run them really, really hard. So now you go out and it starts to drop and drop, and you're under code 60 a very long time. Those pressures, I mean, they're like a, they, they're like two thirds where they should be. That's way where you would never run them at speed at that. So. You know, you've got to bring them back up easy. Just because it goes green, you know, you're going to have to take care of that tire. I was going to say, that's the next issue. If you're staying out there and you're behind the green, it goes. I guess the instinct is to floor it again, which you can't straight away. So you probably need another couple of laps to get them in. Yeah, it, it is a couple of laps. Also, you know, in the, the positivity of, of having the tire warmers is just amazingly good. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a negative, but it's another variable. We don't... In, hardly any of the European races run nitrogen in the tires, right? So 
a lot of because that nitrogen has less uh, moisture in in there. So as it grows in temperature, the pressures are a little more equal. They stay equal. It's so stable, isn't it? They stable. So so now, even though we've got dryers, I'm sure you guys have taken you know some pretty good video and, and stuff of the compressors that are filling the tanks that all the teams are using. But no matter what dryers, and even though we're in this really dry climate, there's still a lot more moisture in there than nitrogen has, like a lot more. And so now that variable you have of is how much is it going to grow? Because if not, you could probably, knowing it's along Coast 60, had nitrogen in them there, you could kind of set them and keep them in a range. Now they're going to go down, and now we're going to heat them up, and they're going to go up. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch TV. It's going to be fun to watch when they go green. There's certainly no danger <laughs> for doing sleep behind the Code 6, is there? I know it's on your pit stop there, the routine, the body was open, fluids going in, just routine? Routine. Uh, I, also, I will tell you that in years past, we have had an issue with, as we talked about, that air that comes through the car. So in the Mercedes, it comes in the front of the hood, it comes through the direct, and then it comes up to our body. Um, a couple of races this last year, we've got a, a, a mesh that keeps debris from you know, getting right into our face. But as we drive off and drive off and drive off, that gets clogged up with the same debris that you say on the tires. And if you're not, you know, we, did, we decided as a team under a code 60, look, because those filters can be completely clogged. Um, and it, it, that means there's no airflow, period. So this was like, hey, it's code 60. What's going to take us an extra couple seconds? Let's check. It's all these little things you've got to think of. Shane, thank you so much. Some brilliant insight there into just being behind a code 60 for a while. Thank you very much, Shane, and good luck for the rest of the race. Thank you very much to Shane Lewis for the, for the science lesson. I now, now know things about nitrogen that uh, I, I must have been looking out of the window during class uh, many moons ago. Right, other things that need attention are speed limits during code 60. And unfortunately, uh, uh, car number 227 has been the second crew to get a 12-second penalty for not staying below 60. And uh, the 227 is one of the cars in TCX class. It's SRS Team Saw, Grensport. They've had all sorts of problems so far in this meeting. One of their, their Porsche 718 Cayman. And the driver, I think, who was on board was American racer Jose Garcia. They're down towards the tail of the field, but uh, doing a decent enough job. But a 12-second setback. We're reckoning, if all goes to plan, it should be about 10 minutes until the race starts again. It should be restarting at... Um, 15.32 local time. So at the moment, that will mean Alexander Bukensov will take the restart in, in that increment of time. Ten minutes from now, in the lead in the number 17 MRS GT Racing Porsche 911 GT3R, which is in GT3 AM class. George King did the early running, and Alexander has taken that over since, so he should get his moment in the sun. We've had plenty of race leaders thus far, but really, in terms of where we were before the first round of pit stops, it was uh, Fabian Schiller who was defending the lead of the Get Speed Mercedes. We thought he'd reach those pit stops, but they were just after the hour, more like uh, one hour and ten minutes, and it was Sven Muller who hit the front uh, for Proton Huber competition, the number 83 Porsche. But uh, I'm also getting messages that the wind is easing. Good. Mm -hmm. Less sand, as we, we uh, think would be the case. Fewer, fewer sand. I, I was going to go say fewer sand, but I thought I would set it up. Temperature rising. OK, well, yeah, that happens in this part of the world at around about uh, 3.23, as it is currently. Sunset, it was a minute to six yesterday so there or thereabouts today too and it's a long old night here at Dubai similar so often with Daytona I still haven't done the maths on which which race of the two wins that particular contest in 2024 more difficult to do perhaps when they're held on the same weekend we have certainly had in the past exactly the same amount of darkness hours to the minute 
at both events, both significant 24-hour races to kick off another motorsport year. Alexander Bukantsov has just made a pit stop at the end of just a seven-lap stint. So I wonder when he next comes through, whether he'll still be timed as the... No, Sergei, no. Sergei Borisov already has retaken the race lead because they're staggering their pit stops. In fact, the top four cars have all pitted three times now, so they're even in that respect. And we're up to 50 laps completed already. However, a brief, a brief bit of uh, basic maths suggests to me that we need to be doing 26, just over 26 laps per hour to get anywhere close to the existing lap distance record, which is 628 laps. So if you do 629 divided by 24, 26.2 laps is the required run rate, if you like, and uh, we're short of that already. So not looking like it's unfortunately going to be a record breaker when I thought about 50-odd cars, 54 cars, as it turns out, would be about right to be in the ballpark. But sometimes you get one of those unexpected incidents, relatively um, inconspicuous incidents, really, and it has resulted in this lengthy period under Code 60, which the track officials hoped would be 30-odd minutes. It might be slightly more than that, though, uh, as the work continues. On the exit of Turn 9... So track conditions look very, very good. Very interesting what Shane Lewis was saying about uh, tyre pressures. We understand, obviously, when they drop when you're running very slowly, but just also the issue of having to run wide on the exit of Turn 9 off the circuit, where naturally the laws, laws of physics means any tyre debris being deposited there under the hard acceleration blows outside beyond the circuit. But that's where they went. So all their tyres will be covered in all sorts of... Um, all sorts of rubbish, all sorts of nonsense that they need to get around. So for a lot of these drivers, they're desperate to get racing back at full speed again, get some heat in the tyres, get some grip back in the tyres. Meanwhile, I suppose the good news, Johnny, was the fact that, that uh, Phil Anson reckoned down in the pit lane the wind was dropping a little. Because imagine, you've got cold tyres, you're restarting the race with a dusty circuit. You know, the surface could be very tricky indeed. So we're going to have a massive reshuffle, but definitely what we've seen during this extended Code 60 is a lot of the teams taking their second driver out in their cycle, putting the third driver in to soak up the driver in the crew that's uh, least likely to set a fast lap time or therefore the slowest driver in the crew given track time now. And also for them, it's a uh, daylight track time as well, which is uh, a helping hand. We're going to have uh, pretty much 50% uh, of this race under cover of darkness. And so for a lot of the crews, they've cycled through. Roald, Roald uh, Goethe has been put into the Dragon Racing Ferrari. It was started by Benjamin, then handed over to Oliver. But uh, Roald, the father of those that duo, that young racing duo, getting it soaking up his track time right in the here and now but i think five minutes we will have the race start still busy 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 down in the pit still drivers being changed number 22 century motorsport uh, bmw m4 gt3 up on its stand in the pit lane one of the porsches up as well the car coming in from 12th place which would make it i think uh, is it the 962 car let's take a look anyhow one of the porsche cup cars up on its stilts so again really down to the teams as to whether they are choosing to pit or not. But I suppose now that we know we're really not very far away from green flag running, better to prepare the car as close to us returning to full action as possible. And the beauty of, of a long 
Code 60, but with an allocated ending to it, or at least an estimated ending to it, then you can afford to tootle round, not doing a great deal of remedial work to the car, and then think, right, we're into the final five minutes of what should be a restart. Let's really get the car prepped and ready to go with the newest possible set of Hankook tyres. Remember, there's no restriction on tyres in this championship, so you can keep throwing sticker tyres at the cars, but far better to have a car with tyres on it that are, say, two laps old rather than 20 laps old. So get the tyres on that you want at the, at the start of the stint, get the car as heavy of, of fuel as, as it's possible to do as per the regulations, and get ready to go again, because this could very easily be a 70 or even 75-minute stint for the GT3 cars, likely to be even longer than that for the cars further down the order because the cars that don't have quite as much potency in terms of engine power can obviously go much further on a fuel load. Let's get back to Peter Snowden in the pit lane before we do go green. Yeah, Johnny, we've got uh, Chris Sulkhead just dropped, jumped out of the uh, the Century uh, the BMW um, just, just before the, the restart. Obviously, that's the strategy. Uh, yeah, well, that was the idea. We don't know if it's been extended or not. We were giving live updates every lap we went past the barrier. So I, my personal opinion will be within the next two or three laps. When, but it's a five-minute lap right now, so that could be 15 minutes longer. It was a nice opening stint. It was like nice, uh, leisurely Saturday afternoon drive for me. So nice first stint out the way. Your, your children relax about that. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> it's one of those things. Wheel-to-wheel -wheel combat for 24 hours is always intense. And after coming here last year and coming back again, it was nice to have a yeah, introduction back to 24-hour race and being a casual drive. So Michael's in now, and we'll see, uh, see how long it is before it goes green again. And tell us about this M4 BMW, because we, we follow it quite a lot on, uh, on radio show down in the NLS of Dan Harper when he was BMW junior team. And it's just one of those cars my colleagues have quoted. It's, it's sort of, it was quick when it got going, when it started, when it was introduced. It's a quick car. Yeah, it's a fantastic car. BMW have absolutely smashed out the park. Uh, what Dan and Darren did in British GT last year was amazing. The comeback they did in the last two rounds to clinch it at the last round was amazing. And yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute beast to drive. After doing three years in GT4 and winning the Pro-Am Championship last year with Michael to move up this year, it's a dream come true for two of us. And honestly, it's, uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant car. We've got both got used to it very quickly and we'll see, uh, we'll see where we get on for the rest of the weekend. And plans to do some of the European races as well with Creventi? We'll, uh, we'll announce our plans later on. I'd like to, is what you mean. I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> You'd be mad if you didn't. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what Michael wants to do, and we'll uh, we'll go wherever he wants. I wasn't trying to catch you out, but brilliant. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for your time. Enjoy. Always tight-lipped, even at this stage of the season, before things move fully into place. But it's so often about several moving parts uh, and opportunities that you don't necessarily want to forego with uh, the temptation of British GT, but um, there's always other options as well. So clearly they're being weighed up and uh, not necessarily Chris Salkeld's uh, decision to make and indeed announcement to give to us all either. There's always that world of uh, the desire to tell the story versus the uh, permission to tell the story. And uh, so many times when a driver's got a really exciting programme, they, they want to tell you off mic or off notebook or whatever, but they can't. And sometimes they forget that, which, which is great. But uh, I just love all the enthusiasm. But, uh, you know, if you've got a car in a GT3 class, you could race, as I said earlier, anywhere you fancy, pretty much any championship. And you look at events like the Bathurst 12 Hours coming up next month, that's grown and grown. And more and more people will put that on their bucket list as well, because, I mean, you know, as you continue through your racing career, you start to have a bucket list. And you think, you know, I can start to pick these off. If I can c 
convince another group of people to come with me. We'll get the car out to Australia to compete in events like that. And um, again, you know, you've got people who go and compete in the, the 12 hours. So bang, you, you know, pick off your circuit, go and race. And later this year, Johnny, I'm going to Sugo. Oh, excellent. Japan's version of Cadwell Park with a bit of a turbo twist. I cannot wait. And it's just so exciting to go somewhere new. But a circuit where, you know, sometimes you look at the format of a circuit and think that should really work for a good race, and it doesn't. You suddenly find the corners leading onto straights aren't quite light, wide enough for various lines going through. And other circuits just really, really work. And Sugo, having done with you, I would think, Super GT in years gone by, mm. it was definitely one that suddenly propelled itself onto my wish list. And, uh, Fingers crossed we'll be giving that one a go. But, you know, as commentators, we're just like drivers, we're just like fans. We have places we want to go, and that's definitely one of mine. Excellent. So when is that expected to be ticked off? Later uh, in the year? Middle of the year. Middle of the year, GT World Challenge Asia. And, Superb. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Oh, God, there's so many other circuits I want to go to. I'm really short on oh, American yeah, well, circuits. I've say, never yeah. done Road America. I've never done Mid-Ohio. I've never done Road Atlanta. How? It's just according to what championships you're working with at the time. They're ones I'd very, very much like to do. I'm sure that there's no shortage of, uh, of, of tracks on the list that uh, Mr Jones still needs to visit, and likewise for me too, but that's what keeps the interest peaked. And Dubai Autodrome, a wonderful place to visit every January as well, as so many people have been doing for many years, and there are a number of first-timers here as well that no doubt are getting the bug already. More pit stops taking place, by the way, within the top five as well. So Saif Alameri now out in the Rabdan by Fulgenzi Porsche, number 971. And Gray Newell for Heart of Racing has just made a pit stop as well. The Heart of Racing by SPS Mercedes. Gray has been at the wheel of that car for a couple of stints now. He took over from Daniel Mancinelli just after two o'clock. So just after the hour mark at Dubai for 2024. Yeah, one thing that always strikes me with Dubai 24, once people discover it, they really try and knit it in every year because it's a great start to the year. And one driver who's, uh, I think he's got the record for wins here, three wins, Harone Blakemolen, is not livid that he's at Daytona, but obviously the plan was to be at Daytona now and two weeks ago to be here when the Dubai 24 hours are supposed to happen. It's the first one he's missed since he, since he started coming here. And uh, the affable Dutchman, I mean, he, he just has such a great racing career, but he's very much tied into racing in the States and that has to take precedence. But he said, I'll be back. And he also says, it's lovely with three young sons, he always brings at least one of them out and they just have a cracking weekend. And you know, there's always stuff for them to do. And we forget that uh, top pro racing drivers, they can be busy every weekend of the year. And uh, you know, it's nice to be able to knit your family into the mix as well. And you know what, for those of us from uh, the Northern Hemisphere, particularly the Northern part of the Northern Hemisphere, coming down to Dubai, in January, it just gives that little fillip, and by the time you've got back, you're another week closer to spring arriving. So it, it really is a boost for everyone. You're right that your own shares the uh, same amount of victories with teammates that you shared cars with in 2012, 2013, and 2020. That yes, that technically was a race win after what was it, six and a bit or seven and a bit hours in the uh, rather shortened affair of four years ago. But Jeroen Blakemolen sharing three wins with Khaled Al-Kubaisi and Hubert Haupt. So none of those three are competing this year, is that right? Khaled's, yes, no, that's correct. Yeah, Khaled's not in a car this year either for 2024. Well, if you look at the last handful of years, last half, half dozen years, Khaled's business career has uh, precluded a lot of the racing. When he has time, he comes out and his daughters have been racing. 
uh, Hamda in particular going uh, very well indeed but uh, you know it was always that balance you know Carlo has got his real yeah. life and then he's got his play life which he's done incredibly well he's competed in the World Endurance Championship as well uh, but such an enthusiast and um, you know just uh, always here ready to pick up a result and that one in 2020 Khaled with uh, your own as we talked Ben Barker Hubert Howe so two tall drivers and Manuel Metzger as well in the winning Black Falcon Mercedes AMG and Rick Broikers came second that year, that year with Christopher Haaser Mike David Ortman Dimitri Parhofer and Marcus Finkelhock so car collection you know also right in the mix in that wow. oh so frustrating race just eight hours of competition when obviously there should have been three times that but the rain came through there was nothing that could be done now, Sergei Borisov on lap seven of this current stint. He's done, an, uh, in recent times, only a 15-minute segment of the race, which took him, uh, which uh, was four laps, uh, sorry, th three laps in total. And we are still doing lap times of about five and a half minutes there or thereabouts. But I'm just wondering whether Proton Hubert competition will seed the lead in favour of putting some more fuel in that car. It's unlikely they'll want to freshen up the tyres, assuming they did tyres last time around. But we're not going to get going before the 53rd lap is ticked off. And Sergei is currently within that middle sector as Alexander Bukantsov now goes onto the back straight for the 53rd time. So there's maybe about a sector between those cars as they circulate under code 60 speeds with, with those with the laps at the moment taking five nearly five and a half minutes each time they go past they must think surely by the next time i get part get past that uh, barrier repair it must have been completed i think we're getting very close indeed we thought we may possibly get a start a few minutes ago but uh, i'm sure each of these drivers who's still circulating the team's actually still circulating their drivers through the mix i noticed various people have got onto their fourth driver for example uh Hassarty and the number 21 that uh led in the early stages with uh, Mathieu Detri right at the front, then it was uh, uh, Thomas Kiefer, then it was Stanislav Minsky, now it's Torsten Kratz, that's only got Milka Panu to have a go, that's not bad, just uh, two and a half hours into the race, they've got four of their five uh, with a bit of race experience here, but uh, I'm sure next time the cars go past, the barrier will have been completed, but of course they've got course vehicles to get off the circuit as mm. well, uh, to clear the way for racing to be undertaken all over again so Sergei Boritsov as you pointed out leading from Alexander Bukov that's a Proton Huber competition Porsche from MRS GT Porsche and the MRS GT Porsche number 17 that's leading the GT3 AM class fourth overall another Porsche Daniel Alleman in his final race after such an illustrious career with Herbert Motorsport uh, leading GT3 Pro-Am in fourth overall just tucked in behind Roald Goethe in the Dragon Racing Ferrari RPM Porsche RPM Racing Porsche Crone Racing on the door and the bright green and uh, blue flash Porsche driver change going on there so that's quite late in the mix because uh, the team's pretty much knew that, uh, that uh, the race is about to be getting going again when code 60 is withdrawn but it hasn't happened yet so uh, they're just uh, getting that pit stop done and uh, looking for the driver change and tucked in behind is the 99 Attempto Racing GT3 Audi and that was uh, started by Alex Arkinaka, Sergei Titarenko took that over next and uh, that is just diving in for a late pit stop Titarenko out driver change affected and uh, a last chance for a splash of fuel because I'm sure any moment now the message will come onto the screen giving us a countdown to when we go green and of course uh, look down the pit lane and it is uh, entirely empty now 
The same cannot be said, though, for the start of the back straight, which still has a forklift, um, two or three pickup trucks and the JCB uh, sitting in the middle of the track. So, yes. They're waiting to be flagged across the circuit. Yeah, okay. As we say, the, the uh, forklift, I noticed the driver was... Uh, dang, he was I could almost see him drumming his thumbs on the steering wheel, waiting for the moment. He's uh, gone across uh, the track to the outside. Still wave yellow flags there, of course. The car's still going around the circuit. 50-plus cars out there. But the good news is the course vehicles are moving away. The barrier repair has been covered. <laughs> and then a track cleaner has just almost disappeared in its own cloud of dust. They're taking this moment to just mop up any more. And a lot of that is uh, the, the circuit dry material put down because of all the, the fluids that were dropped. But uh, the track looks so it's drifting across the circuit as it's uh, uh, trying to power itself out of the situation. But again, it's been very, very dusty here at Dubai, notably dusty at the start of the race. Um, but uh, the wind, it comes and it goes, but it picked up about half an hour before the start of the race. We were told it has uh, declined a little bit and the temperatures are rising. But uh, don't forget, of course, here it is at... Uh, 15.41 at uh, 3.41 in the afternoon and uh, soon the temperatures will start to go because when the evening comes it arrives very quickly it sort of almost catches you by surprise you think oh the light's dropping then good grief it's gone yeah and the only light you have is in the distance you've got the city of Dubai or not so much of a distance now it's ever closer to the circuit I did fear that the HGV track sweeper, its engine was launching itself as it tried to pull away, but yes, it's uh, actually the dust that it's trying to get rid of from the track surface and also work that quick dry into where the coolant has been spilt from the Porsche as it uh, made significant contact with the Armco barrier further back from where the significant spillage has occurred because we reckon once that first contact with the barrier was made, the car then was speared around to 360 degrees where further bodywork was flung to the other side of the circuit and it finally came to rest a little f uh, sort of 10 or so metres further up the racetrack, still on driver's left. But... The remaining circuit vehicles still blocking off the racetrack itself as this track is being swept for the final time. But the Armco barrier that has been now installed looking pristine and every credit to all of those hard-working marshals and track crew members for doing that work uh, as swiftly as possible, although unfortunately it has ended up being a rather lengthy stoppage for everyone involved. And I'm sure there are some drivers who have literally been at the wheel of their cars only for a Code 60 period. This first came out at 2.35 and we're now at 15.42, so well over an hour, an hour and seven minutes and still counting. Right, with a message having just come up on the screen, barrier compares, repairs completed, now it's track cleanup. There's a scramble for the pits. Dragon Motors, Dragon Racing brought the Ferrari in. That's uh, Roald Goethe who's hopped out. And likewise, Herbert Motorsport behind Daniel Alleman, the Swiss driver and a German crew, hopped out with the Herbert Motorsport Porsche. They're going for a, a splash of fuel. They're all getting ready. Don't know how long it's going to be for the track cleanup, but good news, the barrier repair is done. Just trying to see who's taken over the 88 Dragon Racing Ferrari. Still listed as Roald Goethe. We won't know until that's come out of the refueling area. But he's out. Daniel Alleman is out of the 91 Porsche from Herbert Motorsport. They're in the fueling area. But pretty much everybody else is out on the track or still in the pit lane before heading to refueling. Yes, just the two cars listed as being in the refueling at the moment. Dragon Racing Ferrari, Herbert Motorsport Porsche. The, uh, the trick Ginetta, if you will, that uh, Freddie Tomlinson uh, took over from Father... Lawrence, and that's the Ginetta G56 car, a car that looks absolutely fantastic. That's also diving into the pit lane. So, again, you don't want to be stranded in 
the pits when the green flag is finally waved because that rather goes against the reason for pitting in the first place. You're not losing any significant time on the racetrack because everyone's restricted to the same speed. That was uh, equalised to a certain extent a couple of years ago, which meant that anyone pitting when the Code 60 was out could only then take, generally speaking, 50% of the fuel allocation. And that's fine unless whilst you're in the pits, the track then goes green because you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You can still only pit for half of your fuel allocation and yet everybody else is then pounding round at top speed. So that's fine to be doing a pit stop this late on in a lengthy Code 60 as long as it doesn't bite with a bit of mistiming. The car with the matching headlights to the current flag that we have waving around the racetrack is the number 95 Porsche. Fabrizio Broggi started that, and it is currently Sabino Di Castro for Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors. And before, I've said this once already, I realise, but before we go back to green, here's a further word from Snowy. Yeah, hi, I'm right down the other end of the pit lane now at Garage 10A, and I've got uh, Christian Bermudez with us, who's um, got a little project he wants to talk about with uh, PRP Motorsport, which is all to do with their uh, Porsche factory. Christian, tell us all about it. So, you know, we've been with uh, Creventi maybe five years by now, non-stop. We have encountered that Creventi has the best opportunity to all the drivers to come and join us. So we have created something called PRP, which is sports racing program, which welcome the drivers that want to try the 992 Cup car and do endurance racing or do the transition to professional racing. And uh, we have uh, the HRT, Motorsports and me, we have decided that we have the enough experience to guide all these drivers that want to come in. And uh, we have joined forces, which uh, now we're pretty much strong at the moment. We got uh, very good places at the Just Marina Circuit. We got the P1 and the Middle East Trophy and the P2 for the overall. And in here we target also to be on the podium. So the idea for this is to state and welcome all the drivers that want to be in the Creventic 24-hour series family uh, with the Porsche brand because we have also encountered that the Porsche brand is a really, really good one with us and the support is an amazing. So the idea is to get the best tools that we can that is offered to us by the motorsports community and put it to apply uh, in good hands with the 24-hour series. Well, it sounds a great idea, but Christian, how do, how do drivers or team managers or agents apply? So at the moment, uh, we have an Instagram channel and some um, email addresses. Some of the drivers that we have, we are working with um, DriveHive, which is a UK uh, company that has this new platform to invite drivers to log in, and then they will find the event for, for them, and also they can come directly to us. It doesn't really, um, it's a difference for the moment. We just want to open up now to people to come and try it, how amazing it is to be in a really endurance race. And this is in association with Creventic, so they can go straight yes, to... Yes, for sure. Yes, so yes. they can go to Peter Fry and find out from there as well, yes. they'll put you in touch? Yeah, so I have to do German Carrera Cup, I have to do some sports German... Uh, what's the name of the other one? Uh, Italians and the Benelux. So at the point, we realised that Creventic give us a nice programme because we can join many drivers, not only one, uh, it's not a sprint format, so we can all work as a team, so my fastest can help my slowest, then we have good engineering, then we have the time to calculate, we have the, 
the seed time to work all together. Uh, and most of it now is people that know us. See, this is why we, we take advantage of the channel to just invite people to look into us and uh, put with us the plan that they want to do so we can, we can get this going on very good. Very annoying your other car coming behind and doing a pit stop at the same time when you're trying to make an interview. Needs to be more more, more severe. Christian, thank you very much for your time. Sounds very exciting times ahead. And uh, PRP Motorsport, that's where you want to go to. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. Peter Snowden, uh, busy as always in pit road. And whilst that interview was being heard, the track finally going back to green flag conditions. So after something like an hour and ten minutes. It's been a game of patience, as so often endurance racing is, but finally overtaking permitted once again. In fact, it's just over an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 13, unlucky for most people, uh, is the after effects of that impact from the number 927 Porsche making contact with the turn nine or exit of turn nine Armco barrier. So. The tail of the tape so far, after much rotation of the race-leading cars, Sergei Borisov is the race leader now for the 83 crew. Funnily enough, they were the race leaders prior to that bulky Code 60. After a great overtake from Sven Muller to get ahead of Fabian Schiller a good few hours ago now, and Borisov leading from Bukantsov, Alexander Bukantsov in the MRS GT Racing number 17 Porsche. So it's Porsche 911 from Porsche 911. And the latest pit stopper was Pierre Kleinubing. And his Mercedes, as I was suggesting, the bad place to be would be still in the pits as the green flag waved uh, uh, for the restart of the race. And car 27 is now on an outlap, but that could be rather costly, Bruce Jones. Right, and I was also just looking to see what the gap was between new race leader Sergei Boritsov with the Proton at Cuba Competition Porsche. That's car number 83. And the next Porsche, Alexander Bukensov, car number 17. It's 19 seconds. Bear that in mind, so it's worked rather well for Proton Huber competition, but uh, really it's a case of the, the two drivers with the surname starting with B. Now, one thing I just want to touch on, and uh, Phil Hansen's uh, just uh, confirmed this, new rules for this year, under code 60, any AM car in GT3, uh, the GT3 AM class, or 992 AM with all AMs in their driver lineup, they can take 50% fuel. Everyone else, only 25%. Except if you're in the Lotus, it's 100%. But uh, as you pointed out, they've just got a thimble instead of a fuel tank. Uh, it's, a it's a tiny car, of course. Yes. Uh, but no, the, the fuel tank is, is rather more than four litres. I was jesting earlier on, but uh, they can, yes, uh, plug the fuel hose in for as long as it takes to fill the tower. It's 100% of their allocation. That's, that doesn't always tally with the full uh, tank's worth. You know, no, it, there's an allocation and then there's actually the full volume of the tank, which are very often different. But GT3 AM Advantage cars within the AM category and with the, within the 992 AM category. And that is purely down to choice of the team. It's not determined by your driver makeup. So initially your driver uh, combination of pros, semi-pros, AM pluses and AMs determines whether you're in, for example, GT3, GT3 Pro-AM or GT3 AM. And once you're designated as an AM competitor, you can then choose whether you're AM advantage or just am normal, if you like. There is another term for it for the non-advantage cars, and I forget which one it is, but uh, am premium, is it? Uh, anyway, regardless, uh, there, there is a choice to be made of whether you take 50% fuel 
or the 25%. But because of if you go 50%, then there are costs elsewhere in the regulations as a result of that. You can drill down into quite a lot of depth regarding the regulations, but essentially it's a motor race, and uh, once you've decided which classification you're in, you've got to win it. Well, you know what? When it, whenever it comes to complex rules, they're often made complex with, it, with the, the sole purpose of making the racing better in 24-8 series, making it closer, and they really do try their very best to do it. But I always come back to uh, the inimitable Alan Docking. He used to run teams in Formula 2, Formula 3, and he went... If it's too complicated for your granny to understand, it's too complicated, full stop. And I think that still works rather well. Mm -hmm. Now, and just, just Johnny, just as we go there, I just want to see the, the respective pace of uh, Sergei Boritsov against Alexander Bukensov. So first against second. And my, I actually thought Bukensov had more experience. I quickly checked. Sergei Boritsov hasn't been listed as doing any racing since 2017 when he did the International GT Open in a Rinaldi racing Ferrari. He's done the Nürburgring 24 hours. He did the Dubai 24 hours 10 years ago. I thought he'd be slower than Bukensov, but uh, nothing, nothing of it. He, on, the, on the first flying lap, he gained four seconds. So his advantage out to 23 seconds. But the quick guns are coming through and uh, look for Dragon Racing's Ferrari working its way up the order. Oliver Gerth has got in for his second stint because he did a very short stint to them with the Coast 60. He was hauled out. Father Roald was put on board. He'll be picking his way up the order. But again, a little bit of caution, like the opening lap of the race. Track, not too slippery. Off the track, very slippery. Don't go there. But some of the drivers are having to do that uh, to get their overtaking done. And certainly the Rothko Ferrari uh, was doing precisely that. Pick off the back markers. Sergei Boritsov, his next... Uh, Lap, yeah, he's going, he's going to gain another four seconds by the looks of things. So it's really going very well for the Proton Hooper competition Porsche that started night, got into the lead before the first round of pit stops. And I guess the other question is, who else is making great strides? Lots of traffic. We've got a car pulling very slowly off to the right-hand side of the circuit, going into turn eight. It's the Mulner Motorsport car that's had all these electrical problems. We've had problems on its outlap. And uh, so, so, Peter, go and get the same interview as the time before because it looks so like it's all over again. The same problem for car number 921. It's uh, Gilles Vanellet. He must think, why did I come to Dubai? It's just not really going as it was supposed to. But the good news is, though he's wide of the circuit, running off the circuit, he is actually still moving, which is an improvement on the previous two problems that car has had. Well, hearing uh, a short moment ago from Chris Milbourne, and we'll be hearing him on air uh, within... The next few stints, by the way, at that it's actually focused around an ignition problem for uh, Mulner Motorsport. So presumably it's just an extension of that rather than anything new creeping into the scenario. Sometimes one problem can then manifest the next, but I'm guessing with so many Porsche technicians plugging laptops in and uh, then following suit the Mulner guys themselves they just cannot get to the bottom of diagnosing precisely where this ignition problem is rooting itself uh, in desperate need for some simplified regulations I'm delighted to say that uh, Phil Anson says the Lotus in fact has a 100 litre fuel tank and the maximum fill for the Lotus every time regardless of code 60 or not 100 litres so you can fill it to the max to the brim and uh, a nice round figure of 100 litres. I'm not quite sure why it's exempt from the 25% rule and the 50% 50, 50 rule, but it's nice and simple for us, nevertheless. Certainly is, and it wouldn't, uh, to me, uh, any race with the Lotus is a, in it is a good race, just because, uh, you know, some marks are just simply made for racing, and, uh, and 
actually, it's, I, I find it very sad that no British team seems seems sees fit to run. You think at the number of years Coroy's a champion Lotuses over here, but uh, certainly for the Italian team running the Lotuses, they've been very, very Mark faithful. But I must say, I would expect in years to come the Lotus Amira GT4 that's uh, going to be hitting the tracks in the British GT Championship uh, will be the sort of cars we'll have over here. That would be good. New, new shapes and... Uh, Sounds out on the circuit. No sound at all for Mulner Motorsport because the 921. Gilles Vanderlei, what a rotten run he's had since he's taken that over. He's got it back to the pits. Again, presumably ignition problems kicking in. That's into the pit garage, into the shade. And that also means if you're in the garage, more mechanics can work on it or hopefully someone with uh, some electronic wizardry that can detect exactly what the problem is. There is a new driver, although now into his 10th lap of the stint for the number nine get speed car. So... Faisal Al-Subir, how many laps did he do under code 60? I think the 60 hit when, just after he took over. Well, initially he did two laps uh, when it was a yellow called, four laps. Now that will have been during the code 60. So Al-Faisal Al-Subir, I reckon, has done all of his driving so far under code 60. And then just before we got going again, he handed over to Anthony Bartone, who is now onto his 11th lap, and six of those of the 11 have been under code 60, but Bartone finally now back up to full speed. That car pitted 10 laps ago. Alexander Bukantsov, who's second, pitted nine laps ago. Sergei Borisov, uh, part of the reason why he is so well-placed is because that car pitted 12 laps ago, so therefore in that leading gaggle will be the first that needs to come back in again for more fuel. Right, what we've seen is a couple of drivers really, really making progress. I picked out Olivia Oliver Goethe. He's eighth place overall, Dragon Racing Ferrari, but he's lapping at two minutes flat. Of the front runners, the car in second place, that's Bukensoff, two minutes six, two minutes seven. Car in third, Anthony Bartone, two minutes eight. But hats off to Sergei Boritsov, two minutes one, two minutes two. He's banging some really quick laps. His advantage is out to 33 seconds, so he's already gained 14 seconds near enough in the handful of laps since the, the restart of the race when the Code 60 period came to an end after more than an hour of uh, standstill. And uh, who else is going very well indeed? Uh, Ralph Bone's going well, two minutes two. Herbert Motorsport, that number 91 Porsche in seventh place overall, uh, also going pretty well. Jacob Rattenbury, third driver into the number 22 century motorsport BMW M4. He's lapping in the low two minutes twos, as is uh, Pierre Kleinobing, the heart of racing by SPS. That's the SPS automotive team there, Mercedes. Anyone who's getting in a very low two-minute sector time is impressing. But I must say, Sergei Boritsov, as I pointed out, he was last racing in 2015, no, 2017, and uh, going very, very well indeed in the lead of this race, stretching his advantage. But the other cars that are going well a bit further down the order towards the bottom of the top 10 so there will be place shuffling coming very soon indeed yeah 54 then going very strongly in the hands of Gilles Magnus he has Jake Ra Jacob Rackabry just behind in the Century Motorsport BMW M4 and as we enjoy this rarity of a bit of green flag running after such a long code 60 let's get this update from the pit lane get to snowy very shortly indeed we're homing in believe it or not on uh, another race hour being completed because the number uh, number 91 car now enjoying his 
uh, 60th lap. And in seventh position, Ralph Bone charging on in that uh, very nice livery for 2024 for Herbert Motorsport. Yet to see, I think I'm right just in saying, yet to see a driver change in that car, though actually, according to the driver um, limitations, how many minutes they can be at the wheel of that car. We have had a spell of Daniel Alleman, but again, reserved entirely to code 60 laps. But Daniel Alleman making that announcement that this would be his final race and having a chat to Diana Binks before we got going during the countdown to Green Show. But Alleman handing the car back to Ralph Bode in time for these green flag laps. And Ralph now onto lap seven of his current stint. Three hours down, 21 hours still to go in the 19th edition of the 24 hours of Dubai. Glorious conditions. It's warm but it's not ridiculously hot. The, the most difficult phase of the day, according to Rob Huff and others, was actually that 20-minute waiting period on the grid when the sun was beating down. I suppose also circulating at Code 60, that's more down to frustration than anything else because you've got a thoroughbred beneath you and you just want to let rip with it. But uh, having to tootle around it for very nearly an hour and 15 minutes under Code 60, but now finally the relief and uh, maybe a bit of cool air as well, courtesy of some of these cars with aircon. Yeah, well, a giant grandstand opposite uh, opposite the pit buildings, and uh, it casts a little bit of shade. When you're down on the grid before the start of the race, you do find yourself, you know, you want to be close to the cars, but you actually really try and hug the grandstand side, so you're a little bit out of the sun. But uh, now the shadow right away across the track, uh, the sun is certainly going lower and lower. A really busy section of track. The Herbert Motorsport uh, Porsche just being kept in the hands of Ralph Bone ahead of... Oliver Goethe, but the, the, most, the direction of travel there is the Ferrari will be going through for Dragon Racing, will move up a position very soon indeed, because uh, young Oliver, keen, hungry, right on the tail, and I think he'll soon be up to fifth place. Gilles Manu's just tucked in behind them as well. I feel the need to draw our attention to the battle for the 992 honours because Fach Autotech and Rabdan by Fulgenzi are separated by just a, a second and a half. So Paul Meyer and Saif Alameri are going to provide great entertainment. They're already just into the lower reaches of the top 10 as we can get this update from Peter Snowden in the pits. Yeah, thank you, Johnny. Um, I went across to the Moola uh, portion a minute ago. Obviously, it's back in the box. I uh, found the original technician and said to him, I said, same issue? He said, yes, absolutely. And I said, is, is it done? And he looked at me wide-eyed and just went, no, of course not. He said, we have until one o'clock tomorrow to fix it. So I thought it was a great positive attitude. Uh, however, they are literally going through everything on it electronically. And I just said, do you know, do you know yet what you need to change? And he went, it looks like everything, because we're about three quarters of the way through everything we can change on it. So, uh, the Royal returns. It looks like it's back in the race fairly soon. The one thing that Mulder Motorsport will never do is give up because they've been in so many endurance races over the years. And, uh, yes, a, a chance to continue on within the event, even if there are a few laps down and that they expected, uh, they will still continue to charge on. And many other cars that are already out of the race would love to have done that, but uh, conditions outside of their control, i.e. chassis legs being bent in that 927 Porsche that crashed into the Arnco, the Leiper Motorsport Lamborghini with the fuel tank issue, which is just too far in the car to get access to it in the time allotted. Uh, you know, these are teams again that would have continued to plough on 
were it possible, but sadly not the case. Ralph Bone must have just been thinking he's holding down fifth place the Herbert Motorsport Porsche. Get off my tail, Olivier Gerther in your Dragon Racing Ferrari. Well, he has, that's Gilles Magnus has caught the pair of them. He was sitting tucked in behind, and now Gilles, the Belgian driver, is trying to go one side of a Porsche Cup class car, and he's got his nose up the inside, and he's moved in front of um, Ralph Bone. So Ralph has gone back a position, but the Ferrari is tucked in behind the Dragon Racing Ferrari. Lights are flashing, trying to get past the Cup class car to get tucked in, to get close to. I can't quite do it down the end of the back straight, the infield straight, trying to get past the Herbert Motorsport Porsche, but Gilles Magnus, in the space of a lap and a tiny little bit, has gained two positions. He's moved up for Car Collection Motorsport. Uh, sorry, for East Talent Racing up into fifth place. His next target, about eight seconds up the track, but certainly he should be able to haul that in because uh, Lebanese racer Fouad Sawai doesn't have the experience. He's lapping two minutes five, and in uh, clear traffic, once he's got clear of the traffic, certainly Gilles Manus should be doing two minutes twos, two minute ones, but uh, for now, a good lap and a half for the Belgian. Jake Rattenbury's now got in between the two 992 leaders, I notice, but uh, that will be a brief spell whilst the two cars are not at loggerheads because Fakao Tech and Rabdan by Fulgenzi would love this to be a race-long tussle to be in the fight for a 992 victory. The Red Ant Racing offering of Jeff uh, Martial's is in the 903 car and not a full lap back, still on the same lap I would reckon within category but when you total up the distances between them it's nearing 30-odd seconds between the race lead in 992 and that third-place car. But, uh, the race leader in GT3 is still Sergei Borisov, 45 seconds to the good over the MRS GT Racing crew for Alexander Bukantsov. Bukantsov being caught now by Anthony Bartone in the get-speed Mercedes. Bartone uh, is across from the States to take part in get-speeds effort at this year's 24 hours of Dubai and should be quicker than both of the drivers out front I would say. Bartone with a lot of experience in GT World Challenge in America, he's been an AM champion in that in fact last year the 23 year old from Miami Florida so he without trying to push like crazy should be getting closer certainly to the MRS GT racing car of Alexander Bukantsov and then once if he can pull off the overtake there question of whether he can whittle down the gap that is three quarters of a minute to the, the overall race leader it's funny just look at Alexander Bukantsov's season you know, he, he's actually competing in the Asian Le Mans series and uh, did the opening round in, in a P3 class car he'll be competing here in a P3 class car uh, because the Asian Le Mans series show is coming to town but right now he's definitely being caught by Anthony Bartow and Sergei Borisov really impressed me he's lapping Two minutes, two, two minutes, two, two minutes, two. He's four, he's almost 50 seconds clear, but certainly Bartone is catching Bukensov for third place. Freud Swire is losing ground. Next person to go past him would be Gilles Magnus. Remember, he went from sixth, sorry, seventh to sixth to fifth, and he's closing in, and fourth place we will be his within, he'll be on, on his tail in about a lap. And so, certainly, East Talent Racing Team will be working its way forward. Actually, bear in mind, the early stages of the races, Audi's right up at the front at the moment. Their best place is that car, number 54, with Gilles Manus at the wheel in fifth place. It will get up to fourth, um, but it's, it's all clean and tidy. But uh, certainly, I thought that uh, Oliver Gertha would go with um, 
the car in front of him, but Gilles Manu in the blue and white Audi just kept on pulling clear. It's very crisp looking, almost looked like Mulner Motorsport, doesn't it? White and blue. Oh dear, got <laughs> the AC Motorsport Audi was trying to keep out of the way in the TCR class and very nearly caught uh, the East Talent Audi as it was coming through. The tail wagged a little bit, but uh, certainly, again, multi-class racing, you've got to cut other drivers some slack, but I think that was a classic moment that um, the Audi driver just tried to pull out of the way, got onto a bit of circuit, it was a bit dusted and a bit yeah. off on the racing line. And we talked earlier, Johnny, how a little incident just around you could really, really have ramifications. But uh, Thierry Choknali in that number 188 Audi held it together. He's in good class position. He's fourth in the TCR class. So, um, and in fact, he's second in the TCR class, but uh, fourth overall in TCE. We've got the two categories there, TCX and TCR, but uh, held it together. And that wouldn't have, by any stretch of the imagination, been the first bit of contact that we've seen in this event over the years between different classes of cars, but there seems to be an even extra level when the two cars have got the same badge on the front. Yes. So Audi R8 colliding very nearly with an Audi RS3 from the TCE class, but thankfully that was avoided. And the Audis, as you say, that started very strongly have, I wouldn't say faded necessarily, they've just maybe been on the wrong side of the Code 60s and their timing of the pit stops. Remember that drivers being cycled through, almost deliberately some teams putting their AMs in for a spell behind the wheel during the Code 60, because that will still count towards their driving time that needs to be ticked off in order to be classified for points, but also for a race result in this event as a standalone. And a question of what really, what might have been for the Ferrari 296 of Marco Pulcini, who is flashing the lights, sadly, with number 42 on the Lumirank number in the windshield, rather than, well, it was running as high as sixth place in the opening hour, but then they couldn't get Thierry Vermeulen out of the car. The door slammed shut and locked, it seemed. Now, whether that was to do with a faulty catch or whether the rear bodywork had been pushed slightly against the door, but either way, the net effect was they couldn't release Thierry Vermeulen Consequently, he was installed for a double stint. He didn't quite expect it to be, but uh, thrown out whilst they found a solution, back out onto the track again. And finally, Marco Pulcini, after a seven-minute spell in the garage where they refitted a new, or they fitted a new door, a bare carbon livery door, and uh, just adds to the tails of that particular racing one, 296. So 22nd now in the GT3 order. I find it quite interesting. I, I, I had the, the sudden shot where we had uh, Gilles Manus coming around the corner, had a Ferrari right on his tail. I thought, oh, wow, Olivier Goethe has managed to make up the ground. But no, he's been going backwards and uh, he still hasn't got past Fouad Sawaya to take fifth place. Gilles Manus is up into fourth. He's uh, got 21 seconds to find to catch Anthony Bartome. Anthony having a very good run, not yet quite caught the driver in front of him. In fact, Alexander Bukensov still 3.8 seconds clear. Yes. Uh, so let's go down because Diana Binks has taken over from Peter Snowden. She's back for a second stint and she is down in the pits with the first of her interviews. I am with US Engineers and uh, Mark Griffith has just come back in, well, just jumped out of the car. Um, and just bear with me one second, I'm just waiting on cameraman to come running back up here to, to get our interview. He's on his way. So Mark's just having a very quick drink. Um, and um, we're just waiting for him to take a moment while he's just jumped out of the car. I don't know how long he's been in the car. <laughs> he wants to give me a big kiss, but I don't know. Oh, sorry. No, you can. I don't mind. 
you very much. You see, it's not all bad, is it, in the pit lane? I'm missing my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you just jumped out of the car. Obviously, um, you were out during that Code 60. Yes. So, um, how was the sin? The Code 60 is terrible. I always want to fall asleep. So they put my daughter on the radio. Put my daughter on the radio to tell me bad jokes, which help keep me awake for it. That's the only way. You just because the adrenaline slows down and stops while you're doing it, you just get lazy and you feel tired. So, yeah. But a few dirty jokes and a few a bit of Aussie humour was all fantastic. Yeah, you've got to keep your concentration at that point, haven't you? It's easy to sort of get distracted for a second, but you've still got to keep the car on the track, which you did. Now, how is the car handling, and how did you feel in it? The car's okay, it's the scenery. You drive around, you go sand, rock, building. And the next time you get building, rock, sand. But it's perfect. It's a great track. It's a lovely venue to be at. Uh, it's great to be here driving the Janettas with Colin White racing. Uh, it's all good fun. After the Code 60, it took a bit of a while to get the tyres back up to temperature. Not like the GD3 rock stars who, I think they've got a switch in the car that says tyre temperature, and off they go. But, yeah, all good fun. Everyone managing the situation here and, and the, uh, on track? I mean, you not had any moments out there? Yes, we do a lot. I do Bathurst 12-hour and a GT4, so I'm past all the time, so I'm used to it. You just you have to use your mirrors and point for the guys so they at least know that you've seen them, and then they're fine. So you must be adapting to this very hot weather. No problem at all. Although someone did tell me the other day, this is cold, and I was like, no. Yeah, this isn't hot. I wore a jacket <laughs> to get here this morning. It was quite cool. So, no, the weather's fine. Yeah, you get hot after doing the stint, but uh, all good. A great race, isn't it? It's, it's gonna, I know there's a long way to go, but, but it's, a, it's got a great lineup, a lot of cars, great atmosphere on the grid earlier on. It was. Uh, being, walking up and down the grid, there were thousands of people. Like, it was fantastic. And we get to see all our Aussies from back home as well and say hello, and our friends from overseas as well that we meet here once every eight years. That's great. <laughs> Right, Mark, I'll let you get a little bit of a break. And, uh, good to see you. I'm no doubt chat to you again over the weekend. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Cheers. Mark Griffith, the Brisbaneite, uh, always a real character and uh, an enthusiast for his motor racing. Short moment ago, Ferrari's trying to overlap and one that remains on the lead lap looking to duck underneath what we know is a quick car and was there some contact between the two 296s? Yes, and the one that's already been in the wars goes for a spin as a result. Now, there was a gap there. Pulcini decided to defend at the last possible moment. How did you read that one, Bruce Jones? Unnecessary. I think we'd say. So maybe maybe Pulcini just fancied the other door on the, that great-looking racing one Ferrari <laughs> needed replacing as well, because certainly that was what he put right across the nose of Oliver Goethe. And, you know, you have to say, come what may, both very quick 296 Ferraris, but Marco Pulcini is 42nd in the race. Yes, he had that moment where he came out on the tail of the uh, East Talent Racing Audi, uh, which... Uh, Gilles Magnus has now moved up into third place overall. Anthony Bartone is second. Alexander Bukensov is first because that means the race leading Huber. Uh, Porsche has come into the pits and has now immediately tumbled down the order. In fact, all the way down on its outlap now in 22nd position. So you talk about pit stops coming up sometime soon and they've jumped blink first. So Alexander Bukensov leading the race by literally nothing. Uh, 0.6 of a second, lights flashing, flashing from the get speed Mercedes with Anthony Bartone behind. The American wants to come through, but the MRS GT Racing Porsche staying out front, but they haven't got the ultimate pace. That's for the drivers behind. 
20 seconds back in third place is Jill Manus, who is really the fastest driver on the track at the moment in the East Talent Racing Team Audi. So Porsche and Mercedes Audi telling the story of the history of this race. German manufacturers right at the sharp end of the field. Yeah, and unlikely to change, at least from what we've seen so far, although Dragon Racing with their Ferrari would uh, beg to differ with that. To give you an idea of how close Oliver Goethe is to the race lead, last time through, timed at 27 and a half seconds away from Alexander Bukantsov. And as you say, whereas the Ferrari he was battling with, Marco Puccini, down in 42nd position and three laps further behind. So that was not a battle to be... Um, being cut and thrust with at turn number one. I, I realise it's difficult to know a car that's looking to get by precisely where that is in the race, but uh, we know all about, and uh, those at Racing One know all about their trials and tribulations, so uh, did not need to defend as vehemently as was done down into turn number one. Actually, it sort of sorted itself out in that the costly problem was for the Ferrari that was doing the blocking, if you like, and Oliver Goethe, I think, got away scot-free depending on now how the car is handling. There may be a, a bit of a chip out of the front left corner of that 296, though, as well. Uh, but the sector times still look good for car number 88. Yeah, and also mitigating circumstances. I'll try and lay a few layers of those down. But there was a GT4 runner, or was it? No, it was a Porsche Cup car just in front of the pair of them and they were catching it as they went down into turn one and then the track does drop down into that corner but the cars need to get down to about 100 and under 110 kph to take the right hander dipping right hander but anyhow there was contact made slightly unnecessary i don't think the damage was anything particular but it would have cost the racing one ferrari rather more time than the dragon racing ferrari that's running in fourth place the hands of oliver goethe I think we're getting ready for a whole host of pit stops. Anthony Bartone now in the lead of the race, having got through the Get Speed Mercedes, back into the lead of the race. It led with Fabian Schiller in the early stages of the race, and uh, Alexander Bukensoff for the number 17 Porsche for MRS GT Racing lost the lead and about another further second and a half. So he's back in second place, catching the pair of them hand over fist is Gilles Manus in third, but he's still 17 seconds behind. Well, according to my records, Anthony Bartone is the car that's been out for the longest during this stint, but the first six laps of Anthony's stint were under code 60, which I don't have an exact calculation for the Mercedes-AMG, but, I mean, what are you going to be burning in comparison to a green flag lap? Maybe a third of the usual amount of fuel? So you can multiply, you know, the 70 minutes or that segment of the 70 minutes that these GT3 cars can normally do by a further three times and therefore we're over an hour now for Anthony Bartone last to be in the pits but he could probably do another what 15 minutes or so purely on time wise and Bukantsov will pit likely to be a lap or maybe two laps later than that he has been at the wheel of that car for this particular stint for 19 laps now but five of those laps we're under code 60. This is where it's so important to have done your calculations during the practice sessions. How much fuel are we going to burn if we get a lengthy code 60? Yeah, I was just thinking that when a lot of people get into uh, really dig down deep into sports car racing, often when they've been watching motor racing for a while, they realise it's sort of the most technical. But did they think those old mathematical skills from school would have to come to the fore? But they do. Obviously, there's an awful lot of... Um, computer technology now and, and programs that can uh, work on these programs but uh, bear in mind over many many years we've had uh, Paul Truswell commentating with us and he is the 
the man in charge of all those elements for the Red Camel Jordans team. And uh, they absolutely love him because he finds the things that aren't obvious. And, you know, it's obvious to him because his brain is very mathematical, but he's got all sorts of programs and uh, he works it very hard. He'll go home after the race, he'll number crunch just in case he can find a gobbit of information that will work at subsequent races. But again, it's those moments of factoring in what happens in a Code 60 period? What happens in a long Code 60 period? There are so many different ways you can handle a race tactic, but it's the blunders that really many a race, Johnny, we've seen over the years and de decades where someone has simply got the Code 60 wrong. They haven't taken the opportunity to take on what is now, let's re-emphasize, 25% capacity of your fuel allocation yes. if you're in majority of the cars. If you're running in an all-AM lineup in the 992 Cup class or the GT3 AM uh, Cup, uh, GT3 AM class, you can take on 50%. So the rules have changed, but that's where the teams have to be totally on top of things like this, because it might buy you five seconds, but it might buy you about two minutes, and that is absolutely nice and day in a race like this. So, what's happening at the front of the race? Anthony Barteau, an American racer, leading in the Get Speed Mercedes, that's car number nine. Leading by two seconds now, two seconds on the nose from Alexander Bukensov in behind. Good to see the... Um, Number 31, Team Parker racing Bentley, having a good old charge. Great to have a Bentley Continental in the race. It's all the way down in 38th position. Joe Wheeler having his first taste of GT3 racing. And this is where this race really comes into its own. A large, broad track, plenty of space to do your racing. Nice warm climate in January. And for young Joe Wheeler, a, a real chance to sort of step up. GT4 has been his bag for the last three or four seasons, learning his experience. But this is where you, where you really find out how good you are. Yeah, began his racing career on the circuits, at least, with Ginetta Juniors. Uh, of course, Lawrence Tomlinson's wonderful scheme to get drivers into cars pretty early on in their career, a chance uh, prior to the age of 16 to get some action. Uh, so two years with Assetto Motorsport in 20 and 21, and then, as you say, two previous seasons in British GT, the first with Assetto and then with Toro Verdi GT at GT4 level. But this is a huge step up for the 20-year-old. And uh, definitely a first ever 24-hour race. He'll have uh, a lot of stories to tell by the end of this weekend and be so eager for more of it, I'm sure. I mean, that, that's the case. If you, most drivers, when they start their racing, they're doing sprint races. At the very most, they sort of stretch to an hour. But it's just the entirely different mindset you have to have for a race like this and just the sheer number of incidents and uh, mechanical potential calamities that uh, rise up and uh, meet you in the face that uh, can be such a difficult thing for a young driver to get their head around but it's all about experience it's also all about learning to drive with teammates uh, you might be used to one teammate in British GT but you know you've got to balance it across four sometimes five in races like this uh, Gilles Magnus is charging hard in third position for Easterlent Racing Team and taking chunks of time out of Alexander Bukentsov in his MRS GT Racing Porsche. Again, we've got that nice mixture of manufacturers within the top four, actually. They're all different. Mercedes, Leap, Porsche, Audi and Ferrari. But it is Magnus and Goethe who are trying to stick with Anthony Bartone's pace and last time around were actually quicker than the race leader. So Bukantsov trailing the get speed Mercedes by last time three, four point three seconds. It'll be a few more seconds than that next time around. But the yellow flag is out on the racetrack, and I'm trying to work out precisely why that is the case. Well, I tell you what, it's down at turn eleven, so it's the corner after you've 
come off the infield straight and there was a shot and I just saw the tail end of a car with a little bit of bodywork, right hand rear bodywork, looked a little bit loose, it was a black tail end of a car but quite a few of the cars have those. I thought it might have been the Lotus for a second but just trying to see if that's still out on the track, uh, the Lotus is... Uh, Yep, sit out on the track, Vito Sieri, the second driver in that. So have to wait and see, but certainly the yellow flag uh, down there at turn 11. Not a corner where a lot of overtaking happens. Incident involving cars number 6 and 88, no further action. That's the Racing 1 Ferrari and the Dragon Racing Ferrari. We saw that, what, about three laps ago down at turn number 1. It didn't stop the progress of Oliver Gerther in the number 88 Dragon Ferrari. He's running in that fourth position. He's actually, yeah, quicker than all three drivers ahead of him. So he's now settling down to see what he can do about catching Gilles Manus. But certainly for Gilles in the Audi, he had a handful of a dozen really, really good laps and worked his way up from 7th to 6th to 5th. Now he's running in third place for East Talent Racing. But Oliver Goethe, maybe he's been slightly kinder to his tyres. It was certainly rather faster last time. Oh, a slow-moving car. It's a Porsche Cup car. It's 921. It's Mulder Motorsport. They are having a mare. I didn't even notice to come back out onto the track again after all the work. As uh, Peter Snowden down in the pit, in part of our crew, said they will keep on working until it's all over. Well, is it all over now? The car's parked at the side of the circuit, uh, having presumably just come up the slope from turn 11 up to the in, inner part of the track, um, going towards turn 12, and he's parked it way off the racing line. He's down from the apex of the corner, on the exit of the corner. Is that going to be over now? No, lights are on. Car not moving, though. We'll wait and see. They are persevering at Mulder Motorsport, but uh, I really feel... Uh, for the crew and for Gilles Vanillet, he's been the driver on board. It happened just after he took it over, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Literally, we think his first flying lap, or his, uh, yeah, his, his first flying lap after his out lap, the problem started. He's been in and out of the pit several times, but whatever it is, four pit stops so far, they cannot sort this ignition problem. Well, poor old Gilles must be really thinking he got out of the wrong side of bed this morning because it all went really well for the opening driver. But as the comment was made to Peter Snowden, I, I don't know for a fact, but it sounded very typical of a, of a Bernie Mulner comment, actually. Bernhard Mulner has been uh, the long-time boss of Mulner Motorsport, and he always so enthusiastic about his racing action and says, no, 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 we're not going to give up yet. We've got uh, X amount of hours still to go. Well, this is the latest chapter, unfortunately, and it's a plot that is very predictable right now for Mulner Motorsport. Gilles Vanillet stopped at the side of the road, and is he going to go any further? The clock is very nearly at 20 and a half hours still to go. Great lap there from Rihanna Umira Hunt in the BMW M4 to be the fastest so far in GT4 for Century Motorsports BMW. 429 the race number there but Anthony Bartone continues to extend the gap it's up to 5.7 seconds now over Alexander Bukantsov and Bukantsov will be keeping his eyes on the mirrors because generally speaking Gilles Magnus is a marginally quicker than Bukantsov's MRS GT racing car actually been appreciably quicker but yeah he's got the gap down to seven seconds between second and third place he's in third place in the best of the Audis from East Talent Racing Team Oliver Gerther is matching the pace of Gilles Magnus but he's another six seven seconds behind in fourth place only two seconds clear of Ralph Bone Ralph was passed by Gilles Magnus and Oliver Gerther but he's in fact settled right down for Herbert Motorsport and uh, is running very much at their pace. And now the good news is the Mulder Motorsport Porsche 921 has made it back to the pit lane. Brilliant over overhead shot, looking down square, fair and square onto the concrete apron there, but that car about to be pivoted around and pushed back into the pit garage. No such problem for Anthony Barton, though. He's been lapping two minutes threes, two minutes fours, and he's sitting on a lead of uh, 5.7 seconds. Alexander Boots 
Bukensov, though, is being hunted down little by little by Gilles Manus. Who else is going well? Good to see the CP racing. A Mercedes still going well. Century Motorsport, two cars just outside the top ten. Michael Johnson in 12th. Jake Rattenbury, who's been lapping very quickly indeed until the last lap or so, in 13th. And then they're also Century Motorsport running that car that you just mentioned, Rihanna O'Meara Hunt. Century Motorsport BMW M4, which is running third in the GT4 class. GT4 class, by the way, being led by Continental Toyota. So there's some debris on the start-finish line and uh, just looking to identify. That's a, a warning on the screen to the moment. Oh, halfway down and it came off. OK, I was correct. The car that had the problem, I said that the bodywork was loose, was the Lotus and the bodywork's just been shed by the Lotus. Vito Uzzieri accelerating out, accelerating out of the final corner in that Elise Cup car. And, uh, oh dear, did I just say the 85 CP Racing Mercedes was going very well? It appears to be a white Mercedes waiting for the rest of the car to come into view. Yes, it was indeed, has gone for a rotation. I apologise to the team there. Charles Putman with the driver going around. Got the car restarted, losing time, but sensibly waiting for clear track before rejoining. How did that all happen? Was it avoiding someone else's debris? Let's take a little look-see. No, different point on the circuit. Coming on to the infield straight, round he went. So the Mercedes had to wait. Time was lost. Very similar situation for the, or as the 927 Porsche earlier on in the race, that of course caused that significant barrier damage. And then the lengthy code 60 for Stefan Bayer. Thankfully, Charlie Putman didn't make it all the way across to the left-hand side and stopped well short of the RMK barrier and as you say a very sensible rejoin as well from effectively the team owner team manager well not team manager but definitely the team owner CP Racing is Charlie Putman now uh, we thought I thought you said Anthony Barton had the, of the front running cars had the was likely to be the first to pit well Alexander Bukensoff has come in from second place so Barton continues to lead the races now has an 11 second advantage but he is being caught uh, by about a second and a half per lap by Gilles Manu. So the East Talent Racing Audi up into second place. Yellow flag at turn 10. Got a car number 902 sitting sideways in the track, but it does have power and just gets out of the way, which is rather good because the 83 Porsche was just coming through and that's the car right towards the front end of the field. Gets it going. But again, when a car goes off the circuit, Johnny, it is just so dusty. They're in a little dust storm as they uh, come back to the track to rejoin. But... Uh, Good miss as the Sonax Porsche gets going uh, by some of those coming through the corner just behind them. That was Grant Donaldson, Home Guard Motorsport Porsche. Had been running actually pretty well. Been running ninth in the 992 Cup class, but just went that little bit wide, possibly letting someone else have a bit of the track that he wanted to be on and found it super, super dusty. Yeah, and the Code 60, I suppose, has allowed some more of the dust and dirt to actually settle on the racetrack. What we want is race cars at full speed, sweeping around and at least creating a, a, ra a clean racing line. But when you've got cars doing a third of their usual speed, bear in mind 60 kilometres per hour is just slightly more than 37 miles per hour. So it's, it is really very slow indeed compared to the speed that these modern day full fat GT3 cars can do. But now, thankfully, as Sir Lawrence Tomlinson made the point earlier on, the GT3 cars creating that vacuum effect because there's quite a bit of ground effect going on as well through the diffuser and that's helping to suck a lot of that uh, dirt, dirt and sand away from the crucial bits of the racetrack. Now, whenever you go for a spin in the car, you're going to be frustrated. Was it your fault? You'd be frustrated. Was it someone else's fault? You'll be frustrated. But the worst thing a driver can do when they've been off the circuit to the edge where it's really dusty, particularly as dusty as it is here, is to press on immediately. They've got to get that dust off the tyres. 
And uh, it, was, it was good to see the driver of the 902 just did precisely that. They just bided their time. They just waited until they'd... Uh, well, you don't want to follow one mistake with another, do you? So Grant Donaldson has now reported back to the pits, but he did it just right. So for whatever reason, the car went for a rotation. Home Guard Base Sport Porsche, he did the right job when it came to rejoining the circuit. We're working lap 75 then, and a chance to witness it from the Salasin, uh, the Salasin car, which at the moment has Dennis Ritara at the wheel. Salasin by Cox Racing, which is one of the many GT3 Porsche Cup cars. The difference with this one, though, is that it's the slightly older gen of GT3R, so 991 Gen 2, of which there are two in the entry. The others are all the latest spec of 992-911, if you get my drift. It's um, a green one. That's a much easier way of explaining it. And car 48 is in 13th position, um, just seven seconds or so away from Matteo Marifina in the second of the Santalot Junior Team Audis. And for those standing trackside or watching around the world, it's car number 48. We'll give it a number as well as a colour. I do like to... I have to do this when I'm commentating down at the Goodwood Historic events, is I have to sometimes say car and colour. It sounds really simple, but people watching trackside, people watching around the world, they do know to, need to know these things. So rather than just saying it's the extra Dennis Wilson RT4045, um, you have to say these simple things. But it's all about also getting new fans into racing as well. So... The 902 at a standstill in the pit lane, and it's about to get going all over again. So driver reports in. Yes, it was someone else's fault, you'd say, or yes, it was my fault. No damage to the car. Better to get it checked over. If you think there's half a reason you spun that uh, wasn't down to driver issues, you do need to get it checked out. By the way, leading the 992 class by a country mile. Actually, just reported into the pits. Paul Meyer, that's the FAC Autotech, number 962. Seconding, that's in, just come in from eighth overall. Next one in class, it's come really well, this car. Rabdan by Fulgenzi. It's the number 971. Locally entered team, locally entered driver. Saif Almeri at the wheel of that. He's in ninth overall, second in class, and third in class, Red Camel Jordan's team. We've heard of that one before. Luke Broikers, third driver in the mix to uh, have a go aboard the 909. Yet to appear from the pit stop that you mentioned... Oh, no, having said that, I think I'm looking at the wrong car. So we talked about Alexander Bukantsov coming down pit road, and that was after, I reckon, 24 laps, and that car yet to go back into the race, as far as I can tell. But uh, Anthony Bartone is happy to push on after 27 laps. There'll still be a bit more fuel in the tank, I would say, because of those six Code 60 laps that he did at the start of the race. The start of the stint, I should say. Easter Lent Racing's Gilles Magnus in the best of the Audis. Car 54 should be able to go even further into the stint. And uh, Bukantsov, his car, number 17, has rejoined. And it's now John Corbett at the wheel of that. But it's lost a significant chunk of time down now into... Well, still not circulating. John Corbett labelled as being the new driver. Oh, it is on an outlap, but has dropped all the way down to... 25th position. That's just the costly nature of doing a pit stop, I suppose, uh, during green flag conditions because the field hasn't had a chance to get really strung out. We've had over an hour behind the latest Code 60. Well, we talked earlier, Johnny, about um, the differing amounts of fuel you can take in during Code 60 and how if you're running an AM crew, let's paraphrase, you get the advantage you can fill, put half your tank load in, whereas the majority of runners can only put a quarter. That does sort of mix 
the scramble, the reordering, but actually when you get a really long code 60, most teams actually just come in several times around and therefore they get their full full tank of fuel. We're still sort of undoing the stagger, but get speed Mercedes. Remember, they led the early stage of this race in the hands of Fabian Schiller. Anthony Barton, third driver into that car, doing a, a cracking job at the head of the race. Two minutes threes, two minute fours. His advantage over Gilles Magnus coming down with every lap, to be expected. Gilles, the Belgian race has plenty more, you know, a considerable amount more experience of uh, GT3 racing. Uh, he's down to six seconds. Well, actually, you know what? I thought Oliver Gertha had been quite kind to his tyres, apart from going up the inside of the Racing One Ferrari, because he is closing bit by bit on Gilles Manus. Gilles caught him and passed him. There was a slight mistake from Oliver Gertha. That led to the, the change of positions when they were fighting over fifth and sixth positions. But since getting ahead, Gilles Manus immediately pulled clear. But now, late in the stint for Dragon Racing, the Ferrari's coming good. It's really starting to hunt him down. It's four seconds between first and second, and now six seconds between Gilles Manus in second and Olivier Goethe in the Dragon Ferrari in third place overall. The other reason for the significant drop down the timing screen for car 17 is because I think that's its first full fuel allocation pit stop. So it's taken it from pit into pit out four minutes and 50 seconds. By, uh, by a long stretch, that's the longest time that it's spent in the pit lane. Prior to that, it only did a 91-second pit stop because it could only take on board 25% of its fuel. And before that, they've been around about the three-minute marker. But I don't think four minutes and 50 is anything to be majorly concerned about. For example, the GetSpeed Mercedes, early in the piece, did a pit stop for four minutes and 15 seconds. So when you compare those like for like, yeah, 35 seconds lost but it doesn't mean the 17's out of the fight at all, even though it's dropped all the way down to 25th position from the lead of the race. Right, just a quick time to uh, check out time penalties because they have been issued to some degree. The number 91, the Herbert Motorsport Porsche, that, oh, let's refresh, that's had a 10-second penalty. Car number 48, that's the one we've just been looking at, the Salasin by... Uh, uh, Cox, Porsche, that's 10-second penalty for this is track limit infringements. Then you get speeding seat speed limits, that's the number six car, that's the Racing One Ferrari, already set back with its door problems. 12-second time penalty for exceeding speed limits during Code City, that's 227. They picked up two of those, They no, a 12 and a 10-second penalty, a 10-second penalty for the same reason for the 992 Cup Porsche car and two 10-second penalties, one for not respecting pit stop regulations, that was 277, that's one of the two uh, CWS Engineering Genetas and car 962, Porsche Cup class car, one of the ones that pick, is, has picked up the most recent uh, penalty and that is 10 seconds for exceeding track limits. Don't do it once, that's for the sixth offence. So the drivers all know about it, but I have a modicum of sympathy. That's FAC Autotech, that's the car leading the class by a country mile. Now down in the pits, Di Binks has a mic open. What have you got? I do, thank you very much. I'm with SMP Racing and I've got Vitaly Petrov, who's ex-Formula One for all our motorsport fans, and he's here this weekend. And I think it's the first time we've been able to, to, to catch up with him with SMP Racing. Vitaly, great to see you, uh, and great to see you back behind the wheel. Yeah, we're very happy to come back. What was the uh, deciding factor to come and do the race here in Dubai? Uh, I think uh, it was a long time when we was racing in 24 hours. I think it was 19, 2019 in Le Mans. And then it was uh, COVID. We stopped the program in Europe. And then uh, we built a new car, BR03, in Russia. And now uh, we decided to, 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 take, to take this race in Abu Dhabi. 
are things going for you so far? Uh, to be honest, we little bit, uh, not little bit, quite a lot, uh, miss uh, tire pressure, and we didn't expect uh, it will be so much hot because uh, in the practice, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everything was fine. The practice was very, very good. So we don't know what's happened exactly why, for, for example, when I was starting, the pace was uh, quite big difference compared to what we was uh, did in the testing. So yeah, I, think now, they, I think they had a bit of a sandstorm earlier yes, on today and it caused a bit of an issue on the circuit. Yes, it can be also. So now we wait a little bit where they cool down. Now uh, I think Sergei will go in the car and we will see. The race is still long, so we have some time for fight. Are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, it's interesting. It's not my first time in Dubai circuit. I've been here maybe 15 years ago, 10 maybe. I don't remember really. But yeah, the track is good. I think the organization is good. Uh, you know, all the drivers, uh, when I was starting, they all respect each other, not pushing to each other. So in the moment, is everything fine. Just we need to pick up the pace and we will back on the... So because you've been here before, are you giving all the instructions? Are you giving the knowledge base to the other drivers? Excuse me again? Because you were here 10 years ago, are you giving all the instruction to the other drivers? <laughs> no, they did already some races here before also. But we did get quite a lot on simulation in Russia. We did some practice before to come here. Because it's first time for us to drive uh, in Dubai 24 hours and also in uh, Porsche Cup 992. So it's... Uh, I drove before Mercedes, like Sergei drove Ferrari in uh, black paint, so the Porsches for us is new, it's actually, it's, it's good, it's okay. And it was great to see so many fans out this morning, you know, for the start wow, of the yeah. race, it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible, uh, long time I didn't see it, I think actually maybe it will be, it was uh, in, in uh, Le Mans, the same like a lot of, a lot of people, but here it was a lot of fans. Thanks for chatting. Thank you. I'm just checking back through uh, Vitali's back catalogue, if you like, of career uh, high points. It was, I reckon, a season and a bit before he got into Formula One in 2010 when he last visited Dubai. So he's almost right. It's more like 16 years since oh, what he was, was last here. GP2 Asia? GP2 Asia, which yeah. straddled the 2008-2009 season, but it was a December meeting and he finished fifth in the first race. And although he started fourth for the second race, it was a non-finish in that event. That season, GP2 won by a certain Kamui Kobayashi, I notice. Always quick. Yeah. Now, talking quick, we've had a change of leader because Anthony Barton didn't uh, hang on. Gilles Magnus hunted him down, passed him. He's now four seconds clear. And the next driver lining up the American is Oliver Gertha. So we've got the East Talent Racing Audi now in the lead of the race. Get Speed Mercedes still in second place, but being hunted down by the third place Ferrari. That's Dragon Racing and Oliver Gertha closing in. That's Dragon Racing. Herbert Motorsport, again, lap after lap, consistent speed. Falling away very slightly from the front three, but Ralph Bone doing a really good job. And I would suggest that Anthony Bartone... Johnny, what have you got for him since his last pit stop? Because uh, you said a while back he was the first of the front runners to have uh, gone out onto this stint, but... Um, He's hanging on, he's lapping very well indeed, apart from the last lap. In fact, he suddenly his lap pace went out, and I think that's probably as a result of going wide when uh, Gilles Magnus came through to take the lead uh, for the Audi crew for East Talent Racing. And then this shouldn't be so quick from Gilles, he just had to go past three back markers, so he'll have lost a bit of time there. 
I am beginning to think that uh, maybe one of the pit stops on my data has been missed because we're up to nearly an hour and a half now for okay. Anthony Bartone in the Get Speed car. He's pitted on four separate occasions. Let's just see whether we've got times for all four stops. You know, the last stop was only 32 seconds, which... Like a drive-through. Well, yeah, you, you wouldn't the really again. Have, a t have a chance to stop for any fuel during that. 32 seconds, as I say, may well just be... A, it might be a glitch in that he's pitted for slightly longer than that, and that's the reason why he's not just driving on fresh air. Now, one thing that all race fans... I know this... Uh, this uh, thing was created a good 60 plus years ago Grand Prix du Rock Peter Ustinov where one of the drivers comes in because he simply remembered a good swear a good, a good curse to give to his team boss and he came through from the Italian team and he got ah, blah, 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 and then he drove out again <laughs> cost him the race but it made for good entertainment true and if you know if you want to know what the heck I'm talking about Peter Ustinov fabulous comedian he did all the voices of all the characters and all the car sounds for the Grand Prix du Rock mega and many tales aside, thank you, my father, for having that uh, on. It wasn't just I'm embarrassed 78, say, it was equivalent. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I, I have yet to experience that, but I really must uh, Between track our it stints, down. you must, because yeah. it still makes me smile even today. Excellent. 82 laps very nearly completed for Gilles Magnus, now in the Easterlet Racing Team Audi R8, ahead of Oliver Goethe's Ferrari 296 for Dragon Racing and the 88 prancing horse and then Anthony Bartone quite possibly driving on fumes if uh, the data is correct it's his four stops that he's made but it may well be that the previous stop was slightly longer than just half a minute that I have down for car number nine and Ralph Bone in the 91 Porsche the all black with the gold piping for Herbert Motorsports uh, best placed car and the best placed Porsche in fact running around in fourth place in fact, uh, when we have a, a change in, in the commentary booth, uh, Andrew Marriott will be stepping up with Phil Anson, and I'm sure that Andrew can switch straight into Peter Ustinov Grand Prix du Rock mode. <laughs> I have an enormous amount of faith in Andrew, his knowledge, his enthusiasm, but I'm sure that's one that's under his belt. There we are, Andrew. No pressure at all. If he doesn't do it in the first 10 minutes, then uh, the, the party on, on X brackets formerly Twitter who are enjoying this as part of the Radio Show Limited Collective will be begging for it it's, it's quite it's quite funny actually I just had a quick look to X previously known as something else Ian McCarthy long time fan of RSL underscore studio follows all the NLS races and everything else that moves and he said barrier repairs are usually something that happens in the background while we watch cars circulate under code 60 trackside drone footage of the repair itself is quite cool I want to see how these things are done. Of course, Ian, with the Nürburgring Langstrecken series, you can't get cameras to all points around the magnificent Nürburgring Nordschleife, but you do often get course vehicles at the side. They can't get a camera closed. But again, it's looking at the efficiency. And you can just see how big the damage, how great the damage is to something. And so they're doing a really good job here, uh, the crew putting together the televised side. OK, Anthony Bartone has just seeded that... Um, Second position, as expected. So it's the East Summit Racing Audi, as you said, Johnny. Dragon Racing Ferrari now up into second place. So Olivier Oliver Goethe, six, nearly seven seconds down on Gilles Manus. Anti Bartone, his next point of attack is going to be again from behind. And again, it's going to be, well, this time it's going to be a Porsche. Ralph Bone making seriously good progress in behind. And I would just like to say, Car Collection Motorsport, Lebanese driver, Fouad Sawai has done a fantastic job mm. in the number 96 Porsche there. Um, it's a car that looks unremarkable, it's white with a few red flashes, but Fouad, who I must confess, I haven't got a 
big history for his racing career. He's done a seriously good job alongside some tip-top drivers out there. Fifth overall, great run. And Fuad, Fuad's car, again, slightly questionable in terms of when it last pitted. There was a 35-second pit stop in the middle of a... Well, was that a code 60 or was that... It shouldn't have been to serve a penalty or a drive-through. Most of those penalties are served during the next pit stop in the penalty box. But uh, that car also on the same amount of laps completed, I reckon, as Anthony Bartone. So they've either both done a stop at the same time and it's been missed in the telemetry or in the uh, recording somewhere, or they really are not only able to produce great speed, but also superb fuel durability as well. As one of the two CWS engineering Ginettas gets going from its latest pit stop. But Easterlentz, Gilles Magnus still out front then from Oliver Goethe as we work our way through, what is this, hour four of this year's 19th edition of the Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai. 12 minutes to go until we reach just 20 hours to go, but uh, track conditions fair, hopefully a lot of the dust, and it was super, super dusty at the start of the 19th. Dubai, 24 hours. We've had the long code 60. What do you say, Johnny? It's about an hour and seven minutes in the end, certainly north of an hour. Barrier repairs, and unfortunately, Mulder Motorsport, uh, Gilles Van, uh, sorry, um, it was uh, Stefan Bayer, sorry, SRS Team Sorg Rensport, who went in, did all the damage. That car's still in the pit garage, but uh, so maybe there's hope it might come back, but uh, certainly a lot of front end damage. Now, Oliver Gert has made. 29 laps on that stint but is now in the pit lane there were during the stint four laps of probably not code 60 that will have just been brief yellow flags where we had the spin for charlie putman and uh, one or two other incidents as well of course but that gives us a, a benchmark to be working to as well regarding how much fuel may well be in the race leading car Let's just check on Ollie's stint. Yeah, four of his laps within the 30-lap stint were affected by local yellows, but nothing more significant than that. So, again, I think we somehow the data's missed uh, a, a, an extended pit stop for Gilles Magnus, who leads the race, and also Anthony Bartone, potentially, as well. Sorry, Anthony Bartone, definitely, and Fouad Sawar who has been doing a very long stint, it seems, in the car collection, number 96 Porsche. But they may well have crowbarred an extra fuel stint in there as track temperature is being taken by one of either the members of the crew there or, indeed, Hankook themselves, because they'll be needing to monitor the temperature of the asphalt, depending on uh, how the, 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 the various compounds are being utilised through the course of the race. I think it's pretty much a control compound, though, regardless of ambient and track temperature but they'll still need to need to monitor it yeah one car that's uh, from the front end of the field just uh, come in very quick pit stop it's the heart of racing by sps mercedes car number 27 don't think pierre kleinubig got out of that he's continuing down to, to refueling but um that's running just looking at the gap between that and the car ahead well the gap was down to a second when he dived into the pit lane that was the Haas rt number 21 Audi in the hands of Hassar T holding down sixth place. Of course, that gap would have grown enormously 
uh, while they're in the pit lane. And that should mean the Century Motorsport uh, BMW M4 GT3s are moving up a position. They should go up to 7th and 8th, I think. Jacob Ratten, Jake Rattenbury's got ahead of Michael Johnston. They're separated by about 7.5 seconds. But uh, again, we'll get to the next cycle of pit stops and it will be moved around. But I must say, certainly for East Talent Racing Team, Gilles Manu's uh, very much continuing in the vein of Marcus Finkelhock without uh, the contact down at Turn 1. Uh, that we saw early in the race, um, but leading this race by an increasing margin over Anthony Bartone. So the Get Speed Mercedes in second place again, because we've had the pit stop uh, just up ahead from the Dragon Racing Ferrari. Six stints, six uh, stops, and therefore seven stints for the Easterland Racing Team's Audi. Two fewer than that, though, for Get Speed's Mercedes, the all-red number nine, and the Herbert Motorsport Porsche of Ralph Bone and Herbert doing very much Herbert things in well pitting at the the opportune moments but we haven't actually seen that Porsche stopping with every single code 60 to top up the fuel sometimes well I suppose these days with the 25% rule you'd need to be stopping four times with just a an outlap slash inlap in between each one to make sure you've got the, the full fuel allocation. Yeah, that so, takes some doing. Well, it certainly does, but it does mean if you've got an hour and a bit of, of Co. 6s we had, it sort of almost settles itself down. But if you've, mm. got, if you've, got, a, if you've got a sort of 10-minute Co. 60, you're not going to have the chance to sort of recoup that at all. And bear in mind, just pointing out, as we did earlier, under Co. 60, a lap time around here is around f nearly five and a half minutes. So if you've only got a 10-12 minute <laughs> period of Co. 60, you really just don't have the chances you need to be in there. So, what's happening? We're nearly four hours into this race, nearly a sixth of the way in. We've got Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, the top three manufacturers. We've got, just remember the teams at this point, with, four, with 20 hours to go, we've got East Talent Racing, probably about to pit with their Audi. Get Speed, Mercedes, likewise for Anthony Bartone, and Herbert Motorsport. Bear in mind, they're in third position with the best of their Porsche, the Porsches. Herbert Motorsport are very, very good at getting the rules right for getting top results in the 24-8 series. They've been support, staunch supporters of this series. It's gone to ever better tracks around the world and, um, you know, expect them to be towards the sharp end. That's precisely where they are now. Car Collection Motorsport with their Audi, uh, sorry, with their Porsche. Again, they've uh, swapped manufacturers recently. Um, running there in fourth overall. They're also very, very good on the roll rules and Haas RT that sort of came in from nowhere created by Sandrine Haas uh, been also very very strong and their car is running in fifth overall it's about knowing how the rules work the rules change from year to year and it's about staying on top of them yeah and uh, that's where the team managers and indeed the those trying to work the best way through this race from a strategic point of view earn their court very often in the well, travel time to get to these events, but hopefully before that, full regulations are read and then read again, often to see what they don't say, rather than uh, the indication of all the rules you must adhere to, as the 54 car getting stuck into quite a bit of traffic here. So that was a precarious moment towards the end of lap 86 for Gilles Magnus putting the car, the 54 car, in its very Mulner-like livery, but Easterlet Racing Team is the are the preparators of the 54 car and uh, has managed, with a deep inhale of breath, managed to get through that bit of a storm out on the racetrack. Well, when he was at the back of that sort of seven-car gaggle, he had another moment where he clonked a curb big time, front left corner coming off off the, the terra firma, off the black stuff, but uh, clearly trying to press on. His advantage 
well, it was 12 seconds. Even going through that traffic, he's increased it over Anthony Bartone by about only a tenth of a second, but he's got the traffic behind him, or that gaggle of traffic, and the American race is going to have to get onto the tail of it and do precisely the same again, unless a pit stop intervenes. Who's flying on the track? Yeah, that was a much slower lap from uh, Gilles Magnus. Instead of doing two-minute threes, two-minute twos, the traffic cost him the best part of four seconds there. But uh, what you can gain, you can lose very easily. But he was certainly quite aggressive in getting through. So uh, maybe, again, just trying to eke a second here, a second there. He'll keep on pulling away from Anthony Bartone. But Ralph Bone, bow. well, the fastest of the trio last time around in third place. According to my records, Anthony Bartone and Fuad Sawaha are now uh, onto their 39th lap of this stint. I think that's actually impossible now. So there will have been a, an extra fuel stop within this stint somewhere, bearing in mind the first bit of Bartone's sort of uh, double was incorporating six laps of Code 60. So that will buy back some fuel mileage, but not enough for that to make sense otherwise. The 907 car of Nicholas Jonsson wasting no time at all now and fully alongside a fellow Porsche, although perhaps not on the same lap. That was the, was that the 992 numbered it, car it was the nine, came by. It was the 931, the Hanimal Ali, the QMF by HRT performance uh, Porsche. That's uh, down towards the tail of the uh, G992 Cup class, 13th overall in the 992 Cup, but uh, effectively one, two, three, sixth in the 992 AM class. But Nicholas Jonsson, so many years, well, they're decades, aren't they, mm. racing with uh, Tracy Crone all around the world in the lime green and blue Porsches. And the Swedish racer, I remember when he was in um, back in Formula 3 in the early 1990s, racing against the likes of the oh, recently departed, much, much missed uh, Gilles de Ferran and the gang and the David Coulthards of the world. But uh, didn't have the money to continue any further in single-seaters. But by golly, he's made a spectacular career in GT and sports car racing with Tracy Crone. Obviously a really, oh, hello, a car that was right at the sharp end of the race early, early on. Car number 18 being pushed back into the pit garage. And that's the Audi that uh, set the pace very early on indeed. It's the Ravenol sponsored Audi, black with the green flanks. And uh, that is uh, most surprising. Let's have a look and see what work is going on because hopefully it's, well, no, it's not a point in the race. You really want to be getting the bonnet up on your car. It's the car that Elliot Earhart started from pole position, although he wasn't able to hold on to the lead much beyond the first sector of the lap, but he was still duelling with Fabian Schiller as they crossed the line for the first time. We then had uh, a couple of stints for Sven Herberger under code 60, which amounted to seven... Oh, no, eight laps. But Michael Doppelmeyer did a full Code 60 stint and then did more into the green. And it's been Sven Herberger since lap 67. However, Herberger clearly radioing in with a problem and the car pitting after just 10 laps. And they look unsure at this time, precisely what the issue yeah, is. Yeah, but they've already had other problems because he's fallen back by... He's only got 70... Do the maths here, 77, 78 laps on the board. Race mm. leader is nearly 10 laps ahead. So that's been one that slipped under the radar a little bit as it, as it went back down the order. But uh, certainly in the hands of uh, Elliot Earhart, quick in qualifying, quick in race trim in the first stint. But uh, we'll have to get to the bottom of that one. So the pit lane crew, if they could make their way to the garage number 18 for Sandslot Junior Team, there is a little bit of woe associated with that car. Well, it was the previous stop to this one. When the car came in at quarter past four, 
So 45 minutes ago, it was then in the pits for over 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So that's where the issue has struck. Rejoining the race just after 4.30, and now short of 30 minutes on that stint, has had to come back in again. So I wonder whether the, the issue first hit a pit stop ago, and this is the continuation of it. With news on that, or perhaps other things, here's Di. Uh, yeah, I was just inside the 18 garage. Sven Herberg has just uh, jumped out of the car and um, it's not looking good. Uh, Sven, you've taken the car in, you've got out of the car, it's in the garage. What's happened? We, I don't exactly, but we have a technical issue um, where we are not sure how this will turn out at the end. So we have fixed it once now, but um, it can, like, came back anytime. And right now we have already a delay of like 10 laps and we prefer to, to retire because at the end... Yeah, you're going to check things out now, but have you got any idea what the issue was? Um, at an earlier point, we had, a, we had an issue with the steering, but, but I don't know the details. I'm, I'm the driver. <laughs> No one's working on the car, so I'm getting, no one's working on the car, which is not a good sign for you. Um, you must be disappointed that the cars there having started so well. Well, I mean, everyone, everyone is excited to start at Dubai 24, and yesterday we've proven that we have the speed. I think the car, the car is a fantastic car with our force here with the hour rate, and. Um, yeah, I mean, yesterday, maybe you have seen it at the qualifying. Um, we had that luck where yeah, was doing that fast lap, and this was his last lap because there, somehow, it started. And uh, taking this into consideration, um, we just said, okay, we, we, we saved the energy and the budget and so on, and see, look in the future, what's coming next. That's such a shame, but, um, that, you know, we understand these things happen, so... Commiserations. Sorry, I said that's a shame, I mean, we know these things happen, but uh, quite frustrating, but we'll see you next time. Yeah, we hope so, definitely. I mean, Mugello is on. Let's see that with the transportation, everything goes fine, and then, yeah, cross fingers. Knock on wood. Thank you. Sven Herberger still with a smile at the end of that chat with Diana Binks. A real shame. It's a quick car, but they've been battling steering problems, whether related to power steering or otherwise, ever since yesterday's third qualifying session. Four hours done, and a mere 20 hours still to go in the 19th edition of the Dubai 24 Hours. It's get speed with their Mercedes that lead. Anthony Bartone, we thought, driving on fuel fumes. Well, the car has now finally pitted for some much-needed fuel to get it through the next 70 to 75 minutes, but a terrific stint from the American, and the car timed as the race leader as they hit the stripe after 89 laps. Torsten Kratz doing the chasing and may well inherit the race lead in the Haas RT21 Audi R8 LMS. Third position for the former race leaders, Easterlent racing for Gilles Magnus, who's just bailed out of that car. And we'll wait to see who is going to be installed, perhaps if they're doing a driver change. That car's currently in the fueling area. Then it's Herbert Motorsports, number 91, the all-black with the gold piping car for Ralph Bone. We've seen the spell of Daniel Alleman driving that, though, during the Code 60 period. 22 Century Motorsports BMW from GT3 Pro-Am, second in that category for Jake Rattenbury. And then the second of the century, Beamers, is Michael Johnston for car 14, sixth. Proton Huber competition with a Porsche for Renat Salikov. 
number 83, seventh. And the Santelot Racing Junior team, perhaps the sole surviving Santelot uh, Junior Audi now for Matteo Marafina in eighth. Car 48 is ninth. That's Dennis Ritera in his Porsche GT3 Am car number 48, ahead of the Tempto Racing GT3 offering uh, Audi number 99 for Andre Mukovoz. Then it's Hans Wehrmann for Uber Motorsport and the number 50 GT3 Am runner 11th, ahead of Rabdan by Fulgensi's 992 Am class leading Porsche, number 971, that's Saif Alameri from the 992 leaders. Remember, you've got 992 Am and 992 in that Porsche classification and the 909 Red Camel Jordans.NL car therefore leading its class in 13th overall. Dragon Racing's GT3 Ferrari, Ben Goethe driving the 88 car in 14th. Pro Sport Racing's number 901 for York V-Barn is 15th ahead of the Australian entered uh, or rather Kiwi entered Grove Racing crew with a lot of Australians in it and it's Kiwi Matt Payne doing the driving in car number 10. Heart of Racing by SPS number 27 is in 17th place for GT3 Pro-Am for Pierre Kleinubing. Then Fabrizio Brogi and the Manumari Energy by Ebi Motors Porsche number 95. Car Collection Motorsports Porsche 96 is in 19th for Dustin Blattner. Shane Lewis for CP Racing's GT3 Am 85 Porsche 20th position. Team Parker Racing's, a lot of fans for this car, the Bentley Continental. Joe Wheeler, the 20-year-old, is piloting that currently, number 31, 21st. The 17 MRS GT, GT racing car is a GT3 AM runner for John Corbett, 22nd. And one of the other 992 runners, one of many of them, for Jot Rapanga in the 962 Fat Autotech car of Switzerland. K Kramer Racing complete the top 24 for Carsten Kramer, number 936. Another Porsche Cup car is next on the list, 25th position for 907, the RPM rating car all green Tracy Crone liveried car for Nicholas Jonsson then it is Peter Glulinsk and the Red Ant Racing number 903 of Belgium Neuhofer Rennsport by MRS GT Racing's 988 numbered Porsche is 27th ahead of the GTX leader for Mikhail Pitamba of South Africa Rasun more than racing number 713 number 714 is in 28th place 29th for SMP Racing's 937 and that's now Dennis uh, Ramayako uh, in the second of the FAC Auto Tech cars, Mark Devis is in 961 and 30th position. The 76 McLaren still running in the hands of Omar Jackson. He is in 31st ahead of Team Captain America by Baz Kooten Racing's Porsche. Number 925 is 32nd. 33rd after just over four hours of running is the QMMF by HRT Porsche, number 931. 34th for Seb Lejeune Racing by Duvo Racing's Cup Car 908. And another of the GTX runners is the Vortex V8, number 701, 35th. Then it's Holger Harmsen for HRT Performance. The Porsche 929 is in 36th position. Stefan Gurig for his first spell in the racing one Ferrari is in 37th. They've had so many difficulties, mainly surrounding that door that wouldn't open during the first pit stop. 38th place for NKPP Racing by Baz Kooten and Dan Meyer. Number 992 is 38th, ahead of Toro Geneta G56 in the GTX category, number 795. And in 40th position, it's the Holmgard Motorsport 902 Porsche for Patrick S. Rasmussen. 
The next slate reveals in 41st place Frank Leverne for HRT Performance 930. AGMC Racing Team Simpson Motorsport Run 438 BMW M4 is in 42nd, ahead of the CWS Engineering Geneta G55 of 278 and currently Daniel Morris. 44th is where we see David uh, Pogoslan in the 496 Continental Racing by TTR Toyota Supra that was doing pretty well in GT4. It's uh, still in the reckoning versus the Century Motorsport BMW 429 uh, 45th and then the TCE leader currently piloted by Ahmed uh, Kaja and that is the Simpson Motorsport 138 Audi RS3 ahead of the AC Motorsport similar car number 18847 and the Santa Lock Audi we were just hearing from Sven Herberger not great hopes for that car continuing but displayed as 48th as we speak 49th position for Benito Targel in the SRS Team Zorg Rennsport Porsche 718 Cayman from the TCE slash TCX division. Christian Broberg also in that category in the 277 CWS Engineering Geneta is 50th. Ahead of the Lotus PB Elise, number 226. MRS GT Racing's Porsche number 989, 52nd. Mulner Motorsport have been in and out and in and out and mainly for Gilles Vanillet as they battle those ignition problems in the 921 Porsche Cup car. Sadly, the 927 will take no further part after a significant crash for Stefan Bayer exiting turn nine, which meant we were under code 60 for, I think, an hour and 13 minutes as the Armco barrier was repaired. That's timed as 54th position ahead of the Leipert Motorsport Lamborghini, which never started the race. Sadly, it was due to begin from the outside of the front row, but yet to see any laps completed for Leipert's Lamborghini.